uh, other than thank you, I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful, who does our music. Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork, on our honor. I want to thank Alexandra and Laura, who run our Facebook group over at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods. Hey, you're only tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep. Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here. Uh, to put you to sleep, we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, racing through your brain, whatever's got you up in pain or in thought or in, in emotional turbulence. What I'm going to do is I'm going to reach across the deep, dark night in, in both a metaphorical and in some senses, as physical sense I can get because my voice is, you know, causing the air to move and vibrate. Which is causing, if you listen to the ear episode, the inner ear, you know, a miracle of the inner ear. But I guess there is some physical connection we have in a strange, strange way. But but also, but as, as boundaries go, pretty safe, pretty safe boundaries. But I'm going to send my voice to you, I guess, uh, is a better way to put it, across the deep, dark night. One to let you know, geez, you might feel alone. You might feel hopeless. I, I felt both those things in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. You might feel like no one understands. And, and, a, and a whole bunch of other things. I don't want to start, dre- you know, what do you call it? dredging up anything on anybody. And I can't say, geez, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a sleep expert. I'm a barely, barely functional human being. But, you know, what does that be? A, B, barely functional, B, B, H, B, I can't even come up with a, I don't even know what it's called when you put letters for, make a word, uh, but the government does that all the time, so people do it, I think it's a family tradition in my family, but I'm doing my best here, and when I say, so I, so I might not be able to understand exactly what you're going through. I might not be able to physically be there for you or emotionally be there for you. And I might not be able to, to help you uh, uncover, unravel the sources of what's keeping you up at night. Uh, but what I can do is this podcast. I can say I can relate to what you're going through. I may not be able to understand it, but I, I, I understand that it sucks. And I just happen to have a very narrow skill set that happens to be very strange. And up until two years ago, a little bit under two years ago, he said, Jesus, it was just called, uh, I don't know, but but let me explain this skill set to you. This is your first time here, by the way. Welcome. Uh, Yes, you're in strange territory, clearly. But it's safe territory. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell a meandering, lulling story. I'm going to first. I'm going to give a, a, a unbelievably asinine and long-winded uh, explanation of what I do to put you at ease. Uh, for a lot of people, 
They come around these parts often. They start falling asleep right away. They say, oh, Scooter's off trying to explain the podcast, and they fall asleep. Then there's another sector of people that listen, and they say, well, I'm going to wait till he gets to the story. I like the stories. And they help me cross over from the threshold from wake, waking to sleep or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, so I'm going to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to take lulling, soothing tones the best I possibly can. I'm going to be meandering. I'm going to be long-winded, indirect, uh, silly, uh, strange, without a doubt, strange, but more. Well, I, I guess I didn't. I don't. I, I didn't. I, I passed art history, but I don't remember much about it. Uh, probably smoked too much weed before class, to be honest with you, but. uh you know, I'm like one of those painters that says that does it. That you say, well, that's weird, but but it doesn't creep me out. That's the goal of the podcast, or one of the goals. And then if you you, you say, geez, what if I can't fall asleep? Well, I try to have the story, the premise, the tale be as interesting as I can make it within all these uh, this context. And it just might show the limits of my storytelling ability. I say, well, I, try, I really do my best to make it a lulling, soothing, meandering. And somewhat interesting story for those of you that can't fall asleep. I say, geez, I, I, I would like someone to be there chattering on, prattling on for me. So that's what I do. I, I do a long intro. Usually I like to thank some of the people that have heard from this week next. And then, I, then I'll do a, a story. And it'll go on and it'll, and it'll put you at ease. It hopefully it makes you laugh. But you don't, don't, don't feel any pressure to pay attention. Don't feel any pressure to learn anything. I don't feel any pressure to 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 not to laugh at me. Go right ahead. But the main thing is, I, I want you to be at as at ease. Like I don't know if you remember the movie when Harry met Sally, but but during the movie they had all these cutaways of older couples that have been married or in relationships a long time talking on the couch. I'd like you to be as at ease as, as one of those members of one of those couples and say, well, I, you know, he does have terrible breath, but he still puts me to sleep. I mean, the best part about this podcast, you don't even need, need to worry about my breath. I'll tell you right now, I'm chewing on a, uh, a chamomile, peppermint, uh, ginger, oolong, lavender, uh, can't you know other you know some patchouli all that that's my breath is essence of sleep uh you know some essential you know i'm pulling oil here essential oils you know just to put you to sleep that's what my breath's doing that's all you need to think about and the main message i want to get across is i'm glad you're here it might take a couple times to get used to me that's that's what that's what people say. If you're skeptical, I'll tell you right now, I'm not an expert in anything but lulling. I'm an amateur luller. That's a, that's what I, you know best. So don't worry, I'm not going to say. Well, you know, for another, you know, forty five dollars, I'll hypnotize you later. So I said, I just want to let you know, I'm glad you're here. And and as I say, almost every time, uh, and more recently, I, I say. I hope, I desire, and I yearn to help you fall asleep, and I'm glad you're here. And thanks for being here and, and giving this a try. Thanks. 
Hey guys, this is Scooter here. Uh, this is a trending Twitter Tuesday episode, but it, it's uh, weird for me. It might not be weird for you because uh, I'm recording this episode one night after I recorded last Tuesday's episode. If everything goes out according to uh, a schedule. And I hadn't planned on recording a couple of things I hadn't planned on. And this is the start of the boredom. So uh, if you need to skip this, it should be in the uh, notes. But it's also, I said, Jesus, is this an opportunity for exploration? So last night I sat down. It was Tuesday. It's Wednesday now. Actually, let me get the uh, – I'm going to pause it and get the trend Twitter trends because it's like 740-something. Okay, hold on. Oh, boy, I might have to charge my phone. So it's uh, Wednesday, and I'm looking at the actual 22nd. It's about 10 to 8 now. And so last night I sat down. It had the the idea on Monday. This is a week. My daughter's away, so I'm recording podcasts. I'm trying to get a couple ahead or just get some stuff done. But tonight I had scheduled to work on a metastasis episode and get half of a metastasis done. But so last night though, I had sat down and I was going to do an episode about uh, having trouble writing algorithmic. And that was one of maybe one of my sweet sleeper summoners projects to write this song algorithmic to electric slide. And why I was going to explore that as a story idea. And he said, Jesus, he thought it was going to be a home run. I said, explore a story idea about being stuck in a creative process. And, and I'm not kidding, like the total fog of whatever you call it, ignorance or whatever, uh, whatever Mc, Marty McFly, Biff always used to say, McFly or so. But childlike ignorance, I guess I said, Jesus is going to go great. There's no better way to beat procrastination and writer's black than by talking about it and then going blind into trying to tell a story about it. And I think it would have been fine then, but I said, okay, I'm going to use these writer emergency cards. That, as I said, one of my personal heroes created these cards, John August. He's a screenwriter. I've talked about him. Wonderful person and a wonderful writer. And he made these cards to help writers that are stuck. And I've used them before. And even when I said, I said, geez, these cards have worked for me every time. It wasn't the cards fault, but I felt like last night the episode did not go well, which I think is so interesting. I was also trying to um, record it like on my phone because I was going to periscope this the last half and record the first half and then see uh, and see how it went. But I, I, I've never, it's been a long time since I've had to, uh, that I felt like really, really uncomfortable. Like the story was just not flowing. I just wasn't happy. But but let me tell you, the other times I felt like that, and I haven't listened to it. I haven't edited it, so I have no idea how it turned out. And then I still have to edit it and take out like the pauses and stuff. But every uh, in the times in the past where I thought an episode has gone horribly wrong, people have always it's always been like a couple people have gotten a hold of me, especially people I've never heard from before. And said, oh, that was my uh, horrible, that was, uh, and said, oh, that was my favorite episode ever. So it goes to show how poor my judgment is. And even a lot of times when I'm editing it, uh, I, I see, I, I hear it the second time. I say, oh, this actually turned out pretty good. It was just my self-criticism coming up when I'm trying to tell a story. 
and I share this with you guys for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm di- I said, you know what, Scooter, you got to get back on the horse. You got to dive back in because the story had a cliffhanger. And honestly, I was going to wait till next Tuesday to record it and recover and listen to the edit and maybe build up some of my confidence and then get the story ideas so I come into this preloaded instead of, you know, more blind. But I said, okay, Scooter, well, let's just go. Let's jump back into this and see how it goes. Uh, you know, my critic cannot be a part of this process, and I think this is why, like, part of the me trying to overcome my self-criticism and my fears and put them at bay and say, hey, guys, just like trying to quiet your brain down at bedtime when it's telling the bedtime story time for me. It's an ongoing process for the same similar voices, a little bit different because they're more, a little bit more judgmental. I say, this is not going good, buddy. This is going to be, what if John August sees this? He'll be a, he, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's still going to throw up when he hears this. Or this is the last podcast episode. And then I, even if I, re, a lot of times I just reason, I say, hey, listen, I'm just making a podcast to help people fall asleep. If it's, if the middle part's wicked boring, that's what the podcast, I don't have to tell perfect stories here. This is my playground where I help people fall asleep and I get to be a little bit silly and I get to have a little bit of fun. And a lot of times if I see how the story goes, the story goes and it feels okay. So, but last night I was unable to do that. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of banging my head against a wall and then I would regroup for a few minutes and then the story would flow and then I would go off the rails and and really a lot of times I don't panic. I've been doing this a little where I, I can a lot of most of the time I can stay calm and say, okay, just let the, let's just see how this goes. Worst case scenario, just be yourself, Scooter, and and you know bore the shit out of it. But I don't I don't know what if it was if it was like one that it was about being stuck and about the algorithmic, which I feel bad I I've been unable to break that. And follow through on it, which is another part that I'm ashamed of a little bit. But but not, maybe ashamed is too hard a word. Uh, not happy with myself maybe is a better word. So that's kind of like a long explanation of what this episode's about. But anybody, the reason I'm sharing is, one, I don't think this stuff ever stops just because we're going to sleep. You know, that's when it gets the worst for a lot of us. But the, I know a lot of you whether it's creating something just for use around your home or, or wanting to share something with a small portion of the world, something special you want to make or something you want to express or something you issue you feel strongly about. I know how hard it is. If you, if you, because if you listen to this podcast, you got to at least relate to what's going through my brain. And if you have to go through anything similar, I really feel some compassion or empathy, whichever one I'm supposed to feel that I actually do in this case. Because making stuff can be incredibly hard. Just overcoming these obstacles, these internal obstacles, and they're never vanquished or beaten, unfortunately. That's the truth. But a lot of times you say, geez, I, got a, I had a pretty good streak going there, I'll be honest with you, and then this came up. The last episode that I, even after I edited it, no, I don't want to say because I don't want to ruin anybody's episode, but it's been a while since there was one where I was like, 
should I put this out? And then I did, and then that was one I heard from more than one person. I loved that episode. So it's just funny that some voice in our brain that treats everything like it's hard fact can be so wrong. And I guess sometimes I don't. I got to find some courage and go back into this story. And it had some good elements. And I think it might have been a pretty good story. It had more really safer. One, you can't really go wrong. And it had rabbits trying to take over the world, I think. So I don't know. This is just Scooter trying to uh, keep the line of communications open. And if any of this, anybody can use in any way. But, Jesus, I hope you, I hope, or if if it reassures you that I'm totally bonkers. And that this podcast, sometimes it might sound like this is easy for me. It's, It's not. But it's enjoy. But just because it's hard doesn't make me make it a a pain. I don't know. I just wanted to share that. So let's uh, let me pause it. I'm gonna take a few breaths, and I'll be back. All right. So when we last left off last week, and Drew just said, "Note: If you're gonna do a story episode, do it here and now with that nonsense you just went through." <laughs> just just like an internal critic uh, calling that nonsense. All right, so when we last left off, I'm pretty sure uh, Morley and Safe, Morley Safer and I, uh, Morley Safer and I had just gone and discovered the Boz factory we were in was actually on a planet or a planetoid, a space station circling the Earth, or with a view of the Earth, like giant windows. We had discovered the, the fact that the Earth, that we were in the, the Boz factory, was a space station. And then Morley and I were sealed inside of chocolate, what, what I assumed at the time were tro- a hollow chocolate bunnies. Like we were sealed inside of it. But, and, and I tried to break out. And believe it or not, uh, it must have been like kind of like, uh, I don't know, it was devilish because it, it sealed very fast. And the only thing I managed, because you would have thought more morally, he said, it's melting, push your hands through. I'm, you know, he was a old, he's an older gentleman, so he's putting it on me. And the only thing I managed to push through was one of my pinkies, and it got stuck in the chocolate. And then I was trying to communicate with Morley to get more bright ideas from Morley, but he was, he was very muffled. And then you could hear on the outside they were wrapping, I, I, I assumed, yellow ribbons around the necks of our bunnies. But my pinky was trying the chocolate, so I was licking and licking and licking. And I said, this chocolate's now melting. Morley couldn't hear me. And I said, okay, well, at least Glenn, at least Glenn Greenwald, Leslie Stahl, and Noel Bergman... Maybe Noel Bergman, I don't know if Noel Bergman's a uh, a journalist or supports the journal in the journalism industry in any way. But at least the big three, as I call them, like more, morally, just morally. But, you know, I don't know. I just, just call those three the big three. I just started calling them the big three. Stahl, Lollman, and... Greenwald, Greenwald, his guest started with Stahl, because that's so powerful. So they're all Greenwald and Lowell, nope. Stahl, Lowell, and Greenwald, nope. 
And we'll work on it. I mean, I guess you can see why I called it the Big Three. But anyway, my pinky's caught in the chocolate. But I was like, okay, at least the marketing campaign has been exposed. The chemical campaign. Probably my name. They said, I wonder if they know I was the creator of all the brilliant marketing. If someone says, what's an incredibly evil intended marketing campaign? Well, let's not break the blame the marketers for it. Let's think about, uh, you know, who was the brilliant mind behind this caffeine-fueled campaign to invent a new holiday? I wonder if it was the same guy that invented all Husband's Eve, the uh, celebration for unmarried or for married childless men the night before Father's Day, uh, sponsored by, by whatever beer company bids the most, all Husband's Eve, uh, still available. Uh, not because there's no bidding, though, because bidding's just, you know bidding's open. Uh, you know bidding bidding war is a, it's a slow war, the bidding war for all husbands' eve. Uh, so Morley and I were in these uh, the, these chocolate bunnies, and and then I feel moving. I feel us moving in like a what do you call that? Like a uh, you what else things called uh, forklift type. I hear the and even the beeping backing up. And they said, oh, that's good. The rabbits practice uh, with occupational health. And then I said, I said, I heard Morley clearly. He said, Derek, you still call me Derek, which, oh, geez. You'd think by now I would have told him he was getting my name. He said, Derek, think like a rabbit, an evil rabbit. And I said, well, I'm not. I said, hey, technically they're not rabbit, rabbit, but, you know, Morley couldn't hear me. I said, but he just said, well, okay, think like a rabbitoid. And then I said, you know what, Morley said, I said, think like someone with uh, uh, whatever I called those hand paws, paw, pans or whatever I called them previously. Paws, hands and paws or pans. I think I was calling them pans, but I started to think. I started to look at my hands and pretend they were pans. And I pressed him against the hollow chocolate walls. They were just thick enough to resist my clawing, licking, pounding, and all that. But I had, you know, room to move and stuff. But it, it just, I didn't notice. I said, geez, this isn't, after a while, this is going to get pretty uncomfortable. I'm at an angle. You know, I think my head was where the bunny head was, and my main body was in the bunny's body. And anyway, not important, not important. And they said, well, see, they said, well, they got this thing. They said, if they have this, they've got to have something more powerful than a weak marketing campaign, last minute marketing campaign. Uh, to, to create a, a holiday to slowly poison the children and adults of Earth and take over via uh, vinegar based. Uh, egg dye, unclear, unclear, importantly hatched evil plan. Maybe they have something, you know, to trump that. And then suddenly I thought, this is in my wheelhouse. They said, okay, they had a bad plan. And they said, they said, well, let's come up with a better one that's not as bad. And they came up with the one they they just executed. So I said, what could possibly have been like, well, let's not do, that's an option, but let's not do that. Let's try to think of something better with our limited, you know, brain power or whatever it was. And I thought of like the last, uh, uh, well, wait, there's a sponsored message coming in uh, through my brain. Well, 
don't, don't tell me. I was thinking of, like, misguided marketing campaigns. I remember when there was a sweepstakes recently of a, a painkiller, painkiller sweepstakes. And I said, and, and they they said they were going to give away things that it went totally wrong because they said it involved uh, everything pain. And they said sweepstakes are away your pain, I think. And, and then people, they said that was the worst idea. It backfired. And they said, well, they probably weren't going to do a sweepstakes because they could have, they would have told me. And they said, okay, what about campaigns? And I said, well, why would rabid humanoids, obviously their planet's gone. But I said, I don't know how they have it. And I said, well, they're pawns in somebody else's scheme. And I said, these rabbits aren't just, I said, obviously they're not evil geniuses, but no one's going to make. And I said, it's some sort of, I said, what What could, I, and then I noticed I heard coming through the walls of chocolate surrounding me, the sounds of a TV and chitter chatter of a group watching TV. And I said, I could, I think I, I could have sworn I heard some of this. Like rabbit, kind of sounds rabbit makes when they're moving their faces. And probably snacking. What? And I heard uh, the 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 wonderful voice of Ian Ziering that was putting me at a heroic, heroic uh, dialogue muffled by the, the, the hollow chocolate shallows. And and I said, "Damn!" It, Sharknado three came out, and I said, "Well, I don't have cable, so it's I wouldn't have watched it anyway." But I said, "I love Ian Ziering." And I don't know who else is in it, but it, wow. And I said, okay, I got to scan. I, I said, I said, geez, I got to figure out a way to get out of here. And then I remember this one time I had uh, met, I had met, uh, met uh, this crazed, uh, what do you call it, agricultural uh, inspector. Because I used to work a long time ago. True story. Actually, not that long ago, I was a fruit fly trapper checking the state of California with a county of Alameda for fruit invasive fruit flies and insects. And there was this one uh, agriculturalist that liked to hang around there. They wouldn't give this 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 guy a job, uh, but he would hang around, and he would. You'd always want the latest. And well, what's up with the olive? You know, all wanted the. Shares two cents about everything, and most people wouldn't give him the time of day. But I said, I said, uh, he, he always was sitting by my truck, uh, so I always had to talk to him. I didn't have a choice. I had to give him. He would say, "What time is it?" I would say, "Same time at all." I said, "It's like uh, seven forty-eight. That's when I get to my truck. I get to work at seven thirty. Takes me to plan my route." Anyway, what's up? And I would usually bring some fruit from home or some food, you know, because I felt bad. They said this agriculturalist. And to be honest, he would usually give me, he said, I wish I had the podcast at the time because he would go on these rants and speeches about fruits and stone fruits versus, I, I said, Jesus, this guy, he, he was like, you wouldn't know your pit from a... And I don't even know his other thing. He said that's how poor my agricultural knowledge was. I mean, I remember this one time, and this is going to repulse you if you're, you know, if you're not a foot foot person, which I'm not particularly. I don't fall either way. 
But I had these Kiwis, and the next thing I know, this dude's taking his shoes off. And he's put he's putting the kiwi between his feet, and he's shaving the kiwi with his freaking yeah yeah exactly. And I said to him, I said, "What in the hell are you doing?" He said, "I'm I got me old kiwi shavers going." And he's like, "I'm gonna do a little kiwi shaving here." And I said, "I said I'm never bringing you fruit again," which I, of course was not true. The next day, I gave him. I said, "I said everybody, you got to see this guy's kiwi shavers." And then I tried to make up some jokes with kiwi shavers, but most people are repulsed by the feet. I can tell you, some of you are like, "Oh God!" But it was clean feet. Uh, believe it or not, it wasn't well. Actually, I took the kiwis and I threw them away from him. But I said, it's probably good for your skin anyway, a little kiwi juice. And he actually did shave the kiwi. Just, uh, he said, uh, he said, I never mind, I don't want to think about it. But it turns out, I said, the old kiwi shavers, that's how we get out of here. And I said, you know, my feet are pretty strong. And believe it or not, I know that I run pretty hot, uh, you know, internally, and plus all the caffeine I'd had earlier. So I popped open my shoes, and I just started pumping, pumping, pumping my feet. I didn't even have to use my nails. I was running in place, and we were jumping up. And, and I got to tell you, the friction city was going on down there. But I don't know if anybody owns a spa, owns a nail salon. Probably not, probably not the best idea with a nail salon. Or, you know, does that, if you're a salon, if, you know, take this idea and run with it. Melted chocolate under your feet when you're melting it yourself. Oh, my goodness. If I wasn't, if the fate of the world was not hanging in the balance, and if Morley Safer wasn't incorrectly calling me Derek and pounding on his chocolate, I could have just done that for hours. It was like chocolate between my toes. Like I was running in place, running, and he said, Derek, what are you? I said, I'm running in chocolate, Morley. This is great. And at some point, I ran, ran, ran the chocolate right to the floor. And then it was extremely slippery. So I kind of, so I got, and then I tried to run it. I said, well, I'm not going to run out of this one. And then I used my socks to wipe up the chocolate. And and, then I said, okay, I got to figure out. And then I said, Morley, can you hear me? He said, yeah, Derek. And I said, hold on tight. And I stood up, and I jammed my shoulders into the chocolate bunny, and I turned to this right, and I knocked Morley's bunny over. And then I waited, and I heard the bunnies gather around. And I said, Morley, what are you doing? Are you trying to get away? Because I was like, I, they won't. And then I, I, I lifted up the... He waited till I saw the sound of them, and then I went in, and I went down, I grabbed the bottom with my feet, grabbed my bunny, chocolate bunny, lifted it. Definitely got some strength from both the caffeine and the adrenaline and the chocolate I took a giant bite out of, and I threw, you know, like they say, humans under stress can lift incredible amounts. This must have weighed Thousands of pounds, probably 80 pounds, which in normal circumstances would give me a backache. But I flung this, boom, it knocked like four bunnies over. And then, of course, there was like about 16 left. 
and Morley was on his side, and it, but luckily one of the ears had broken off. And I stuck my hand in the ear, and I just started using that like uh, I, I was, uh, and it turned out the bunnies were afraid of chocolate. It was a strange, I said, they must be allergic. So then I started kicking chocolate. I started melting chocolate with one foot, flinging it, and they were trying to, but every time they, they started running or if they got hit, they were running for the infirmary. And then I hopped on, on my Morley's, and I said, Morley, I'm going to run my way through your chocolate. And he said, okay, Derek. And so I started running in place. Now, meanwhile, I was running in place. There's alarms going off. There's rabbits running around. At this point, I was, like, biting off a little piece of chocolate and threatening So the rabbits, and then I looked up. And in one of the spots where the old factory boss would look down, even though this was a new factory, so I guess a new factory boss, one of those windows overlooking the factory floor. I guess in this case, well, I don't know, but I saw... Uh, catfish humanoid, catfish. And he said, Morley, we got ourselves a catfish. And he said, what, Derek? I said, nothing. And I said, I'm getting through because I was going through. And I said, geez, I, I, I had bet that, like, the neck area of the rabbit was the thinnest part. But I guess I was wrong because I picked the wrong side of the ribbon. But anyway, I was still running, running, running. And those of you that, uh, I said, if, if you, this catfish had a three-piece suit on, catfish humanoid. As far as I could tell from the distance, an ascot, and definitely had a monocle, maybe a monocle. I couldn't tell if it was a monocle or a pocket watch from this distance. Uh, but, you know, it's an archetype that humans have been writing about for years. Normally, catfish is in human form, as far as I could tell, are usually bad guys or evil. And I think H.G. Wells was maybe the first one that identified this as a fact, you know. Or, and I said, geez, yes. I said, was that, was that the center of the earth or was that? And I said, and then I cracked through Morley's thing and I kicked off the head of his bunny. And I pulled Morley out because he's a little bit more a smaller frame than I am. So he came right at the neck of his rabbit. And he said, you're a lifesaver, Derek. And I said, well, we got to become earth savers morally. And I said, did Greg, Glenn Greenwald didn't happen to call you? He said, no, Leslie did. And I said, one day I may be able to call her Leslie. If, you know, if I can complete this mission and not destroy the earth. And Morley said, what do you think? And I said, that catfish is up there, but he's not sending any guards in. And I said, so we must be headed in one direction. And I said, five years of one direction, just like the band. I said, I'm pretty sure I know where we are. And I said, we're inside of Pluto, uh, morally. I said, I think I'm pretty sure it takes five years. It's been in one direction. Because I, I, I said, at some point, I'm pretty sure I saw a ticking clock that said five years to Earth. And he said, we, we, we look closer than that, buddy. And I said, well, it might have been. I said, I don't know more, really. I said, I know we're in Pluto. We got a catfish man. I said, pause. I said, wasn't there a heart on Pluto? Like, I love Pluto. And uh, I said, uh, pause. The A is a heart, I think. And Morley said, you might be on to something. And he said, what next? 
And I said, we do something crazy morally. And I said, let's just start. I said, uh, let's walk slow. I said, I walk slowly and walk close to me, determined. I said, well, he, I said, was that just Mike Wallace that would go into business places or did you ever do that? And he said, why, Derek, why are we walking? And I said, as confident as you've ever walked morally. I said, like the first moment I met you walking out of MAME. And he said, what? And I said, that's when I first met you more. I'll never forget it. And then I, he said, what is that? And I said, I don't know. But I said, we've got it. I said, I, I wish I could think like Mame. But I said, that, cat, that catfish is so confident morally. We, we've got to, we've got to out. Uh, I said, what are those things? That, I said, I wonder why he doesn't need any water, huh? And I said, we must have something to do with the pressure. Of the fact that this is another plan. I said, this is some sort of Pluto move, Pluto vengeance move. And I said, they've used us and Glenn Greenwald and Leslie Stahl and Lowell Bergman to put Earth in a, to take Earth's attention off of some other scheme they're cooking. And Morley said, what do you think it is? And I said, I think they're planning a knack in the moon. I said, they're going to take, I said, isn't the Pluto and the moon like pretty much the same size? And Morley said, the fool, and I said, then I saw, I saw the moon approaching. And if you want to wonder what breathtaking really means, be inside of uh, somehow the planet Pluto, uh, defying all sensibility. But without a doubt, it was a planet Pluto uh, with some sort of uh, giant windows. Uh, You know, the interior Pluto unexplored to this day. Uh, and you look out the window and you see the Earth's moon uh, beyond, beyond breathtaking, so huge, so, so, so I, I don't have words for it, but it was hypnotic and it was mesmerizing and I reached, it was so breathtaking that I reached for Morley Safer's hand and he, he did not pull it away. And we held each other's hands not in romance, have in part amazement, in part shock, and I think Morley's still shocked about it. I said, it's not, it's, I said, dudes do it, Morley. I said, it happens, get over yourself, but that was afterwards. But we watched, and at first we were squeezing each other's hands because we were afraid we were going to hit the moon at that moment, but the moon was so massive. That when I see, he said, the fool's. And I said, I said, yeah, what are they thinking? It's going to, there's no possible way you can bump another, you know, something out of orbit. And he said, no, Glenn Greenwald didn't use a primary source in this article. And I said, morally focus on the fact that we're, at some point we're going to bump into the moon and all hell's going to break loose because these catfish, plutoids are pissed. And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, clearly this Paz Inc. is, is, uh, is for something, and I said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then I noticed uh, dyed liquid was being sprayed on the light side of the moon. And I I said, well, geez, that's going to be impressive from Earth. And they were spraying it in different colors. And for a second, me and Morley wanted to just watch, and I said, I wonder if they're going to put some, you know, hey, Earth, you're screwed, or hey, moon, you suck. But at first, they were, and I said, "Okay, we better, we better, uh, 
we better figure out a plan. And then I was trying to think, like, uh, wouldn't the space station... And they said, well, who knows how smart these calf... And I said, what are we being propelled by? Sun's gravity... And I said, I said, Morley, I think I, I said, we got to get up to that catfish. And he said, why? I said, I said, why don't you go up there? And I said, are you listening to us? And the catfish nodded. And I said, okay. I said, well, you know, why don't you go up there, Morley, and interview the catfish? I said, we're, we're doomed. I said, I need to go cry somewhere and, and say goodbye to my family, at least in spirit. But Morley's still a true journalist. And then Morley said, well, what about my... And I said, Morley. They said, go interview the catfish that's trying to destroy the moon. And I said, can, I said, you got some live feed to Earth. You can, uh, I said, can you Skype in Leslie Stahl and Lil Bergman? And Morley said, we're going to punish Glenn. And I said, no, I'm just kidding. I said, Glenn Greenwald to Skype them in. And, and then I said, go, Morley. I said, I got something I need to do. And the, the catfish seemed pretty pleased because they said, well, this is Pluto's moment to shine. You know, they said, they, and I said, and he said, well, there's a lot of oversight being missed because Earth's going to probably be destroyed if this plane. But I said, I've got another plan. And I, I, I looked around and I, I started to think in this factory, what could I use? I was thinking, what could I use to... Uh, and then I heard, well, I was trying to think what to do, and I heard the uh, the catfish guy, you know, talking immorally, and he said, well, what are you, and he said, well, we're Plutonians, we're the APMAs. And Morley said, what is that saying for? And he said, that's our APMAs, altruistic Plutonian um, moon alternators. And Morley said, is that a, and Morley, who went right, he was asking him, and ended up this was just a branch of crazy Plutonians that live deep within the core of the planet. And I said, Jesus, it probably goes pretty deep, I guess. But he said, yeah, we're covering the, uh, he said, we're covering the moon and Papa and ink, and we're going to leave, leave you with one last goodbye. And then he said, I don't know, he said something about the ink uh, starting to, uh, he said something about the ink slowly deteriorating the moon, and I said, well, that would get the, uh, and I said, that's going to use a lot of ink, and, and, and again, he was talking about some sort of magnetism and half-lives, but I was saying, man, Earth's going to, I said, I still don't buy this stuff, and I said, what the hell am I going to, and then I saw these giant, you know, things shooting the, the juice out of the moon, you know, onto the moon. And I said, Jesus, I, I said, okay, I got, an, I think I got an idea. And I, I ran, I started running around the factory. It took me a little while to find the direction. Luckily, Morley was buying me plenty of time. I mean, he was like going for two or three 60-minute episodes, I think. And then Lowell was feeding Leslie, like all three of them, questions. And then even the other guy from Citizen Four, the guy they could had the great shorthand, he was coming in and like clarifying stuff. Uh, sir, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, but I said okay, I got, I think I got an idea, and uh, so I started looking. And I finally found a mechanical room that was controlling these giant sprayers that were spraying some sort of altered pa- pause dye into onto the moon. 
And I saw they were using clockwork machinery. I said, well, H.G. Wells would be pleased. And I had brought with me uh, uh, most of what was left from Morley suit. I was wearing a bunny helmet with the eyes cut out uh, so I could see. And I had a, a ch- giant shield of chocolate and another the bu- other bunny ear as a, a sword arm. And I cleared all the rabbits out of the mechanical room. And then I started smashing stuff and taking rabbit. You know, any rabbits that mess with me, I gave them their chocolate. I said, this stuff. I said, what the hell are these catfish thinking? Uh, but anyway, I, I, I said, maybe they think you. And I said, never mind. I scared all the rabbits out. And then I went after the control panels. And finally, I shut, I, sh- I shut down. I didn't shut down the sprayer. But I, like, managed to disengage some of the gears, and that's all I wanted to do. And then I saw, I said, geez, I'm trying, I tried to re-aim the stuff, and I said, and then I kicked it, you know, just like in the movies. You know, I couldn't figure out how to work the computer because I had smashed it, which, again, 2020 vision, I shouldn't have smashed computers. But I found a disengager to put it, not even in manual, neutral, and then I just melted some chocolate with my feet. I said, well, geez, that feels good. And I started running on some of these giant brass gears. I said, H.G. Wells would love this. And I and believe me, I don't know, again, maybe it was the adrenaline. I said, I said well, if I run this this direction, it's going to shift the sprayers. Now, the sprayers were still going full bore. And as I started to turn the sprayers with my running on this giant clockwork, like a uh, soon, soon I was covered in chocolate. I was running on all fours, like a chocolate drenched gerbil on a wheel. And I was just—I still was had a huge caffeine high from all those K cups from the last episode. But I was running, running, running. And as the sprayers turned, just as I knew how delicate things can be in space from watching movies like Gravity, and Gravity, and I said, "Well, if that worked for." Uh, Sandra Bullock and uh, and George Clooney. If you know, I said, or no, was that Wally that used the? Uh, I said it doesn't matter. So as the guns spraying the water shifted, at first the planet Pluto shuddered and shuddered, and then I felt it slowly shudder and alter in like whatever the gravity they had set to make us, you know, not float around. Which I'm sure a gravitologist was like, what the heck? But it shuddered and shuddered, and I saw the moon moving out of the thing. And then I felt a, a giant shudder as we were caught in Earth's gravity in some unpredicted way from whoever's in the engine room. And I said, that's another catfish mistake, keeping the engine room and the spraying room separate. But I said, they probably want to be by these gears where the sprayers are. And then I felt alarms going off and anything, but I, the sprayers were so well designed, you know, brass fittings. I said, these guys, they know what they're doing. And at this point, they must have not, they must have only had rabbit soldiers. I guess they probably figured the futility of the mission. Or maybe everybody else was caught in the center of Pluto. But I said, well, geez, uh, as, as, as we got caught in Earth's gravity, I started to laugh to myself, and and, and, then, you know, things started to fall apart as as we were fully gripped. Now, we were still far away uh, from an earthly standpoint, 
but from a, a point of no return, we we were we had crossed over that almost instantly. Uh, once we were out of the, I said uh, maybe the moon's got a gravitational push and pull. I have no idea. And now, unfortunately, I'm not a scientist. But I said, well, if this is hollow, and they built all this crap with these windows, uh, odds are, well, the fate of work. They said in order to save Earth. I have to destroy Pluto, and I, I was guessing that our long drag in Earth's atmosphere uh, would 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 the planet would Pluto would burn up because it's smaller. And I was saying this actually on sixty minutes. Now you might not, and none of this aired, of course. Big cover up, of course. But it turn, uh, turns out Paz is a huge donor to uh, you know all, all political parties. But so the planet, once it was caught in Earth's gravity, I, I, you know, I was giving this speech. I said, you got, your planet's hollow, and so are its inhabitants, no offense. This was what I was saying to the uh, catfish guy when I broke in. I said, I, uh, I guess I got a little carried away because I said, uh, is this live? And Morley said to the government, you know, to the government it is. And then, those, the, the, you know, they're saying, and I said, Morley? And then they all laughed at me. And they said, are they laughing? They said, what are they, are they laughing at because I'm naive or are they just joking? But I said, well, it'd be nice if this was life because Pluto's headed towards Earth. I'm about uh, 85% sure it's going to break up and melt in the Earth's atmosphere because because it's hollow and full of catfish. I said, it's going to melt like chocolate. And I said, that's the only reason I can think of it. There's so much Easter-related things on this planet Pluto. I said, I don't have any idea. And I said, maybe one day we'll find all of it out. And then the planet was shuddering, shuddering. I said, well, geez, a lot of these brass fit. This is pretty well made. And I said, oh, dear. Like, what if I'm wrong? And then Morley said, we will better cut off the interviews here and, and get, find a way the hell off of here. And so then the, the catfish guy, he was just, he was so enraged at us and in disbelief that we had, uh, that I had upended his plans. He said, I, Derek, I'm going to get you. And I'm, I'm like, for sure, keep your eyes out for a Derek that looks like me. I live near Morley in Florida. And he said, Morley down. I said, run down the stairs to the uh, the mechanical room. There's Easter egg uh, escape pods, pods, pods. And I said, go get him one away for me. And I said, I'm sorry I had to ruin your plans, Catfish. And he, he pulled it. Remember, I had gotten that medallion that said, uh, one way ticket off of Earth. And he laughed and he pulled that off me and he said, we're not done yet. He goes, go safer. He goes, but, but you haven't beaten Pluto and this won't be the last of you or Earth here from Pluto. Vengeance will be ours. And he hit this button and all of a sudden this sonic noise. It was a, 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 more of a vibration. I guess I couldn't hear anything, but I could sense it vibrating. And he said, this is, he goes, this is the element from our sister planet all the way across the universe, solid core, unlike ours. And it, 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 is it, is it, 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 he's explained a bunch of other crap about metaphor. I don't know, but it, all of a sudden, this thing flew to the roof and like stuck there like a magnet and they're shuddering increased for a second and then boom i felt a gravity change and we were no longer like we'd equalized for a split second again 
And then, boom, there was a drop as we were started to be pulled out of the Earth's gravitational pull. And I said, well, that felt good. I said, did catfish get that feeling in your loins and stomach? Because that felt good. But then I started to feel myself wait. I said, and then I ran. And I ran down. I hopped in a pinkish, hot pink pause escape pod. I hopped in was morally. I said, hit it morally. And he said he hit, he hit the green button and poof, we launched out of the ship. We returned to Earth in a roundabout way. And uh, believe it or not, this thing had an ingenious way of slowing down and ejected like miles-long streams of cellophane, purple cellophane wrap. That must have been an impervious to the but melting or something that slowly slowed us down. And then, uh, and then it, it, it poofed. It surrounded us in one of those things called peeps. And then when we hit, we just boom, boom, boom. And it also had like peep bedding, which was nice without the candy coating, though. So it was like a fleece instead of because the candy sugar could be a little gritty. Uh, but we were debriefed, you know, by the security forces of planet Earth and. Uh, I was told never to speak of this, and uh, you know, believe it or not, Morley. Well, he said he was retired. Every time I call him, I'd say uh, Morley says Scooter. He say, it's funny. You sound like a, I guess I was so I have a resentment. I couldn't admit that it was Derek. I just want Morley Safer to know me for me and not for someone he's confused as Derek. And, and even to confirm it, at one time I called, I said, Hey, Morley, it's Derek. He said, Derek, oh, so good to hear it. And he went on forever, and I hung up and cried. And he said, Why can't Morley? And then Leslie Stahl, Glenn, 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 Glenn Greenwald's got a restraining order on me. Well, Lowell Bergman, you know, says, threatened me. He said, he said nah, He's got a temper. And then Leslie Stahl, you know, I said, I have too much respect for I, I mean, I called her a few times, and then she said, please don't call me. So nice. And I said, I'm not, call, not calling you. I'm saying, you didn't have to be nice. I respect you. And, she, and I was waiting, you know, for her to say the same no. And I said, well, maybe, and I don't know how they covered up the, the fact that the moon had changed colors. Or I said, there must have been some of it. I said, well, they said, good thing, I don't want to get blamed for any of this global warming. You know, they said, well, it wasn't global warming. It was the idiot in Pluto that crashed Pluto into Earth. So probably best that, you know, Earth avoided being caught in any of my calculations. But bad, good news, bad news, good news, Earth was saved. Good news, if there's a sweep weeks weeks and sixty minutes is ever down in the ratings, they got they're sitting on those stories. Uh, hopefully, if they come out with like Citizen Four Point One, uh, the pause story, you know, because they probably. But I said I don't know if they even got to Glenn Greenwald. I don't. Maybe they his dogs probably they used his dogs. He's got such nice dogs. Uh, but the good news: Earth was saved. Everyone ended up being okay. And uh, running in chocolate is wonderful. Uh, that bad news, Pluto's out to get us. No, I mean, no one's surprised. I mean, come on, who would be surprised? It's like a dysfunctional relationship with this Pluto, and Pluto can only take it so long. 
And then all the stuff I said, you didn't even hear about being like a hollow, weak planet. Or maybe you did hear it. But um, so I said, that's the end of the story. And we made it, and we, did, we, we made it back to Earth, Morley and I, back to our lives. No ticker tape parade, no acknowledgement, but that's not about it, just the Derek thing. But I guess I can call Morley, say, for whatever I want. I just got to pretend I'm Derek, but I'm not even pretending. That's what's frustrating. And I said, said, well, what if, you know, I said, he even one time, because uh, I call, I guess I call more than once I'm lying. And he said, Derek, I'd love you to meet my, I don't know if it was a niece or his, his, his I don't know, he was like a blind, set me up on a date with someone that's related to say was safer. And I said, geez, that would make for an awkward wedding. When I said, well, I'm not, Derek's just my, uh, but he refuses. I said, Morley, why don't you, you don't need to call me Derek anymore. And he said, Derek. So maybe I'm just hoping that Morley's being joking with me, that he really knows my name. And I said, well, I get a scooter, Andrew. I would take his one Andy I'd take. Pod boy. So maybe he's messing with me. That's it. I'm, I'm glad you uh, listen to the story, and I hope you're asleep. Good night. I want to thank Laura, a different Laura, for her comments on our website. So nice. Thank you. I want to thank David, Luke, and Meg. Those are the people I'm talking to about the editing. I want to thank Lincoln for his nice offer. Angela for and Betty and Michael C. Those were all nice emails I got. Miss M, I got a nice email. Faye, I want to thank Rachel, Jake, Eloise, Lori, Babs, Mr. Recovery, Josh T. Well, shining the, shine the sun. Well, I, should, I gotta stay away from those kind of words. Those trip me up. Shining the sun on me over on Twitter. Kimberly and Julie were, 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 you know, cheering me up. I didn't need to be cheered up, but they did it. They said, hey, let's cheer them higher. They said, maybe Scooter doesn't need to be cheered up. Maybe he needs to be cheered. Cheered. Just just a general cheer, not a yelling cheer. Like Christmas cheer, but all, all through the year. And that's why it's the best time of the year when you hear from Julie and Kimberly. Everybody near, let's be clear that I'm saying thank you. And I want to thank you, Samantha, again, over at Spines and Covers for that. Jeez. And, you know, say, geez, if I get down, I can just read that, you know, and say, put me, if, if, uh, if I need, if the cheer's not enough, then I can, so thank you. And I'm sure we're going to find some wonderful new people because of that. So thank you so much. I think that's it on the uh, thank yous right now. If I miss anybody, you know, you're dealing with a flawed person here, but I apologize. And hopefully, you know, just let me know. I'm not, a, you know, you, you don't have to be afraid if you say, hey, Scooter, I sent you $4 billion last week and a spaceship and a new Tesla. Well, how about, you know, I, I didn't do it for the thank you. And I didn't do it for my own personalized episode. But, you know, if you could please, I just wondered if, if I did something to bother you. Elon.
and I would say musky. Oh, you get, did it? Did, I don't know if anybody. So I saw um, Brad Bird speak. I want to thank Brad Bird, and I know he won't hear this, but holy cow, uh, Brad Bird's an amazing speaker, hilarious, and like not the same kind of humor as me, but the, the, that kind of humor that you know a lot of people say he's not funny, but it, he's hilarious. Like a, I don't know, he's not dry. But I don't know, he had to be there, and he was taught, I don't know, he really, really inspired me. And then he was talking about some stuff, and I'd been trying to figure out, okay, some things uh, creatively, like about uh, a series, what are we going to bring back, what are we going to, and he said something, and I said, holy crap, there's my answer. Uh, so but whatever the next series is, or whatever, maybe it'll be Brad Bird's, just his his being Brad Bird, and he's not bird like. I mean, he's he has the good aspects of birds, with none of the irritating ones. He didn't call once. Actually, I love cause, and he probably could have made it. He did go boom, and he made an explode. It, it was cool, and he he talked about Muskie. That's what made me think about it. He calls him Elon or Mister Mister Musk. So Mister Musk sounds like uh, hello. My name's Mr. Musk. I'm here to talk to you about sleeping in sweet, sweet love. I'm Mr. Musk. But anyway, Elon, so if you want me to thank you, you just ask, okay? And you send me a Tesla, not purple, but I'll take a purple Tesla. But, you know, make sure you run it through some other off-seas corporations. Uh, thank you. And thank you, Brad Bird. Uh, and thank you all, because you guys inspire me. Like, you give me a reason to pay attention, I think, because I said, Jesus, Brad Bird's great, but I wonder if he could help me with these ideas I can't, you know, I haven't been able to bring into focus for my listeners, the wonderful listeners, and then he just, and I said, whoop, that's it, there's my answer. Not actually an answer, but I said, well, there's a setting for for the next, uh, so that's that's months away. But anyway, it's all that cheer you guys keep giving me. And I had a soda about two hours ago, so. All right, uh, let's get on to the rest of the show. How about that? And I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson, who does our music over at SoundsLikeAnEarful.com. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer on my honor, on, my, on our artwork, uh, helping us out. I want to thank Alexandra and Laura that run the Facebook group over there at uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And here's what I'm going to do tonight. It's uh, Tales from Lady Witchbeard, Tales of Lady Witchbeard, our serial story. So I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm going to try to distract you from whatever's running through your brain, whatever's got you thinking or shifting, you know, uncomfortable, uh, unable uh, to get comfortable, you know, any whatever's got you unable to drift off into dreamland. I'm going to try to distract you from that with my little story here. 
And the way I do it is, is I'm going to create a safe place here. I'm going to reach across with my voice, across the deep, dark night. And say, hey, this is your buddy Scooter, your boyfriend. Here to tell you another tale. Take your mind off of things. Uh, bring your focus over here. I think with the summer, it's like she said, I'm like a camp counselor. For not just you, but all those thoughts in your head. I say, geez, I'm going to build a campfire here. You guys uh, can all pay attention. You, Surly Joe. Yeah, come on over. You, Grumpy Grumpy Sue. You, you, the characters from the Pixar movie I haven't seen yet, but I want to. I know you guys are in that movie, some of you. Like, uh, I don't know. Come on over. I'm building a campfire. A multi, all the, this is one of those fires, all the colors of the rainbow fire. Uh, yes, you, you, the one itching in the back of your hands up. Oh, it will be purple fire. Yes, there will be purple fire. You, with the, uh, is that a compass you're wearing around your neck? Yeah, what's your question? Purple fire is not possible. It, it is tonight because I'm a camp counselor. I want to welcome everybody to Scooter's Camp of Brain Distractions. Now, you guys are, you know, in my opinion, my opinion, the most important part of the brain. You know, the thinkers, the ids, the egos. You guys are super ego. Are you over there? Oh, you're not super ego. Well, you're doing a great job. Welcome to camp. What did you say your name was? Residual masculinity? Okay, great. I haven't met you, but I don't have you on my list here. But anyway, you're all welcome, list or no list. Oh, in fact, I forgot the first rule of camp, no lists. So I'm going to throw this list into the fire. And we're going to use that as the uh, the thing you put below the kindling. That I don't even know what it calls. Because, hey, oh, look at here. I'm piling on top of the paper. The list I'm burning is a stack of definitions of things. And you see, notice that my tight grip on these sticks is being loosened as our tight grip on, you know, say, geez, this isn't how you build a fire according to me. But listen, guys, I'm not just going to create a fire. Boom, the fire's lit. You believe that? And and you guys can all watch instead of thinking. Look at that, look at look at that. Did you notice? Can you see that color in there? What what would you call that? You you in the back. Berenarone? That uh, yeah, that's not a word, but you still get credit, double credit as a matter of fact. Oh, wait, there's third rule of camp, no credits. And also unlimited credits for use at our uh, imaginary relief bar that relieves all you know that that bar our canteen of, of fearlessness. Where you say, hey, there's nothing to worry about at this camp because it's just this guy talking about nothing. But we have a cool multicolored fire. And if, if, if campers, if you could all sit, sit, uh, no, sitting, you know, you know, just pay attention here. You know, that, that adult in the back, they're going to curl up in their bed while you're all here focused on me. And I tell you what, campers, who wants to hear a tale of a friendly witch pirate? Oh, yes, you in the back. Is that a horn or is that just your hair? No comment. Okay, what was your question? Is it a pirate witch or witch pirate? Great question. And I believe we're gonna, that might be unresolved. I don't know if we'll hear about it tonight, but great question. Maybe you should pay extra attention. And I want all you campers to, you know, just loosely picture in your mind all the things I'm talking about. The purple fire, the blue fire, the meridian fire that uh, that person shouted out. I said, at this camp, you can shout out. You know, Christmas colored fire, whatever. Just pay attention to the colors of fire. Loosely hold that in your mind. Okay, hey guys, it's me, Scooter.
They're watching the fire, all your brain. I like to call them brain bots, but in this situation, they're more brain campers. Uh, camped out at your brain, just like you're the counselor. And as soon as you say, okay, you get everybody in their bunk beds, and you say, well, now I'm going to lie down for a rest. And then they all start throwing paper at each other or whatever. I've got them watching this fire. And pretty soon I'm going to spin them a little tale of Lady Witchbeard. Now, what I want you to do, if this is your first time here, welcome, by the way. Welcome to camp. Now, you have full privileges at camp. And your brain bots, we could try to keep a close eye on your campers. But you you could sneak out of camp whenever you want. You could go back to the dorm. We have an adult dorm, uh, which is actually open to anyone but except for parts of the brain. And it's a thought-free zone. So you just listen to my voice drifting on the wind, the crack, sweet, sweet crackling of the uh, imaginary sticks. I don't know if you've ever heard purple fire crackle before, but oh boy, you thought snack crackle and pop had it good. This is like 10 times better. But I just want you to go back there, or if you want to go for a walk in the woods, you want to stare at the stars. We have, you know, after, once you cross over that zone there, it's an all-bedding zone. Believe it or not, it looks like a forest. But those are pine needles constructed of, as we've said before, hypoallergenic material, so soft. So you just lie down there. I'll spin this tail for all the thoughts in your brain. And you. Because believe it or not, you're the most important member of this camp because we need you tomorrow. You're underappreciated. And when you, you don't have to be at your best tomorrow, but just I'd rather see you rested. You know, a little bit, you deserve a good rest. It's, it's, it's been, you know, life is, it can be a bit of a, a bit of a hectic type thing. So I'm glad you're here. I'm going to tell the story. You can listen to, but you just lie there. Maybe look at the stairs. Maybe feel your eyes flutter close. Maybe a yawn is coming in. And just go ahead and yawn. Stretch that jaw right out. And just listen to my tale. But if you feel the need, to stop listening and, and float away. Or, you know, you could stay, but if you float away for real, let us know, because, you know, we're doing some studies here on the gravity. We, we, we've been trying to get the gravity right. Most restful gravity camp of the year, 2015, fingers crossed. Uh, if, you know, and don't worry about no side effects at this camp that we're liable for. So I'm glad you're here. That's kind of how the podcast works. I'm here. I'm going to try to distract you. I'm going to try to be silly. But I take this uh, as serious as I can for, 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 for goofy business. I take it serious. You don't have to. That's the key. I, I do the taking of seriousness. But you, for you, it's all, it's all silly business. But for me, I'm going to carry on with a story that, you know, that'll, that'll go from beginning to end. And it's going to take a hell of a lot of sidetracks. And you say, well, what is he going? So I'm thinking, well, he says, why is, is that lady? And yeah, just drift off into sleep. But if you can't sleep or you're feeling a little down or you got some sort of a, something bugging you, you know, your ankle or some other, some something that's hurting you. You know, I'll be here. I'll be talking the whole time, and I'll be doing my best so you don't you don't feel totally alone. 
and say, geez, this sucks. But, uh, you know, with Scooter here acting like a goofball, but with Scooter here trying his best, I, I just feel like, geez, I, I, uh, and then maybe, you know, it'll be one of those uh, stealth moves, and then you'll be waking up tomorrow. That's the goal, to distract you, to accompany you, uh, hand in hand or as comfortable as you feel, you know, because I'm like hand in hand, metaphor only, you know, border, whatever you call this, boundaries. But seriously, I'm here for you. We're going to walk across this threshold together. And I hope when you cross over the thresholds, whenever you do, for me, it's one big threshold. But for you, there hopefully is a door with sleep on you, say, or you, maybe it'll be backwards, which I can't even, but plus or something, I don't know. Or maybe the, you know, letters will start going, da, 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 come on through this door. And then you'll be asleep, you know, getting a little massage from some Ewoks or who knows. But I'm glad you're here. I hope, I desire, I can, I can help you fall asleep, all right? Thanks for stopping by. Hey everybody, welcome back to another tale of Lady Witchbeard. Uh, the tales of uh, uh, Lady Witchbeard and I, Germ, your na- your humble na- your humble narrator, as Lady apparently Lady Witchbeard and I quest to rid the world of uh, Cortez or non Cortez or do something. Let me catch you up on what's actually happening. When we last week we had joined Cortez in a trek uh, somewhere to to the to Palace in the Sun, ideally uh, looking for the New World and the Palace in the Sun, and we got caught in some sort of magic downstream situation. And we were burdened and walking, and it was terribly pointless meandering. But it was also, for me, it was exhausting because it was hot and all this stuff. Not a ton happened initially. First, it was just a lot of talking and some stories, bedtime stories were told within the bedtime story. And then, like, an army... Lady Witchbeard said, hey, we're being pursued by another Spanish army, probably looking for Cortez. And I said, oh, dear, that's not good. Then I started to sense she's we're caught in some kind of magic rut here. No one believes me. Tip it, you know, typical. Uh, then we, uh, what happened next? Then I, me and Lady Witchbeard decided this Cortez is no good. Let's just take him out early. Let's just end it. And then we were, uh. We got an obscure threat via cauldron, or someone hit a cauldron with uh, this. It was a picture of my daughter in Interstellar, which is like put two and two together. And my daughter looked about a year or two older than she's supposed to be when I was on this quest. And then Lady Witchbeard didn't tell me what was in the cauldron for her, but she, was, she said, okay. And I said, uh, get Cortez to the palace in the sun. So I said, okay, plan B. Uh, get Cortez to the palace in the sun. Yeah, we we and then uh, what happened? Then uh, I don't know. Then I kind of took over and I sent this giant off. I said, "Hey, let's create some magic. It'll weigh us down." I think we're caught in some sort of magic downstream, like a swimming upstream. We created a giant for the Spanish army to pursue. You know, leading them off our tracks. That worked like a charm. Holy cow! What a great idea. 
And then we we were unburdened. We were really moving good. And then we ran smack dab into, uh, you know, an indigenous army. They said, hey, basically, you guys are private trespassing on our private property. They might not even, you know, believe in, in saying, geez, we're taking, you know, they, they might have some much healthier version of land rights. But they saw us as a threat. They had us surrounded. And that's where we last left off on a tale of Lady Witchbeard. So as we start out tonight, you know, we're surrounded. We, 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 we crested a trail in the forest or the jungle. I'm not sure because I'm not exactly a botanist or even an arborist. But we crested the trail, and we had a view of a village, and waiting, you know, not far down the trail was a, a pretty sizable army of indigenous peoples. Now, I didn't get too much detail, because I, I noticed right away Cortez started to take command. And for the first time, as I said, this is a pretty handsome commanding-type dude. I became aware of his eyes. I said, usually I'm not staring dreamily into people's eyes. Even people I'm attracted to, it just makes me, I say, whoa, intimacy alert, too much intimacy. This is going to be uncomfortable. And they say, well, I, you know, I'm it's okay looking in my eyes. I say, oh, no. Uh, so, but I was trying to look at, at Cortez. I said, well, what's with it? What's this with the star power this guy's got? It's kind of getting on my nerves. And that's why I noticed it, right at the, oh, not the ideal time. I said, this guy's got some. I said, what are those brown I said, what are those brown eyes? And then a little descriptive voice in my brain said, Well, geez, that doesn't do him justice. More like a rawhide. And I said, How do you know what rawhide looks like if you're in my brain? Because I can't picture that. And they said, You know that and I said, Oh, like some kind of leather type and I said, Well, there's a lot of And I said, kinda of like that time we made our own wallet. Remember that? We got the uh Build your own wallet, leather. I said his eyes are a little bit leathery, or rawhide, if you will. Speckled, weathered, and man, they said, patina, is that a patina in there? They said dark, but not too dark that we can't pick out all of it. And I was paying attention, but then I noticed Cortez, beyond his eyes, he had a total command of the situation. And he was saying, men, say your position. I'm pretty sure, I can't be positive of this. I'm pretty sure he said skidoo. But, I, you know, I'm not 100% on that. But he said skidoo positions. I said, yeah, skidoo. But he, he's, so these guys, they, you know, they had cannons, but they didn't have the, like, they were carrying the cannons. Like, so I don't even know how many dudes from the cannons because they were in the back with the, uh, with with the regular soldiers, I was up front, not in the dangerous part of the front, but the you know the good part with the cool you know fresh water being brought to us and stuff. Not that I can think of myself as better than the foot soldiers. I said you know I tried to talk to them. They just didn't you know they didn't like me. But Cortez, he's got these guys carrying the cannons. He's got guys pulling like stuff out of the woods, dirt. They're getting berms. And he says, you know, he's saying that like he wanted, he was, it was, it was, uh, it was masterful, basically. And he, so he had two cannons in back, two cannons in front. And, but they didn't have time. They, so he, then he was, but there was, it was like hard because it wasn't like a whole lot of tree stumps around because there's no, uh, I, I don't know, there's not a lot of logging going on. 
corporate, you know, people just saying, eh, I'm going to leave this tree. Like, like ideally, if this was happening, you say, just grab a, one of those abandoned tires. We'll use that. You know, but this is, is, is sometime in the far past in Mexico on a trail. So they're trying. So he says, just one in the back, one of you concentrated. So he, these guys are doing double the work that much faster. He says, Jerm, get over here. You saw me looking at him. And I'm pretty sure for just a second his eye went ping. And I remember that happening in like a movie or something. I thought it was hilarious. But, but he, he said, you know, germ, germ, and, and uh, I know he knew I was looking at his eyes. I said, this guy, he's one, said, is he a sweat, what do they call those, surly dog, I don't know. But he, he calls me, he said, and, he said, and I said, you got these guys running like a, like a fine, fine, fine watch. And he said, what? And I said, oh, geez, how many, I said, am I Doc Brown in this up? Oh, boy. And he said, come over here. And he put his arm around me. I said, oh, I said, oh, geez, okay. And then he started to grind my teeth almost immediately because I said, this is almost as uncomfortable as looking into your eyes is. And I said, oh, geez, I don't like this touching, but whatever. He said, so he said, germ. And I think he, maybe he was jealous that Lady Witchbeard I would say she hadn't taken me under her wing. I would say she's taken me under her heel. And I'd say that sounds like it, worse than it is. Because she told me that one time. She said, Jerm, I'm taking you under my heel. And I said, taking me under your wing. And then she said, do I look like a bird, Jerm? And then she cackled. And, I, you know, not often that lady witchbeard cackles. But, you know, all of us know witches cackle. This was back in our world, around the edge of our world, when she was cackling and telling me she was going to put me under her heel. And I said, well, no, it's just a saying. And she said, I know what the saying is, germ. And this is what I'm saying. I said, okay. But anyway, so I think maybe there was like a mentor jealousy, you know, mentor. They were having a little mentor off, and he said, so... I think he was trying to mentor. He said, oh, check this out. He said, well, what, what, what do you got going there, uh, Ernie? And he, you know, he, did, he let that pass, or he didn't hear me, because it was basically the heat of battle or near heat of battle. And these guys are trying to burn, you know, build up these berms, you know, rest the cannon on so they can get some sort of angle. And I said, geez, I got a lot of cannon-related questions for Lady Witchbeard. I haven't had answered maybe... Just maybe this Cortez, if he thinks we're buddies, he could do some cannon, you know, can. And he said, I see you looking at the, and he started telling me the names of the cannons. And I said, Hernan, what's going on with this village here? And he said, okay, Jerry, he goes, this is the plan, Germ. He goes, what's happening? I said, well, I'm pretty sure this village isn't afraid of us because they're gesturing with their weapons and they seem to have us outnumbered about. They said, if you count the women and the children in the back, you know, 50 to 1. I said, but the men, men armed that look pretty, pretty tough, you know, to twenty-five to one. And I said they must have known that Lady Witchbeard was just a green woman. At some point, that they got word, or maybe they're not afraid. And I say, and I said maybe, and he said they'll be afraid soon, Germ. And I said, what do you? I said, are you going to do the old thunder stick? And he said, what's that? And I said, well, that's you. And I still him mad. I said that's the only thing I remember about conquistadors, maybe from grammar school. 
is you guys had thunder sticks and scared everybody. I didn't say this to him. I said, oh, and he kind of, he said, no, no, we're going to blast the back of the village. They'll search forward. We'll blast them with the front cannon. And he said, then he goes, he goes in, they'll, they'll, they'll be afraid. And they'll sub- And I said, well, Hernan, that's where the women and the children are in the back of the, f- the village back there. And, I, and I, you know, like I said, I already had like a, what do you call it? A, I don't know if it was a cult personality because I don't know exactly what that means. It wasn't like if Hernan's like, hey, let's join my cult germ. I would join it. But if someone said, hey, I'm in Cortez's cult, I'd say, well, I, I, I can't. I'm not joining. I hate that guy. But I could see, you know, he's 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 charming. And he seems to be a good leader, but I, I think he's a misguided man. But I can't live your life. I totally understand in some sense. That's why I probably am not the best friend. You know, I got fired from my cult intervention job, you know, that I invented. It will LinkedIn fire. They said, you've never done it. You said, prove it. And I said, okay, I'm not. I was not on the cult intervention task force. C-I-T-F. But so I said, yeah, that's where it went. He said, exactly, Jeremy. He goes, that'll send the terror. And I said, well, what's, I thought we weren't doing terror. I thought I was in charge. I said, we'll do a thunder stick. And, and, and then all of a sudden, there was like a rush of forest trees and brush. And then just a lot of, I said, this is the chaos of battle. Because all of a sudden, a, a group of indigenous people surged through the tra- part of the trail we were standing on. Now, luckily, it was more down towards the foot soldiers' side, but it still created chaos, and then they just surged across the trail. I'm pretty sure maybe they grabbed a couple guys whose names I didn't learn and one guy that spit too close to me. I, I mean, hopefully they got him, but I don't know if they—I'm not even positive— but it was like everybody's pushing each other around. We Cortez, you know, they got, people are ducking and covering. People are trying to, but they they vanish into the in, back into the woods. And then Cortez, like, too bad we don't have any magic germ. But then he pat, he said, "This is good enough. Don't worry." And he said, "Gentlemen, prepare to fire." And I said, "Well, can we?" I said, "What if we just frighten them? You know, but if fire." I said, "You got any blanks on that thing?" And he and I said like fireworks. I said you know like the A team. I said we'll shoot at their feet. You know, and of course Cortez said you know not even a normal person in the United States in 2015 would know what I was talking about. So he did not know what I was talking about. Uh, and then he 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 said it's them or us, German. And then there was a volley of some sort of um. Like, I don't know, because, again, I, I, I'm not good. I'm good under pressure. But it's actually my first battle, believe it or not. Uh, at least this this kind of battle, like an intense one. Plus, it was hot again. But they, some sort of ranged missile weapon. I don't know if it was arrows. I don't know what it was. But everybody hit the deck. I even heard a few. I heard a couple. Ow, ow, ow. And then Lady Witchbeard, so she said, Jarm, Jarm, this is, this is, and I had to kind of crouch down when I heard that, like, shoom, shoom. and I noticed Cortez, he he had sprung right back up, and he was, they were still working on aiming the cannons, I think, or he was standing there. He had his foot up on something, 
And for a second, I thought he looked, so he's aiming these cannons. He looked just like a pirate on the deck of his ship, but he was, he's a land pirate almost. And then I said, geez, that's, that's what they should have called these conquistadors, but they, you know, nationally sanctioned land pirates. Pirate, but anyway, let's save the political diatribes for another time. So I was ducked down from the uh, missile attack, as we call it, you might call it. And then, boom, there was another rushing through attack. And I was ducked down, but then there was, like, another rustling from another side. And most of the soldiers seemed to be, they seemed to be somewhat, but they were kind of lashing out and trying to fight. But it was, And I said, he said, he said, Cortez was yelling, stay And then this guy yelled, cannon, cannon ready. And then the next guy said, cannon ready. And I turned, I was waiting for a can. I said, I was trying to think of what I was going to do. And I started to look around for Cortez because I was going to try to put my hand over his mouth. To be honest, that was the only thing I could think of on the spot. And I figured he would bite me. But I said, well, maybe I'm sure. And I said, I don't know what's going on. But he didn't answer. And I looked around. He wasn't there. And then someone says, command, I don't know what they called him, commander, general, whatever. And then that same, that dude thought he was like second, in, I think he was second in command. So he thought he was second in command because he was. He said, so he said, he said, repeat, cannon's ready. And then, boom, that guy got, he got taken out. And, but there was a guy way in the back, third in command, right? And he said, get prepared to fire. And I said, well, actually, I'm, I think I'm in command here. Hold, hold all orders. I said, she's just like a drive-through window. And then Lady Witchbeard, she, 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 I think she was chasing dudes or something, because she comes rushing up to me. She's got this wild look in her eyes. She's sweating. And I started looking at her. I said, focus, 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 especially with her. She, you don't want to be under her heel. And she said, Jerem, what's the update? I said, well, I said, I can't find Cortez. That's a good thing, because there's women and children in there. And she goes, it's Zemaros Germ. And I said, well, I, I've been told that many times. But I said, there's kid. I said, I don't know. And she said, well, she says, Zemaros. And I said, well, I said, Lady Witchbeard, I said, there's kids in there. I, I can't go home. And she said, this is a battle you're overthinking, Germ. And she said, prepare to fire. And I said, I think. They said, well, that guy's not making any noise now either. And the soldiers, they lit the, the fire things, and they had those pumper things. And I said, she said, I don't even know. I said, women and children, and I don't know if I want to be too close to these cannons. And I, don't, I said, oh, man, this sucks. And, and then right as I'm trying to do some thinking or figure, figuring out, like fast thinking, someone yells, the commander, or not, basically, or not. I mean, they don't call him that, but that's what I call him. And we turn our heads, and he's being dragged. He's got two two guys on each foot, Spaniards, uh, dragging him back into the woods. And they, they're about a, a football field away on this tiny rise. Someone yells, that's good too, so signal, because there was like a, sig- a signal, signal. I don't know. I said, are these guys wearing patches? It would be nice if they had, you know, but I said, whatever. So I said, good too, so, and then they wish we said, germ. And then right as it was, I started saying, Jesus, it's a good thing I didn't have any coffee today. Uh, some more indigenous troops come right between us and the Spanish soldiers, because I think 
you know, the soldiers were going to react somehow on instinct. But then they end up fighting with these indigenous people. Just a skirmish. No one, well, I don't know what happened. I stopped, I said, because I smelled and I said, don't fire these cannons. And Lady Witchbeard said, we need to go. And I said, we should, uh, and then she said, the cauldron germ. And I said, Lady, I, Lady Witchbeard, I said, what if this was a, a ship full of baby witches we were facing? Would you just... And she said, Germ, the cauldron, your daughter. I said, yeah, but I don't know, think I could go home and say, well, let's celebrate Halloween, honey. Uh, but if any witches come to the door, daddy's going to cry for all the baby witches he made go to the farm to live. I don't know if I could face her, Lady Witchbeard, honestly. And she said, Germ, I said, well, what if you were on that ship? You were in the village and we were, because I think she wanted me to figure out a solution. And she said, I'd come here. And, 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 you know, take all you out, you know, like a bit, with a, I don't know. And I said, well, we have cannons. And she said, with a pirate's bloodthirsty will. And I said, wow, this episode, we had a cackle, which you guys didn't hear. Into Lady Witchbeard gave me a, you know, with a pirate's bloodthirsty will. And she stared me down and I said, well, it's a good thing I'm not battling Lady Witchbeard. And I said, what, a, I said, and she said, charm. She said, prepare to fire, because, you know, by that time, the guy's wicks had gone out. They had a real light, and she grabbed some dude, like, fourth or fifth in command, and she said, wait, wait, she said, continue on with the attack. We need to secure the, and she said, as soon as the cannons fire germ, we're going to go. And I know, like, it might be a luxury thing for a lot of people, you know, that, that face war, and I know it might be a luxury thing for a lot of people that face war. But, you know, for me, I say, I, I, I just say this internal dialogue. Now I can process it. I know that time wasn't the greatest time mid-battle. But I really thought about that. I said, geez, I can't, I don't think I can do this. But I, I was trapped. I had no idea how to stop this. And in some sense, I was tied to Cortez. So it was, it was really, really, really uh, rending, so rending. So painfully rending the decision making, and and feeling stuck. And another thing that really got my goat at the wrong time was the whole uh, concept of sacrifice. Because I was like, okay, they're gonna. They said, I don't get it. I saw it. Hernan was bent out of shape about. Because uh, I asked him, I said, what do, what do you mean heathens? And he told me some again inane story. But I'm pretty sure what he was getting at is that he didn't like the fact that these indigenous peoples maybe did his sacrifices. I don't even know. Uh, he said, well, this isn't what I'm going to But he was talking about wills and, and, and kind of saying, I know what's best and, and, and this isn't what's best. But I said, well, isn't this the same exact thing? But actually, some guy must have been listening because he said, no. And I said, Lady Witchbeard, give me one chance, one chance, one chance, because she was ready to seize fire. And I, I, I said, uh, and I said, fire the cannon, you know, that way into the woods, you know, away from anybody I could see at least that I would feel guilty. They said, well, you know, accidental spider, you know, step on some ants. Is that karma related or not if I don't see them? An ant crushed under her Lady Witchbeard's heel uh, to, to the higher power. Do I need to appeal? I don't know. 
said, and then they said, let's go. And then they said, this is a cannon, dude. And I said, now this was the front cannon. And I said, they said, well, you guys just, they said, come on, it's an easy shot, the other one. And I said, prepare to fire. And then I said, Lady Wishby, said, what do you do? I said, this is called a warning shot. I said, don't you guys do, Lady, Lady Wishby says, Empire Sea. Uh, uh, Lady Wishby said, in my ship, there are no warning shots. And I said, well, what about a worth coming shot? Like a be, be worried shot. And she said, well, oh, germ, I like that. They said, yeah, you say, you say, hey, we're on our way. We're, you know, bad news, bad news shot, you could call it, Lady Witchbeard. I can guarantee if you give me some more time, I might think of something that's actually one or two percent witty. And I said, prepare to fire. And then they, she said, ready. And I said, ready. And then right as they said, ready, like these trees fell and then some ranged weapons came in. Some soldiers or indigenous indigenous troops flowed in. And for a second with the trees and stuff, I said, are we being attacked by Ewoks with the trees dropping? What's up with the Ewoks attacking us? And I noticed that the guys by the cannon got taken out, so I ran and I grabbed a fiery thing and I hit hit the wick. And it was so so loud, it was like, blammo. Blammo. If it was a dream, a pleasant dream, that's what, how it would have sounded. But it wasn't, it, it was a, oh man, uh, but I didn't really have time because everything fell silent after that. And all there was was a little bit of a carrying echo. And I noticed Lady Witchbeard had her uh, spyglass out and I think she was keeping an eye on Cortez. And so I didn't want to break her concentration. She, you know, she's used to cannon fire, so she barely blinked. But everything else was silent for a second. And then the fourth in command said, prepare to fire. And I said, what? I don't know what I was in. And he, he, he got really so upset with me. He said, Germ, what are you doing? Was it, the Cortez is gone. We need to regroup and save the commander. And then Lady Witchbeard says, he's a, they're about to crest the hill, Germ. Let's go. You know, fire at will. And I said, well, not right this second at will. Fire when you will fire at will when we're gone. And Lady Witchbeard said, Jarm, now's the time because the tree falling and the cannon fire had, you know, cleared out of space to move. And I, and she, and I was kind of frozen, but this time I was uh, a cho- chosen frozen. I, I wasn't frozen with fear or ineptitude. And I, well, I said, if I was a child, I would think about holding my breath and stomping my foot. And I don't know if that's happened in battle before. They'd say, oh, the battle of blah, 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 where uh, Germ stomped his foot and held his breath until Lady Witchbeard and Cortez, or Nine Cortez surrendered, and all was well. But I said, Lady Witchbeard, we need to stay in the river. And she said, what do you mean? And then all oh, the troops. I, I, I said, oh, you know, it was me, Lady Witchbeard, and the fourth command arguing back and forth. And then uh, the fifth or fourth command said, take Lady Green Buns. And this was something that had circulated camp. 
that was really irritating to me, but I also was kind of amusing, and also, to be honest, I was curious. It was, I guess, there was a bet going around camp if Lady Witchbeard had green buns. And I think this guy, I want to say his name was Schmeltz, which doesn't sound Spanish. So it's probably just my hearing of the pronunciation of Schmeltz. 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 I don't know if it's Schmaus or Schmeltz. I know it's Steve Schmeltz or Schmaus or something in Spanish. But anyway, I'm pretty sure his name was Schmeltz. He had bet that Lady Witchbeard did have green buns, and they started calling her Lady Green Buns behind her back. And I said, at first I got really irritated when I, I heard about it. This was during the marching because I, I was so bored. But I, I, then I was like, huh, I wonder. I said, I would presumably, you know, because I've seen Lady Witchbeard's, most of her shoulder area, you know, I've never seen 100% bare shoulder, but most of it. And I've seen her uh, clavicle zone because she, she you know, how she dresses very, you know, they'd say, hey, this is, you know, prepare for the elements. That's how Lady Witchbeard dresses. And I, so I see most of her shoulders, probably maybe possibly looked at her stomach about maybe, but, but just, you know, in passing by accident. And I seen her, like I said, she's not really a shorts person, but she wears those, they're not culottes. I don't think pirates call them culottes, but that's what I call them because I said, I don't know what else to call them, so I call them culottes. And I'm sure if Lady Witchbeard knew what a culotte was, she would be so irritated if she saw some, like, a, what do you call those, whatever the company that sells culottes is, she'd say, well, what in the name of Razin? Uh, but I had been curious, you know, maybe I'd picture Lady, but I said, geez, I wonder, I mean, pale green maybe? I said, is she more green? Is she green on the outside and the inside? But then that's just, you know, of course she's, well, I, I've never seen her if she has, and they say, well, green runs skin deep. But I said, that was the whole bet, was she, was her green, was her bum, 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 buns green or, you know, skin color, or maybe white, I guess, would be the other option, like a clown makeup foundation color. That's what I was thinking, but with just a barest tinge of green. And that's what I had bet my money on. So I was like, oh, wait, no, I wasn't betting. Well, me, I was. I said, and they said, you can't charm, you can't. And they, they just snickered, and then that's when they stopped talking to me. But they called her Lady Green Buns. And this guy, they grabbed Lady Witchbeard, three of the soldiers on this uh, Schmeltz's command. And they, and then I said, and then Schmeltz said, fire a will. And then to, for me, time did seem to slow even further. And you say, geez, it feels like it could, this story could slow down. Oh, boy. And you say, I'm having a flashback to the Bug, Bugs Bunny episode where they take Ether and they're running through a laboratory. And I say, well, that's how things go with me sometimes. Because time seemed to slow down just like this. So the podcast can get slower if it needs to. Or if I just want to make a point 
and feel like Bugs Bunny. I think he was being chased by that fuzzy orange guy, maybe, or a scientist. And the ether got knocked over. And hilarity ensued. And I talked about this on a podcast episode long ago. And I may have even done a routine just like this one uh, once before. And this is only a visual effect, you know, for for storytelling purposes because time was moving. Or maybe it had slowed. But though I was saying think, 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 think fast, believe it or not, as slow as things were going. I was trying to think of how he could possibly stop this. And a couple times I did even stop and say, what the hell, what the hell? And I said, for once I'm going to try to uh, do something. And I said, well, that I just should be too, was too ashamed. And time was going slow until I heard a child cry out. And to be honest, I don't know if it was a child in the village or a child in my own mind. I think it reminded me of the movie Platoon. But I can't be sure. And that's when I realized I had something in my pocket I had taken. Borrowed. uh, With the intent of not returning, maybe. Uh, You would say I took it without permission because I did from Lady Witchbeard's cottage. Because it was easier to tell this at normal speed. Uh, but I always had, in addition to all my canon questions that never got answered, I had a lot of broom questions, potion questions, cauldron questions, spell questions, curse questions. Probably the number of questions I asked Lady Witchbeard about different topics would be, I have new, uh, probably 10,000 questions. You know, anything involving toads, you know, 7,000 questions. This subject was probably three, and then cauldron, spells, potions, cannons. So I have new, but I have new. It's not important right now because of all those questions, this was one that kind of, one of these thousands of questions I asked her about brooms got answered because I constantly say she she would always I, I was always looking she didn't mind me rifling around her place I think she she trusted I wouldn't steal anything uh, mistake and uh, I, and she said what are you doing she would always it was like a thing we had she'd say what are you doing germ and I'd say I'm looking for your broom I gotta sweep up and then I'm getting the hell out of here and then I would use that as my I say lady which beard could we sit could we talk about brooms and I would say, do they fly? And then I'd say, luckily, I don't, I said, you know, I'd ask her questions. I said, geez, cats. Oh, yeah, cat questions. Those didn't get answered. But I always had questions. I said, you know, is there a broom store? You know, what was it? And then one time I said, well, I'd been, I'd been uh, at the 99 cent store before I was coming out to the transverse plane. And I saw they had brooms for ninety nine cents. Actually, they were one ninety nine, which is a total scam. And I was, but I had already got to the checkout, and he said one nine, you know, two oh seven two. And I said, where the hell? It's a ninety nine cents store. And he said, well, the brooms are one ninety nine. There's a sticker. I said, 
And I, you know, when I tirade to myself as I left was my broom, I'd pay two fourteen four. But I decided to do the old, so I put the broom in a corner of Lady Witchbeard's house for a while. And I tried to pay attention to see if it had moved at all. And then it, it, it hadn't, and then, so I said, well, geez, and, I, and then I started hinting about it. And then I said, I told Lady Witchbeard about it in an burger. And I said, well, geez, if I could, if could get this broom working, I've been trying to get it to work for years. We could get some double-doubles animal style real fast. And I said, I was really descriptive about it. And she said, she said, climb on, germ. And I said, does this broom fly? And she said, well, temporarily it will. And I said, what do you mean temporarily? She said, well, I have a quick fix for flying brooms. And she said, broom dust. And I said, is that extracted from brooms? And she said, it's broom dust germ. And she had this little leather pouch. And as a matter of fact, the leather pouch might have been the color of uh, uh, Cortez's eyes. She sprinkled some from dust on there. She kicked her left leg once. And she said, climb on. And then we went for a broom ride. But we just rode around. She, 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 we just flew around. I, saw, I said, we're really taking a broom to In-N-Out Burger. Which one, which, I don't even know the closest. And she said, no, we can't risk being spotted germ. But we flew around the uh, property of the uh, bed and breakfast. It was so much fun. And then I said, oh, boy, I'm so, t-. you know, when we got back, I was so blah, blah, talking a mile a minute. Uh, but the more devious part of my mind was watching Lady Witchbeard the whole time to see what she did with the pouch. And, and then I never forgot it. And then I'll be honest with you, I stole it, all right? One day when she wasn't looking. Well, actually, no, I was more devious than that. I, not, I broke the whole cabinet. It was on like a little cubby thing with all these shelves. And I pretended to stumble into it. And she said, geez, where's it? She, she was looking. And I said, I'll clean it up, Lady Witchbeard. Don't you worry. I think everything's here. And that wasn't that long before we left on this journey, so I kind of pocketed the uh, broom dust. But who would have thought that one wrong would make a right when trying to right some wrongs? Maybe. Don't take that. Don't follow my example, kids. But I said, I have that broom dust. This is all split-second decision-making after that child's cry. And after time slowed down, it didn't do me any good because it was only after time sped back up that I saw it. Broom dust. And I saw these guys struggling with it. And then that guy said, fire a will again. Now, the front cannon hadn't been, you know, realigned yet. So they were working on that. And the guy at the front cannon, he had that stuffing thing that used to stuff, which is just like a broom. Like you stuff. I don't even know what you do with it. I asked Lady Witchbeard. A long time ago, but I think you stuff some stuff in the uh, in the cannon with it. It's like a looks like a a, a broom with a, a, a small round pillow on it. So I grabbed that. I ran to the rear uh, cannon. This is a split second. I never move in split second, but this time I did. I knocked the wick out of the hand of the guy. Uh, that was about to light the rear cannon to blast the poor uh, families, indigenous families. And you say, no, don't, don't, don't call me a hero because I'm doing it. The next thing I did, he said, you know, he said, he said, kill the germ. 
And then they even said the nickname they had made up for me, which I'm not going to share with you because it's too hurtful. And then five other, they said, which, you know, then they all asked other nicknames of me that they had made up that were also hurtful. But I said I stuck the uh, the, the, the fake uh, cannon broom between my knees. I reached in my pocket, flung some broom dust on there, and I was off in a flash. Like a little, I did the old leg kick, and I knew ideally. I said, "Well, geez, I'll just aim with my front hand. You know, that's how I control it in my mind." And I think because I had semi. Good intentions. I headed right into the village pretty, pretty fast. This broom was moving, probably more streamlined than a broom because it didn't have bristles. But I flew into the village. Everyone in the village was like, what? Is that a flying man? What in the hell? And then I kind of was at too much speed and I headed right into the center of the village. But not so far back to the women and children. I said, don't, you know. And right into the village square. Right where they had one of the, just like all the other villages, they had this guy in the center of the village. And unfortunately, by pure accident, 100% unintentional consequences, uh, that person had to go live on a farm forever uh, via broom, uh, cannon broom, uh, penetration, we'll say. So he, he, he said, hey, here's a broom. I'm putting on, you know, a little, a little trick. We're going to put a broom through you. You'll go live on a farm forever. Congratulations. And then I crashed. And, it, you know, I didn't even have time to realize what had happened until after. But I tumbled off the broom. I got a little, nasty little scrape on my right elbow. And then I noticed it as I scraped everyone in the town. Everyone in the village was on their knees uh, looking at me. I said, this is pretty tropey, you know, guy from the sky on a, you know, cannon broom. And then it was kind of quiet. And then Lady Witchbeard yelled germ so loud and angry. I mean, she was like uh, three football fields away and it felt like she was right in my face. And I don't know if she was using some mesmeric projection type of voice thing. And I looked, and not only that, not only was she projecting her voice, she was projecting her eyes. And they were blue, ice, narrowed. Her brow was so furrowed, you could you could actually furrow, you could just put some crops in there and furrowed them or whatever you do. And she wouldn't even have known. Or you probably could crack a nut with how furrowed her brow was. And she said, a coward and a thief. And then the people of the village, they saw her. And then, I don't know, they started saying, germ, it's just my luck, you know. Village decides maybe to praise me for accidentally impaling a guy. And saving their lives. But he said, germ, a coward and a thief. And more bad news for my popularity, at least the uh, the distraction of me stealing a cannon broom and flying off on it distracted the Spanish soldiers enough that they were overtaken by the villagers. Most of them were just captured and unarmed, you know, had their weapons taken away. But yeah, it's probably the best place to stop Lady Witchbeard's glaring. People are prostrating, saying, you know, 
Yea, coward and thief, you saved us with your treachery. And Lady Witchbeard really seems angry. Hooray, Anchor, oh, Cortez got away too. Terrific. What was I thinking? Well, you know, I'll tell you what I was thinking. I don't know, you know, I'm just doing the best I can. And then they led the Spanish troops and Lady Witchbeard down to the village. And I started thinking about doing like a C-3PO, but, but anyway, we'll talk about that next week. All right? And, but Lady Witchbeard, she was staring at me the whole time. Da- daggers, ice daggers out of her eyes. I thought she was going to squish me between her eyebrows, which she probably could have done. I said, Sid, I hope you're asleep. It's so good seeing you. Good night. I want to thank uh, Miriam uh, for the lovely comments she left on the website and Laura for her lovely comments on the website. I want to, we're on Twitter. I want to say hi to Kimberly, Eli, Libby, Alexandra, Jake, Sammy Gooch, who I believe is a new listener, Billy, Rachel Babs. On Facebook, we heard from David P. I'm having some trouble with my Facebook, so I couldn't tell if that was the David P. That might be an upcoming, maybe left a message or not. He knows Barky, supposedly, or ran into Barky. So that's cool. Corinne, uh, Jennifer, thank you. I want to thank Fox for the email and Rachel for the email. Rachel did a little work on algorithmic. So maybe we could, you know, maybe we just get a couple of community members in here and you guys will say, gee, Scooter, we did, we're, we're helping you out. So Rachel is helping out on Algorithmic. And then iTunes reviews. I got a review from Patty B. I know who that is. And uh, says, Scooter's sincere in my desire, but it actually works too. I completely didn't get your brain wrapped up, uh, something off topic, and lull you to sleep. And I'm clever even when I'm rhyming or bad singing and just boring enough to not invest too deeply. And Patty loves the community we have here. Thank you, Patty. And then we got a review from James O. Incandenza. James Owen Condenza. Maybe he's a, from a, uh, uh, I think he might be a, a magnate or maybe from a f- former magnate of a ball, you know, light bulbs or his family. Or they, he just loves the light. That's James Owen Condenza. He says fantastic. He gets right to the point. He just says fantastic mumbling. And I say thank you. you. And this is James Andrews. So thank you. And let's get on to the show. Thank you guys for all your support. I think that's it for updates. I wanted to get out some thank yous. I want to thank Chris Posty Poster saying he does our music over at soundslikeanairful.com. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer. Scott's doing all our artwork even on these new projects. So that's, that's, thank you so much. I want to thank. The founders of our uh, Sleep With Me podcast, uh, unofficial, official, unofficial, I don't know, uh, Facebook group, Sleep With Me podcast, XM slash nice. I want to thank the founders, Alexandra, Laura. Hey, here you up on my tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep. Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here. 
to put you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. Uh, tonight it's Metastas News. Our Metastasis Breaking Bad TV Rewatch Language Learning Podcast. Where I rewatch meta- or I watch Metastasis. Then I rewatch Metastasis. Then I watch, you know, in some sense, rewatch Breaking Bad, the same episode. Metastasis, by the way, is a, a Colombian remake of Breaking Bad. All the while, I attempt to use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, a vanillization of uh, the awesome action on the show, talking and puzzling riddles that a child could, a wake child could comprehend, but, you know, puzzling, confusing statements that are made to just quiet your mind. The whole time I'll be trying to learn some Spanish, so if you really get bugged by incorrect pronunciation of English or Spanish, I'm going to apologize right up about it. It's done in good-natured fun, but also in a good-natured attempt. You know, no bad blood here. I honestly would love to be able to speak Spanish. I've had a lot of trouble in the past. And I said, well, geez, I'm going to bore people to sleep. I better get something out of this. And gosh darn it, if I couldn't, you know, maybe I'll buy the, I, I've learned, you know, a few Spanish words are socio. That was a word of the week recently. It means partner. Yave in Colombian Spanish means, you know, friend. And uh, so I'm learning a little bit. But all you got to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. What I'm, I'm going to do the rest, in which I just kind of explained. But what is the rest exactly other than that mouthful you just stated? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to attempt to create a day. day. What I'm going to do is to attempt to create a safe place. I'm going to reach out my hand, you know, my voice in this sense, across the deep, dark night and say, hey, let me distract you. Let me lull you. If at any point I can soothe you or humor you, uh, you know, I'm going to do my best to do that because I know maybe you're up, maybe you're tossing, you're turning. You're thinking you're concerning or your your body is burning. Any of those things, maybe you're having some sort of, uh, you know, existential crisis. Uh, if you are, please explain to me, one, what that is, and B, pros and cons. And hopefully don't pop out of existence or anything, or D, anyway. Or if you're just thinking, geez, what the hell is extensive, you know, that stuff? Why don't I know about, you know, there's so many roads to go down when you're alone. The the night is quiet, but your mind is not. Uh, You know, the night is dark, but your mind is full of all this vivid imagery. And all around you, everyone else is asleep. And sometimes you feel like they don't understand you. You say, geez, I'm up all night. My mind's cranking a mile a minute. And those people tend to, they say, well, geez, do, have you tried uh, foot rubs? You could rub my feet, you know, and then they make some joke and they say, did you hear that, Jerry? Did you hear that joke I made to Louise? <laughs> and then you say, you know, in that case, I would file some, you know, a civil suit probably. But then you might be thinking about that. But in all those cases, the safe place, the reaching out of my hand across the eve 
is to say, hey, I have got this. Uh, it wouldn't. I'd say it'd be an overstatement calling it a talent, but an understatement calling it a pastime because it takes up a lot of time. But what I do is, on Sunday nights, I talk about these shows, and I just say, gee, well, Jesus, what is it? No, who's got straighter hair? Jose, Miguel, or Jesse? And why do they call those teeth incisors anyway? And then I might go and say, gee, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And ideally, you're, at first you're distracted. You're like, geez, I could kind of listen to this. I like Jesse. This Jose, Miguel sounds just like him but different. I, too, have wanted to know what konosen, konosen means, maybe. Or I've heard that word. Does it mean cooking? Or does it have something to do with a lid on a jar? I, You know, I don't know either. But then you'll also be like, well, this guy's taking... He, he said he spelled konosen wrong, so he couldn't look at it. And I say, well, it's still not too bad. And I say, geez, it's like... Uh, it's like you're getting into a hot tub with a stranger in a safe, safe hot tub. You say, well, I'd rather be alone, just stare at the stars. But as long as this person's not going to get on my nerves too much, uh, you know, it's not bad. And then you find out, oh, well, geez, this stranger's just, uh, it's Enrico Pavarotti or something. He's going to sing. I mean, I'm not Enrico Pavarotti. This is a metaphor for sure. And someone might say, it's Enrico Palazzo, by the way. And I'd say, holy Leslie Nielsen, you're right. But I would say, you know, this guy, Enrico, you just kick back, you look at the stars. You listen to one of the great tenors of the world or baritones or, you know, opera type. Or, you know, a guy with a great voice sing while you look at the stars. And you say, geez, this, this, this isn't half bad for a freaking Motel 6. And maybe it's just a dream, but in this case, it's not a dream. I'm, you know, I'm the Enrico Palazzo of boredom. I'll be honest, and I'm not patting myself on the back because some people might say, "Well, you're fictionalizing. Are you are you starting another fan fiction story about Enrico Palazzo scooter?" And I would say, "Well, maybe one day, but I don't know that memory." is so attached to sweet, sweet Leslie Nielsen, I don't want to, you know, but, but I'll use it for a metaphor, and an, even an inaccurate metaphor for sure. So I said, I want to I want to let you know, this is a place to help you out, to help you fall asleep. It might not work for everybody. Give it a couple shows. On Tuesday and Thursday, we don't talk about metastasis. We have story-based stuff. But I'm glad you're here. I'm going to try to distract you. I'm going to try to lull you. I'm going to try to see you. I might even try to accidentally make you laugh because I'm a little bit of a well, goofball. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, well, no, not a mierda. What's the one? Guavon is another word. But according to Google Translate, it means bird brain. I don't know how accurate that is, but I am a guavon. I am a bird brain. And I'm here to help you fall asleep. I'm glad you're here. And that's what I hope I do. So welcome to sleep with me if it's your first time here. If you're back, it's good to see you again. And I hope, I desire, I yearn to help you fall asleep. All right, everybody, we're on episode seven of Metastasis and Breaking Bad. We're starting out with Metastasis here. And the episode opens with some, it looks like some sort of administrative hearing at first. I said, is this a trial? And there was some kind of speech going on. 
And then I realized, I said, this must be some kind of PTA meeting. And then we have Walt thinking, Walt and Cielo were at the meeting. Walt's crossing his hands, uncrossing his hands, putting his hands in his lap. And then he's putting his hands on his wife under the uh, table. And Cielo's like, okay, what? And she seems, I said, is she surprised? Is she upset? But then she says, she, she says, well, this isn't bad. And then the sound starts to drop out. I don't know if it's, I guess it's Walt hearing. And Walt has a very serious look on his face for a business that uh, maybe, I, I don't know. He, I said, geez, you're not splitting logs, Walt, or splitting atoms in Walt's case. But then they say, Walter, and he gets called on. They say some things about him. There's a round of clapping where he's introduced. And then he he does a little talk, and next thing you know, Walt and Cielo are in the car. Or we see a car, we see a couple making love, and it's Walt and Cielo. I don't know if you make love in a car, though. It's a, uh, I mean, sorry to go off topic, but usually, in, and in this case, you have some hot, sweaty sex, and that's what was going on in this car. Or fumbling, terrible sex, uh... But, you know, these are two grown adults, so they were having some, I guess they were making love, just sweaty love. Or, no, more steamy love. This is more of a steam, well, steamy love, yeah, let's just say that. That sounds nicer. Hot, steamy love. Scooter's new album. Scooter in the silver tone with boom, bone. Scoop, ba, bam, jibba, da, boom. Hot steamy love, oh bam, steamy. Uh, but they laugh after the love of the uh, steam session, and it's like Jesus, that joy, ecstasy it was quite, quite some wonderful laughter. And the show opens, and then we have a real estate agent showing Jose's house. Uh, Walt, Walt shows up and the agent's like, he's, are you here to see the house? And he's like, no, I'm here for the young man. And she says, he's on the bus. And he, Jose says, que dice, profe? And Jose's injured. You know, he had bumped his side when he was dealing with, uh, Tuco. And they have this long discussion and then Walt says, hey, I got some extra money for your your, your, your side bruise. Also noticed uh, Jose's got an orange watch. I said, that's that's stylish, I think. But uh, very, you know, I said, well, it's not flashy. You can't say orange is flashy. Now for someone from Syracuse, orange is a very important color. Uh, like maybe like somebody from the Netherlands. It means a lot to me sports-wise. So that's the kind of things I said, geez, I might have to pick myself up an orange watch. So then it's like, when are you going to wear it? I said, well, okay, you got me. That's why sometimes having an internal critic's good. You know, dodge those two ninety nine watch purchases, and I mean $2.99. But Jose gets worked up. He's, he's really upset at Walt. And then Walt tells him... But then something Jose says Walt doesn't expect. And then next scene is Walt and Cielo at the doctor's office. They're like, bien. Everybody's beginning is all smiles and love. Uh, baby shower. They're talking about Walt's color. Uh, the doctor laughs at something Claro KC. 
And then Cielo's wondering about something. I'm not sure what. I put question mark. Any chance? Is it okay news? Or I can't read my writing. Grand news? Uh, yeah, I can't read my writing. It looks like the number six. And then something like an R that's crashed into a C with it maybe a U and an M. So Graham news, but I know it's not that. Might be good, but I'd probably say okay news. I don't know. Then there's a city shot, and then there's a junkyard or a container storage area for shipping containers, which makes me think of my friend out on the sea on a container ship. Then Walt is all, he's all dressed up. He's all Heisenberg'd out. He's in black. He puts on a black hat. Jesse looks him over and Walt's like, okay, like, what are you looking at? And then Jose gets irritated and then he gets worried. Cobarde, he says at some point. Then the music plays, the Breaking Bad music, I think. And then Tuco shows up. He's grinning. He's got a sharp outfit on, I put. He's looking sharp. And he had nicknames for both the guys, which we'll cover in the re- next watch through. His shirt was black, but there's a gold dragon on the back, I think. And then Walt is light on the load, and Tuco is like, "You got?" He says, "I'm like, you got two days, Cabron." And then he's like, "I'm gonna pay you, but minus a penalty." And then he Gracia, Gracia por nada. And Walt seems to push Tuco to the limits here of uh, his his patience. And he says, no, I want all of the money, from, but I'll give you more meth. I also noticed Tuco had a sweet Mexico belt buckle on. He says, tres kilos. And then I put bang of drivers. Bong of drivers. I don't know what that means. Bang of dreams. Uh, music. And then Jose's like, dude, how the fuck are we going to make three kilos? And then we're at Jose's house. He's like, what? And Walton working on some numbers and on a little notepad. And then he figures out, uh, Jose Miguel says, yeah, profe. And then Walt gives Jose a shopping list. And then, but then Jose, he gets all despondent. He's freaking out. Walt says, tranquilos, man. That's one of our favorite words. Yo, chill out, bro. And then Walt seems to give him some kind of pep talk. And then we're seeing things through the lens of a video camera. Maria, Tia Maria's on camera. Walt Jr. is running the camera. And she's talking about the baby shower for Esmeralda. And then they get a shot of Cielo who says, no, 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 this is baby shower for Valentina. And then Walt kind of agrees. Henry's there. He's got an awesome shirt. He's like, salute. And then we have a baby shower with presents. We had a great little scene where Cielo opens Maria's gift. She says, wow, wow, really nice acting there. And then she says, uh, as uh, Tiara, she says, es una balaca. And then Henry's in the background. He seems a little pissed or upset at like how much it cost. Because uh, that's what CL says. This must cost a fortune. Do you like it? Henry seems, he, he, he walks off. He says, well, let's get out of here, man. And they had trouble following this, but he had a bottle of baboos of whiskey or something, a real fancy bottle. 
uh, his shirt had gray diamonds on it. I was, you know, I'm obsessed with Henry's shirts. And also, to, I'd like to see a shirt off between Henry and Tuco. You know, if we could get both their wardrobes in one place, we'll have a shirt down. You know, kind of like a bore down, kind of like a rap battle, but with shirts. I think that'd be great. Also, more shirt stuff. His shirt was open. You know, he was showing a little flesh. He had a, he was rocking a chain. I think it was a gold chain. And then him, they're ta- him and Walter talking about the whiskey, something about the United States. Deletor absoluto. Henry asks about marijuana. And then Henry talks about meth in the United States. There's a nice fountain in the background. We're in Walt's backyard. Then, boom, it's 9.24 in the p.m. in Walton Cielo's bedroom. Walt's on the computer. This is like the most uh, picturesque we've ever seen them. They're both in a good mood. Uh, Cielo's putting lotion on, and she's just thinking about the tiara, kind of joking around. And then Walt shows her this website, Amazon Alternative Therapy. It was a vaporizing. I said, was this with weed? And she's real pleased about it, his attempts. You know, we're like, yeah, this is bullshit. And then we're at Jose's, and he's showing us all the wall. He's very proud of, of all of his hard work. And he has everything but one chemical. And he's like, I don't know how to get it. And then Walt looks at the list or how he, And then Walt sees this magnetic drawing board, one of those ones you draw with the magnetic shavings. And the next thing you know, he's mixing chemicals in Jose's kitchen. And Jose's just sitting there eating, watching while Walt explains what he's doing. Then he throws the bag of chemicals that Jose was freaked out, but nothing to be afraid of. And then in her next scene, Cielo, she tries to return the tiara. But the store owner calls the cops. He's in the, and she's in the office with the owner or the, you know, clerk and the security guard. And she's saying, believe me, I didn't steal this. And she's like, I put shit, no cops. But the guys won't play ball with her. So then Cielo comes up with some kind of new kind of thread. And then she goes into labor. And at first I was like, is this for real? Because I said, I don't remember. And I think she's like, call 911. But it was total bull because next thing you know, she's out of the store. She's on the phone. She's calling Maria. She leaves a voicemail. Then another tiny moment, she kind of grunts after she leaves a voicemail. And I liked it. Not in a, or maybe writes the wrong word. Or like, I appreciate it. I thought it was a nice little extra thing. Like something you do after you leave someone a voicemail when you're irritated. <laughs> like something like just small like that. It was good. Uh, and then we have a city shot of Walt in a car with Jose at night. Oh, no, a city shot, then Walt, and it, they're in Walt's car, Jose at night, and they're doing some kind of break-in. He gives them this rainbow ski ski hat, and it's ridiculous, covered in stripes and then gloves. And then they, they bolt cutters, they go through the fence. It's very slapstick because they both have these rainbow ski hats on with the poofies. And they're trying to avoid a guard... And, uh, yeah, like I said, the poof balls. And then the guard goes to use the porta potty and they tie him up in there. They, they tie up the outside of the porta potty. And I, I said to myself, I don't know if that would hold. Those porta potties are pretty flimsy. 
But, you know, uh, let's suspend our disbelief. And we'll get some MacGyver on this door, put some duct tape on it with the metallic stuff, I think. And it opens the door. Then they try to find the, the, the chemical they're looking for. But it's in this giant barrel. I said, geez, that's probably too heavy. But they, they start moving out. Jose must have a bad back because he's like, oh, my back, profe. And they added some very funny music. And they had to go right by the porta potty, which was shaking. So that was very humorous. And there's another city shot with a church above a city. Which, you know, if it's a city shot, it's got to have a city city in it. And then they're arguing with Jose and Walt, like, starting the RV, and Walt's trying to start it, and they're arguing about flooding the engine. And then Walt says, hey, go ahead and try it, smarty pants. And Jose does, and it starts, but then it dies, and it starts smoking. They're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And, you know, after a second, they say, well, we got to cook this stuff, so let's get in your basement and get to work. And then they start working, and they hear the real estate agent's there. And she's there with a family with a little girl who, of course, is like, can you watch your freaking kids? There's a, you know, drug addict lives here. But she's running around the house unsupervised. She sees Walt and Jesse. And they're like, hey, can you not tell anybody? And then Walt's like, Jesse, you got to go do something. There's another round of nice music there. Then we see Cielo sneak up on Maria at, like, this fancy import store with, like, red and purple Buddhas. And they argue Maria gives this cute little shrug. She's she's really growing on me, Maria. And then we're back. Walt gets home. He's exhausted. He's like, hola. And then someone says, como te fue? And then they talk... I don't know, they they talk, and it looks like I did an F-U-N backwards L when I wrote that. Oh, because I, I was so excited, because the owls, that's what I put. The layout of the owls had changed, which I thought was strange. Now there's three and three next to each other. Which I'd have to check my old notes, but I'm pretty sure there was only originally one cubby of three owls, and now there's two. So something's up with those owls. I don't know if it's a, uh, a spoiler. But then we'll say, hey, Cielo, are you okay? And she's like, no, Maria stole that tiara. I put shitty tiara there, so I don't know if she said that. And then they talk, and it seems to get serious, and then the discussion ends with Cielo saying something. Then the next scene's back at the uh, container yard. Well, gives Tuco some meth, but it's blue, blue, uh, new blue ice, azul. And Tuco weighs it, he pays it. Then there's a dude with a bandana who says something about Jose or Walt or something. And Tuco's like, you know what, you're fired. And he fires the guy right on the spot. He says, you don't work here anymore. And, you know, Walt and Jesse are like, that's it, you could just fire someone? What are you, Donald Trump? And he says, no, if I was Donald Trump, I'd hate myself. And then everyone had a laugh at the irony of that. And they say, yeah, you know, all hatred is self-hatred. You know, I learned that once. But they don't teach it at that school that Donald Trump went to, I guess. But I think that's where you learn it is the school of hard knocks. I don't know. And I don't know why, how they knew to put that in there. Maybe they didn't. 
But they say, oh, Jesus, well, Jesus, don't hate yourself to go. But actually, they're like, Jesus, you can't just act like Donald Trump firing people willy-nilly. You know, that creates a hostile word. But Tuco's like, I'm leaving. And, uh, you know, Walt's shocked at this development. And so is Jose, you know, re-shocked. That it's like, Jesus, we're working for someone, Trump-level maniac. You know, just going around firing people for the sake of firing them. And then the song plays, a uh, slow song. And that was my first run through of Metastasis. Now, I did something different this week. I watched Metastasis, then I watched Breaking Bad, and then I watched Metastasis. So we'll be in a different order this week. So coming up next, Breaking Bad. It'll be Breaking Good. Breaking Good? Breaking News. Good News. Breaking Bad's next. All right, so now we're talking Breaking Bad here. Uh, episode 7, I think we said. And it opens Breaking Bad with this sign that says meth equals death. And it's at the school. And they're saying, like, no stone's going to go unturned. And people are all really hard on the principal. Walt's, Walt's mouth was open, but kind of in a grinding his teeth snarling way. And then he makes the same move uh, Walt Blanco made on Cielo on Skyler. And uh, Walt gets called on. Skyler had a great cough. You know, it was it was great. You should rewatch it just for that. Uh, you got to see these little acting these these two actresses are doing. Uh, but I said that was a great little cough Skyler did after Walt got called on. And then Walt runs through the list of the missing stuff. Him and Skyler. Then they get in the car. It's going on. And then Walt runs through the miss, miss, list of missing stuff, and then him and Skyler have their, uh, what do we say, hot steamy session in the car. And Cielo says, uh, where did that, or I'm sorry, Skyler says, where did that come from and why was it so damn good? And key, key phrase here, Walt says, because it was illegal. And then we cut to the opening of the show. And then where we see basement, light coming through the basement windows of Jesse's house, the pole. And then we have a very stereotypical real estate agent, bubbly, yellow blazer. She's showing how she says, this house has great bones. And then Walt shows up, she's like, she's like, appointment only. And then Jesse's like, yo, you look like Lex Luthor. And he's like, did you really see Tuco? And Walt's like, here's the money for bumping your side. And Jesse's like, no way. There's no, he says, there's no understanding between me and Tuco. And Walt's like, okay, yeah, but we got a deal to make two pounds a week. And he's like, what about the pseudofedrin, dude? Well, you don't know anything. And he's like, where are we going to get that? The meth fairy? And he explains to Walt about Smurfs, are people you pay to buy your pseudofedrin. And then we're in the doctor's office, a very charming doctor. Skylar's talking about sex and alternative medicine. You know, she's like, this is so great. You know, me and Walt are having great lovemaking. And then she's like, what do you think about alternative medicine? Uh, one other thing the doctor says, having a better outlook can make a tremendous difference. And then we have Walt and Jesse in a junkyard. Jesse's like, Why, what did you pick a junkyard for? Well, it's like, what's wrong with it? It's private. He's like, yeah, this is a non-criminals drug-dealing place. Like, oh, look at I saw this in a movie. And he's like, well, where would you meet, Jesse? He says, Taco Cabeza. 
He's like, half the deals I did were at Taco Cabeza. Nice and public, 24 hours. Safe. He's like, otherwise at the mall, you know, Gap. He's like, hey, guys, let me put down my flat front khakis and get at Orange Julius. And then Tugo shows up. He goes, oh, it's Mr. Clean and his boy. And they talk about the blue mask and why, or no, they talk about why they're so light. And, and uh, he says, you know, you told me two pounds and you waste my time with these chiclets, chiclets. And then they go back and forth uh, and we'll talk about uh, interest. If, if you know, Walt's well, like, give me all the money. And Tuco's like, well, you'll owe me a vague interest. You know, that's what Jesse has to tell Walt. Because Walt's like, well, I'll give you a reason. And then Walt says, uh, what about four pounds? And Tuco's like, dude, he goes, listen, old man, talk is talk. But owing me money, you know, that's a Donald Trump level situation. And then Je- they're back at Jesse's house. He says, what were you thinking, man? And he goes, there were no way we're going to get that much pseudo. And he's like, we're not going to use pseudo. We're going to do some other stuff. And Jesse says, yeah, Mr. White, yeah, science. And then he gives him the shopping list. And he says, I don't think I can do this. I'm going to move to Oregon or something. And Walt gives this speech. He says, Jesse, this is the first day of the rest of your life. And he says, uh, what kind of life is it going to be? You know, are you going to be living in fear? Oh, no, no. Just listen to these thematic elements, you know. Like, I can't do this never believing in yourself. He goes, these things, we need them, and only you can get them for us. And then we have the shower scene with Will Jr. and Marie on camera, and they're talking about the name Esmeralda. And Marie's on camera using baby talk, saying, uh, I think the name's supposed to be Holly Marie, is what uh, Skylar says. I, saw, I put insane. I don't know if that who that was. And Will gives a nice long message to Holly Marie in the camera. And then we have the principal who I said, geez, I kind of got a crush on the principal from the school. She gives a, a gift, which is nice. Then Marie's gift. Oh, Walt Jr.'s doing some pervy stuff with the video camera, too, I put. I don't know why I put Peru. Oh, perv, yeah, Walt Jr. It looks like Peru in my handwriting. Uh, but Marie's like, it's it's a, it's a tiara, white gold and zircons. It's sparkly, Skylar says. Wonderful. It's sparkly, sparkly. And then Hank like is like, dude, you got anything stronger than beer? And he busts out some cigars. He's like, sorry, you got lung cancer. And Walt's like, well, I might as well. He's like, are these Cuban, Hank? And he says, aren't these illegal? And Walt says, forbidden fruit tastes the sweetest. And then Hank goes on to tell him, you know, meth used to be, you know, they have this discussion about legality. And Walt, or Hank's like, look at how well meth being legal worked out. And then we have Walt and Skylar in bed talking about the tiara. And she's like, I think I'll return it. And then Walt's looking into sweat lodges. He thinks, I think I'm going to check this out this weekend. And then he's at Jesse's and Jesse's like, you use a sweat lodge line? And he says, I like this little thing. He says, I'm already sweating. Get over here and help me, Walt. And then Jesse has a good haul of stuff. He's proud of it. He's talking about how he paid for it and how he, you know, they don't have the chemicals, but he can pay someone to get them. 
and Walt's like, well, why would we pay him? We could just take it ourselves. And then that's when Walt gets all MacGyver with the children's toys. And this is a nice thing. It's a nice little story. He says, Jesse's like, what the hell are you doing? He said, we're making thermite. He says, you know, in WW2, the Germans had this gun called the Gustav gun. It weighed a 1,000 tons. And it could fire a seven-ton shell and hit 23 miles away with accuracy. But he said, well, you know, you drop a commando in with some of this thermite and it just melt the gun forever. Couldn't bomb this gun away, but one dude with thermite. And then we have Skylar. She's dealing with this wicked old white guy at this store. A lot more uppity, it seemed like, than the one in Columbia, which one in Columbia had natural light. More of a boutique. This is more of an old rich people's jewelry store. And he even he says, oh, Mr. Wilson, come over here to arrest this and watch this lady while I contact the police. And they take Skylar and back. They have this showdown. And then the same thing, Skylar fakes it. Very good acting. Fakes it. Gets out of there. She calls Marie. Marie's message is, hey, this is Marie. Do the beep thing. And then we have Walt and Jesse going for the burglary. And it, it's comedy. You know, he gives Jesse the ski hat. And Jesse's like, what the hell is this? And Walt's like, it's all they had. He's like, if that's all they had, go to another store. And he's like, Jesse, just put this on. And, they, you know, they're very slapsticky, great stuff. And they sneak past the guard or wait for the guard. And then Jesse comes up with the idea here to trap the guard in the porta potty where it was more planned out in the Colombian version. And then they use the thermite, but then they're looking for small jugs of uh, whatever they're getting. And there's no small jugs. So then they take a barrel and they kind of argue over how to get it out. And then they struggle out. And then there's some desert shots. And then the RV. And they're trying to start the RV. It's funny. Jesse gets started. He says, see, eat it, Walt. I thought that was funny. Uh, But then, you know, it doesn't. The RV dies. And then they're, I think they're working in Jesse's basement. And so Walt says, what part of slow did you not understand? And he's like, when's the real estate agent coming back? And then Walt's unpacking, and Jesse calls agent, but her phone's ringing, and she's in her yellow, and she's setting up the open house. And then Walt, they're talking about making the stuff. So Walt says, uh, you know, we'll do this for two, four, four, we'll make four pounds. That's 44,000 each. And he goes, with this amount of methylamine, he goes, we could make it, do this for the foreseeable future. And Jesse says, well, how long is that with your situation? And he goes, how much money do you need, Walt? And Walt says, more. And then they're like, oh, wait, the real estate agent's here. And then they, you know, have a little more back and forth, which is nice. And then we have Marie at another store. Skylar finds her. She's like, will you dodging my calls? And she's like, yeah, I know you, Marie shrugs, shrugs her off. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. She says, I know you stole that stuff, Marie. Marie's like, I don't, I deny it all. She goes, I can't admit to something I did not do. And then Skylar storms off. And then the open house had a hilarious scene that wasn't in uh, Metastasis. Uh, because like uh, they had the little girl, I can't remember when the little girl scene was, but this guy tries to go in the basement 
and like a, a home buyer and jesse says uh, it's occupied and the guy's like it's not a bathroom i want to see the basement and part of my language but jesse says uh you ain't seeing the basement bitch and he goes you got that is it sinking in now beat it and he goes yeah you know what all of you get out of here this house isn't for sale and i put jesse goes all pink man i don't know why i put that but uh then we have Walt getting home tired. Skylar gives him some OJ. I thought that was nice. And then she says, how was he? He said, definitely experienced. She goes, man, you smell weird. He goes, yeah, it's some kind of, you know, Navajo herbs, sacred Navajo herbs. That's hard to say. Sacred Navajo her herbs. And then he, she, he says, everything was okay with you? She goes, no, Marie's a thief, blah, blah, blah. But then we have another thematic piece of dialogue tucked in here. Because uh, uh, Scout says, you know, I almost got arrested returning it. And he was, and he's like, she won't even admit it or apologize. I don't even know what to do. And Walt says, well, sometimes people do things for their families. Scout's like, do things for what? Uh, stealing for your family? What's going on at this sweat lodge? And Walt says, well, what would you do if it was me? She goes, what do you mean? He goes, if I stole a tiara, would you divorce me? Would you turn me into the police? And I think she's, someone says, you don't want to find out. I, I, I think that's what Skylar said. And she's like, I'm going to eat something. You want something? He's like, no. And uh, there's a very thoughtful look that goes on there. Then we cut back to the junkyard. Walt gives the blue mask to Tuco, and Tuco likes it. He has a great shirt, as I said. I guess it would be Tuco from Breaking Bad versus Henry from Metastasis. This would be the shirt-off championship. But Tuco's very happy. He's like, tight, tight, blue, yellow, pink, whatever, just keep bringing it to me. And he's like, he just he's such great. He says, what I say this guy can cook? You're all right, man. So we're going to make a lot of money together. Just remember you're working for me. Oh, no, that's somebody else. The other guy says that the guy that gets fired. Because he says, oh, just remember who you're working for. And Tuco says, uh, he put, this is the Tuco Trump moment where he says, uh, he goes, what did you say? He said, I, I just want to remind him. And he said, you know, they don't know that? Like, they're stupid? And the guy's like, no, I'm just saying. And he's like, so you're not saying they're stupid. I don't understand. You're saying I'm stupid? He goes, no, Tuco. I'm just saying. And he goes, don't speak for me. You're fired. And then Heisenberg's like, calm down, Tuco Trump. And uh, he goes, hey, why don't we all just relax? Heisenberg says, relax. You're fired twice. You're fired and banned from my, uh, you know, my clubhouse. And it ends, you know, after the Trump firing, he says, uh, it ends with some great shots. There's a shot of Walt and Jesse's back. And they both have different black hats on. And then they both take off their sunglasses. They rub their eyes. Uh, as it sinks in, you know, that they're working for, you know, uh, Donald Trump. So that was, that, that was Breaking Bad. Great episode. All right. And this is the last run through. This is the next run through of Metastasis with mostly just the Spanish words I picked up and some other things I noticed. So poor Esto gets at Cremos Contestar. Un, this one guy is going off. I wrote a lot of his dialogue down because I thought it'd be educational to learn. Un momacito porque ustedes siempre dice lo mismo y no 
Salin Conada. That's the Mad Dad says that. And he also says, Yo Tango Un Criadero. Uh, Nitil Natal Dectars. Uh, I said, Lake in Us. I don't know what that means. A bear, a bear, a bear, a bear. And cargo. Lo Baron. I Kiado. Kiado. I wrote twice, or maybe said it twice. Kefue uh, esto, por que esa prohibido. And then I put Cielo's laugh, so I didn't want to forget about that. That's when they says, well, what was that? Why was it so good? And Walt says, prohibido, because it's illegal, baby. Then I put Inversion. Uh, I put a real estate agent in Colombia, way more professional and realistic, better dressed. Uh, K D C Profe Gambuche S. What does that mean? I don't know. It looks like five C L A S. Apagarle O C Class C Aha Supone Mal Yo No Le Creo Un Trato Jose Nos Conviene Qual Que Un Socio Comercial Ese man es un gamin. Ese man es una bestia. Uh, vale huevo. Uh, baby shower y ella va a ser. That was said. La reina de la noche. Oh, then they said the doctor. Con más energía. Pues incluso tiene energía para giggle, they said. You think, uh, oh, uh, S O N Buena Sanal? No, that's when the giggle, I think, happens. Yeah, because the deck goes, <laughs> and then Pensado, oh, sea qual queer otra cosa, son panitos de agua tibia, este yugar, igar, yave yagar. Uh, dando dolor, uh, ningún cobarte, y liciando y chespirito, chespirito, que onda, me vale madre, pichas, piches pendejos, piche pendejos, uh, no te hagas el manoso, Eisenberg que te verme, Plata a mí, no es bueno. Vámonos, carajos. Uh, Maria sneaking into the picture. So when they were taking a picture of the camera, the baby Maria was sneaking in the background trying to get on camera. She gave Walt bunny ears. This is all in the background. Henry's holding his beer up. It was great. Uh, abre este, li la ting tar, targue. Uh, wow, Cielo says, uh, balaca, brillante, vaya, vea, papa, brindar, sabrosa, podria, maravilla, diademe, nacia, nacia, horno, claro, ink horno's oven, culpa suya, su culpia, that was when, uh, Cielo's with the uh, jewelry police. Uh, Carajo, T 
tenga vaya vaya hagale ahi esta porque se di volvio volvio no tengo ni idea yo pero prenda prenda un fosforo que hacemos vamos pasando atrás uh, pagase las jugantes alumbre como la vio mierda que fue durante comoda llama dita venían solitos hoy endo uh, fui a devolvera uh, contestar eso uh, chingados uh, again wrote Tink, Tuco's got a great shirt uh, so both Tuco's have good shirts he's a big guy oh no the big guy so Tuco's assistant that did not get fired loves to weigh drugs I've never seen anybody happier when he takes these drugs to weigh him he's like oh yeah yeah two pounds or three pounds he was so happy and it looks like him and the guy that got fired, at least on the breaking, or at least on the uh, metastasis version, it looks like they kind of won a contest to me. They they seem like all the other actors. It, it just seems strangely cast. I said, did these guys win? An, do they know somebody? Do they win a contest? And then uh, Tugo says, me, Gromado, I'm calm. Callate, that means be quiet, please. And dame eso. So that was a little bit of a second run through of some of the words we'll hopefully learn this week on Metastas News. Thanks. All right, let's run through the language learning part of the show. Uh, Cobar Day. Uh, Cobar Cabron. Uh, That means dumbass. Uh, Gasica por nada. Uh, Gasca for nothing. You know, after I did this 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 week, I said, I wonder if some of this is the uh, closed captioning people's fault, not mine. So, because it's not, it's subtitles, not closed caption. They have Spanish closed caption and Spanish subtitles. I just did the Spanish subtitles. Because it's got to be gracias uh, or not. Thanks for nothing, probably. Uh, via to track. Uh, this is another one. Es una balaca. I'm almost positive that's what she said, and that's what the uh, subtitle said. But balaca, I cannot figure out. Uh, is this a balaca? She's saying it about the T-R-S-C-L-O. Uh, de letar absoluto. Delete. De, de letar all, according to this. Uh, maybe destroy everything all. Uh, como de fue? That's when we should start learning. I hope. I hope I start learning that. It means how did it go? Hey, como te fue? That's uh, something a husband and wife say to each other a lot, and they do in this show. Uh, por eso, so, so what is that? Por, what does that really mean? Though, like for what? So, I don't know. Por eso. Well, hey, uh, contestar me. Uh, contestar answer. Uh, Creos believes will. Creos. Uh, this one's a long one. One of the dads said it at the teacher conference. Uh, Un momento porque usted siempre dice lo mismo. Yo no salen con nada. 
uh, un momentiso, momentito is probably what it was, cito, yeah, that would be a dyslexic tiso for cito, uh, cito, porque usted siempre, siempre dice lo mismo, yo no salen con nada. Uh, one moment, because you always say the same. So that probably is one phrase. I probably could ran these phrases together. So one moment, because you always say the same thing, maybe. And then he said, I do not go with anything. Yo no salen, salen con nada, or mismo. I don't know. But this next one, this could be the accidental phrase of the week. Uh, yo tengo un criadero. Yo tengo un criadero. I have a breeding. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have a breeding pair of uh, goldfish here for, for auction. Uh, a bear, a bear, ice to see, to see. That sounds like a poem. A bear, to see, to see. A man struggle with languages three. And you'd say, but two, and I'd say, well, body language, too, I struggle with that. Uh, five love languages, I'm illiterate in all five. Actually, I refuse to read the book when someone said, you need to read this. And I said, well, I'm sorry, I, I have amends to make. In uh, cargo, who's in charge? Well, Charles is in charge. I don't know if he's in charge anymore. He was in charge in cargo. Charles in cargo. Uh, Robaron, like ro- robot baron, robaron, robaron. That's a, that's a nice sound. Listen to that again, robaron. That sounds like it should be the title of a uh, uh, who, who sang Tenderoni? Not MC Hammer. Did MC Hammer sing Tenderoni? She's my own love. I think MC Hammer did sing. I we got somebody else. Oh, Bobby Brown. I'm sorry, Bobby. Yeah. I mean, I like MC Hammer, but Bobby Brown was way, uh, way better voice. I, I, I don't want to say more talented, different talent levels. Uh, but I think that should be a, a Bobby Brown song, Rubberone. Like instead of Tone, Tone, or Tony, Tony, Tone, and Rubberone, a new tour. Ooh, who, what's Rubberone? Robot Baron that sings Rubberone. They could go. I could probably do an hour of this. I, I, it's amusing to me. I don't think it's funny. I think it's it's, it's curious about this robot baron. Well, where did you pick that up? Roboron. But I have about seventy-five other words I have to get through. Roboron. Uh, they are stolen. Is what it really means, though. Feroni phone. Feroni phone. Check my phone. Baloney balone. Because you're a Roborone and a Cabrone. Cabrone Roan. Yeah, but uh, you're, 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 I'd like to be a Roborone. Aver, aver a Roborone. Un tengo un Roborone. Okay, let's get this. Uh, there's only 16, I think. I don't even know how many were. I quiero, quiere that nothing. I mean, that doesn't mean nothing. They couldn't translate that. Uh, que fue esto? It was this. 
Cafue uh, Esto, it was this. And we already had uh, Como Tefue, how did it go? Cafue uh, Esto, it was this. Uh, por que sea, because it prohibido, prohibited. Inversion, this was a, this was a word of the week. Because I knew what she, I said, did she just say inversion? This was what the real estate agent said to the family. Uh, that was she said it'd be a good inversion, and I said, well, "Does that mean investment? Because that's definitely a, a cool jump." Oh boy, iPad just crashed. Better pause it. Uh, so that's probably the word of the week: inversion. KD say pro profe says this says pro. What do you? And that doesn't sound right. It just says says say his teacher, but. Jose Miguel says profe instead of Mr. White. Uh, C clase, if you class. Uh, Pagarle means to strike. C aha, if aha. Supone mal, supposed it's supposed bad. Uh, yo no lake reo, I don't believe you. Well, I like that. Uh, yo no lake reo, I do not believe you. Un trato, a deal. Do we have a deal? No, I don't believe you. You know, you know, Lake Creo. Un trato, we, un trato. We have a deal? No. Jose nos convenie. Jose, it suits you. Qual que un socio commercial, which is a business partner. Uh, this one didn't, uh, this is Jose talking about Tuco. Es man es un gamin. Es man es una bestia. Bestia. I don't, I don't know what gamin is. I couldn't figure that out, but a bestia is beast. That man is a gamin. That man is a beast. Uh, this is a good question. People ask themselves all the time, especially if they listen to this podcast this past couple of weeks. Uh, vale huevo. How much is an egg worth? Egg worth. Vale huevo. Hey, that may be the... Uh, to, not almost a phrase of the week. Vale, Wavo, Eggworth. I think that was a, actually, I think Dr. Eggworth was the creator of the Roborone, believe it or not. So, Vale, Wavo, we say, to, and I think that's what worshippers of Dr. Eggworth would say. Vale, Wavo. Uh, interesting that he created a Roborone. Oh, this, this, geez, there's so many phrases of the night. Y ella va a ser la reina de la noche, and she will be the queen of the night. Y ella va a ser la reina de la noche, and she will be the queen of the night. Man, this is very musical week, or po- poetic week, huh? Aber, aber, roberon. Iela aber, Iela aser la reina de noche. Vale huevo, vale huevo. Something else. Uh, con más energía, energía, with more energy. Ways incluso tiene energía para. It even has energy to... Get it on is which to make her the queen of the night. I think those were connected. And then she says, I uh, see says, uh, S S O S buena senal. No, that's a good sign. No, that you know, he has energy to uh, 
Uh, and the doctor says, this is uh, pensado. I uh, saw it out. And then this this is another strange one in an interpretation way. O se qualquier otra cosa son panitos de agua tibia. So that's o se qualquier otra cosa son panitos de agua tibia. Or whatever else wants wipes our warm water. Or whatever else wants wipes our warm water. Say that five times fast or even once. And try to you know, process it. Your brain might short circuit. Esta uh, you lugar. This is lug. That's what it says. That's wrong. Uh, dando dolor, giving pain. Uh, you know, sometimes if you speak Spanish, this may be dando dolor, giving you pain. Again, one of my favorite favorite words, ningun, ningun, and then the word I hear a lot, cobarde, cobarde. Scooter, cobarde, scooter, uh, ningun cobarde, no coward. Uh, and then I think this must be, I don't know, if Eliando y Cesparito, I think that's what he called uh, uh, Walter and uh, uh, Jose Miguel uh, Tuco, the lawyer in Cesparito. I don't know what that means. And then, well, Kayonda, what's up, my man? Me bale madra, I better madra. Pinche spendejos. Bad words, asshole. I guess pinche spendejos, I don't know. I get those words mixed up, but they're all bad because I've heard those people screaming them at me. Oh, this, holy crap, holy freaking crap. This is definitely the, this might be the phrase of the century. And especially when we're talking about Roborone Tour with MC Hammer and Bobby Brown, uh, they would say, they probably, they would have a song. Maybe the opening song would be, uh, No Te Hagas El Manoso. Don't get too, don't, don't, do not get crafty. And up in here, uh, no te hagas el manoso. Don't get, do not get crafty. Cause I'm a cobarde. Here's another fail. Heisenberg K. de Berme, Plaza Ami no es bueno. Heisenberg. I press the wrong button. Heisenberg, silver Ami, owe me no good. He's saying, hey, owing me money's not good. Silver, I guess. Abominos, move it or let's go. Carajos, fuck. Abre Este opens this. Lile Tange, read the Tange. Uh, Balaka, we still know what that means. Brillante, bright. Uh, Bayago, uh, Bea Papa, see Pope, see Daddy, I think it means. Podria, good. Sabrosa, tasty, that was from week one. Maravilla. Maravilla wonder. I maravilla. I maravilla. Why? I'm a pinche cobarde and I maravilla. Ayera vas a ser de la noche. Be here. All night in this, this back of this closet doing this. Oh, well, you know, 
and I Maravilla Maravilla uh, Padria could uh, Diadema nope no word uh, Nasiada not N-A-C-I-D-A born Horno that's another one that you know always makes me think of horny or horn dog uh, Horno it's uh Oven. Oh, wait, I messed up. Nasida is born. Oh, no, yeah. Horno's oven. Clara, clear. Copasuya, that gets said a lot. His fault. Sukupa is guilt. Uh, Carajos is to fuck. I think we said that. Tenga, have. Hagale, no word, no definition. Uh, baya, baya, go, go. Ahiesta, uh, there it is, another word that I couldn't read. Ahiesta, uh, por que se devolvivo, because I was returned. You know, I, I know how that feels. I, uh, I maravilla. Why, por que se devolvivo, and I maravilla. Uh, why? You know, she ran away, but she was returned in this situation. Or Casey down vivo. Uh, if if someone just woke up and they don't know listen to the podcast, they probably say to you, "No tenga ni idea." I have no idea what this guy's and I have no idea what this guy's talking about. You 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 why? Pero prenda un fosforo. You but pledge a match, my friend. It's like this is like senseless in two different languages. You but pledge a match. Heisenberg, Silverami, owe me no good. Uh, Atras, back, vamos, come on. Pensado, going. Que hacemos, what do we do? Pongase los guantes, put on your gloves. Uh, alumbre, might mean alum. Uh, como la vio, as I saw, mierda. It's a bit of shit, I think. Que fue, what was, durante, during, comoda, comfortable. If you're on the commode, hopefully you're comfortable. Uh, Yame Dita, uh, called Dita. Dita, which Dita? I'm just wondering. Uh, I wonder, Maravilla, why you called Dita? Well, contestar es so. Answer that. Solitos has no definition. H-U-Y-E-N-D-O. Huendo, maybe. Uh, fleeing. Uh, fui uh, a devolveria. I went to return. Uh, venia, we're coming. Chingados, fuck. Me calmado, I calmed. Cayete, shut. And dame eso, give me that. So I have to go through and edit and just decide what, what wins a phrase and word of the week. So we have some good stuff in here. What a week. I mean, holy mackerel. If, if only I could memorize all this stuff. But I, I think it's 60. I got 60 episodes, you know. Uh, Maravilla. Uh, maybe that'll stick with me. Maybe not. All right, thanks. Okay, so here's some uh, breaking, breaking bad related news. 
recently broke July 31st, 2015. Uh, Jesse Pinkman's Breaking Bad Houses for Sale. And then they say Je- one of Jesse's favorite phrases, which I won't say because it's... But you want to own a piece of television history, 1.6 million. The house owned by Jesse Pinkman, played by Aaron Hall. Aaron. The house owned by Jesse Pinkman, played by Aaron Paul, uh, on AMC's Breaking Bad, is going for uh, for sale. It's a 3,500 foot uh, square foot uh, Spanish colonial revival located in Albuquerque, and it's selling for 1.6 mil. Uh, that could be positive or negative depending on your affinity for accuracy, blue crystal, uh, but the local brokers at Codwell Banker, caution, mess lab not included. Oh, they were on today or today.com an interview with today.com. One of the brokers, uh, Said the owners wanted to appeal to Breaking Bad fans when selling them, yeah, because they could make more money. They thought this was a unique opportunity that would appeal to a variety of buyers, not just in our market, but globally. Yeah, because you you got to spread those suckers around, I guess. Uh, the two-story home features four bedrooms, two porches, wood floors, so store, as opposed to what, frickin', uh... Metal floors? Who the hell's it? Uh, stone framed doors. That sounds nice. Uh, several fireplaces. And it's located in the posh Albuquerque Country Club neighborhood. Though the home was used for exterior shots and interior scenes, a replica was built for the party sequences. And the broker says it's a quiet neighborhood. And you can, uh, I'll try to have this in the show notes with the house listing, but it might be sold by the time you hear this. So you just saved yourself a cool 1.6 mil. Okay, this is some cool news I just found out. I maybe had heard it somewhere else, maybe not. But uh, when I was doing research this week, this came up over on the independent.co.uk. And this is from last month, July 16, 2015. It's by Matilda Battersby. Batters, batter, batters, Battersby. And it's uh, titled Narcos vs. Breaking Bad. Netflix original set to be more addictive than Walter White. Uh, Pablo, king of cocaine, Escobar's crimes are being dramatized for TV. And the results uh, look to surpass Vince Gilligan's Kingpin. And I'm just going to quote from it because it's it's not that long. Stack up on food, pull the curtains closed, sit back and prepare for a television binge that will leave you with square eyes and white knuckles. Not since Walter White and Jesse Pinkman's last batch of blue crystal meth has Netflix offered a crime and drugs drama quite as addictive based on the true story of Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar, played by Wagner Mora, leader of the infamous Medellin cartel. Comparisons to Breaking Bad are going to be hard to shake off. Told in both the English and Spanish from Escobar's perspective and that of DEA agent Steve Murphy, played by Boyd Holbrook, a partner of Javier Pena, the Mexican agent who brings Escobar down. 
the producers have sought to appeal to American and Spanish audiences equally. Brilliant, brilliant move. Uh, said in the 80s, there will be plenty of excellent fashion choices, especially mustaches and Escobar, for which read the king of cocaine and the so-called founder of narco-terrorism is set to be quite the kingpin. Uh, Game, uh, Game of Thrones fans will be pleased, and I will be pleased hearing this, that Pedro Oberyn Pascal... Uh, he'll be playing Pena, the partner. Uh, Pablo Escobar versus Walter White. He's a lot more successful than the hapless chemistry teacher. Uh, the narcos industry makes $5 billion a year, and Pablo is a receipt of a hefty slice. Born into poverty by 28, he's richer than he could possibly dream of. Uh, which, considering clever Walter managed to rake in millions but never hold on to them, uh, to buy anything decent, Escobar's doing better. Both are unlikely seeming criminal criminal both are unlikely seeming crimin, criminals. The soft spoken white is a contrast to the confidently criminal Escobar. But they're shared an utterly misplaced sense that what they're doing utterly ruthlessly is for their families draw parallels. Uh, he loved his family, he was loved, and he's still loved by a lot of people in Medellin. And he's one of the most worst people in history. Uh, Steve Murphy versus Hank Schrader, uh, played by former fashion model Holbrook. Murphy is a lot more glamorous than Walter White's brother-in-law, Hank Schrader, played by the brilliant Dean Norris. Providing the eyes and the narration for much of the drama, Murphy is presented as America's moral compass in the show. And he charts the change from small-time cocaine smuggling by 70s hippies into a huge uh, industry built up by the Medellin cartel. Old Hank might have had only one nemesis in his sights, but Murphy has a whole host of big-name targets. And the influx of coke to America is a tsunami he can't possibly blockade. Uh, Steve begins... Steve begins a slightly naive, uniquely American character who thinks this is easy. I'm going to go down to Columbia like John Wayne, Newman says. And what he starts to realize is much more complicated and that there are good, bad guys and bad, bad guys. And there are gray, are guys. Uh, how about Jose Padilla versus Vince Gilligan? Brazilian director Jose Padilla is uh, executive producing and the results are reminiscent of his famous 2007 film, Elite Squad, of his uh, film from 2007, Elite Squad, a very good movie. Uh, because he's been a documentary filmmaker and because Narcos is based on a true story, he intersperses archival footage and real photos with the drama shot at actual locations as they happen. Uh, we don't have a studio we shot where things took place, but he reveals. We went to Medellin. To shoot Medellin is very original in that sense. Because it's a period piece, the stylishness of Narcos is different from Vince Gilligan's color-saturated and hugely recognizable cinematic style. Uh, But something of the energy and chaotic movement between the characters might draw parallels, although more serious and, if possible, and if possible, expected to be more intense, Narcos is unlikely to have Gilligan's lightness of touch and situational humor. And here's the even better news. Season 1, 
with 10 episodes arrives on Netflix August 28th. So that's something to look forward to. All right. Uh, yeah, so a real nice. I want to thank Sean D over on YouTube. Sean D is our one of our big YouTube supporters. So I want to thank him. And, and then I want to thank Danny 50 Pence, who uh, wrote some real nice comments on a, a video, a recent video, I think, uh, Catfish. And said, geez, you know, geez, this podcast really works for me. And so thank you, Danny. Real nice. Thank you so much. That's the kind of comments that's just just nice. And then if things couldn't even couldn't get better, if people if you guys couldn't give enough, then over on frickin' email, our buddy Marcus sent me some art that he did. Oh man, I gotta I gotta find out if I can share it. But but it doesn't matter. I can tell you, speaking from the heart here, holy. I was touched. That's all I can say. Thank you, Marcus. And then you guys won't believe it when I tell you this, but I'm not making this up, and I'm, it's not a, a, a bit or a routine. I got an email from Barky. And, yeah, Barky of the lineage of Treebeard in Groot, uh, one of the gods of Westeros, old and new, uh, Barky, the, 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 the tree god, emailed me. So I don't know if that's a start of something, you know, he said, Jesus, I didn't say this to him. I should have. I said, are the other gods checking this email? But I said, Jesus, I couldn't believe it. I, I was on the bus and I see the e- inbox, hey, email from Barky Tree, but I was rushing home to record the podcast. And so but, but I can't believe it. I got an email from Barky. That is just, and then. I also got nice emails from Alex, uh, Divine Miss M, Rachel, Summer and Libby, if you're out there. uh, Find Rachel. Let's get this uh, algorithmic. Maybe you guys can save my ass on this one. Rachel, Summer, and Libby combined together. Uh, Angela, send me a nice email. Ahab's wife, send me a nice email. I want to thank Luke, David, and Megan who are helping me out with some stuff. So hopefully we'll have a lot more surprises here. I want to thank over on Twitter, Lindsay, G. Carr for president, Special Food Girl, Kimberly A., Eli, Libby, Jake was at Oshkosh by friggin' gosh. Thank you, Jake. Sammy Gooch, over on Facebook, Corinne Grant, Julie F., Julie C., the two Julies I heard from, Silvertone, Jennifer B., uh, actually, Jen B, because I think, or wait, there's Jennifer B and Jen B, but this is uh, Jen B that's married to Scott T, uh, Joel, David P. Uh, then over on iTunes, we got some nice iTunes reviews. If you want to review or rate the podcast, sleep with me podcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, Sarah H, the nicknames are taken. Love, love, love this podcast. I know Sarah H. from many nice interactions. And she just has a really lovely, thank you for that lovely uh, review and description of the podcast and why it works. And says, I have karma points to the moon. Well, moon's been replaced by Pluto, so that's a problem. Another Patty this week, Patty J. wrote a nice review. Ooh, Patty says, hey, how about we get some scientists studying the podcast instead of Scooter? You know, some, you know, you know, 
And I said, well, you'd have to change some of the laws in the country, you know. And then music plus Broadway equals me. I said it's the best boredom ever. I don't know if that's an actual Broadway person. Music plus Broadway equals I feel nothing. And nothing's out of them. It's a little chorus line. Uh, except that song always freaks me. Get, man, I'm getting hackles right now. My, my leg hairs are standing up. But thank you, Music Press Broadway's tried everything, and the podcast put them down. So thank you so much. And thank all of you guys out there. I've really been thinking this week. Sometimes I get so, I'm, I'm like wired for crisis and stress. That's the way I work. And to, just, just to be able to say I have this podcast and I have wonderful people that interact and listen to it. And to be able to say, okay, Scooter, okay, let's, let's calm it down here. What do you do? A podcast to help people fall asleep, tell some stories, uh, be yourself, goof around. And, you know, say, Jesus, talk to these wonderful people. That's all you got to do right. You know, the rest of it is either gravy. There's nothing to worry about here. It, it, it's a good thing with good people. And, uh, you know, let's keep it simple. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that probably makes a whole lot of sense. But it it, it, it does kind of me. And it's just my, my way of saying thank you uh, to all of you. Thanks. Uh, so that's that. I want to thank uh, Chris Posty Posterson Postal who, from Sounds Like an Earful Podcast who does our music. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer who do our artwork. I want to thank uh, Alexandra and Laura who started our Facebook group over there. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here. To put you to sleep, we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. Uh, what am I going to do this year? First couple of times here, you might be like, wait, whoa, 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 what? Well, here, here's my offer. Here's my proposal. Here's my pitch. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell a story. What all you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I think I already said that. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, uh, try to distract you via story from whatever's running through your brain, whatever's racing through your brain, whatever physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is that's got you up at night tossing and turning existentially. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I've given this advice many a time. Uh, no existentialism at bedtime. No, uh, the guy that, what's that, Zasapruta, uh, Nietzsche is not, no, keep Nietzsche out of the bedroom. Uh, even Nietzsche's lovers famously said, keep Nietzsche out of the bedroom. You know, they said, we'll do it in the living room, Nietzsche. Uh, but keeping, you know, I would even say, and this may sound controversial, but not for me, uh, unless you've attained some kind of enlightenment, I'd keep, you know, Zen, Dow, uh, even, I, I wouldn't, if I had Buddha with me, obviously, well, I'd say, well, Buddha, I might, might, you know, pull up that belly under a tree, that, that Bodhi tree, I'll take a nap on that belly of yours. But other than that, I'd like to keep Buddha out of my bedroom, you know, for sure. But Siddhartha, Buddha, you know, he said, Jesus, I'm in the guru scooter. 
you know, that's my thing, betting gurus. And I say, well, well, okay, well, just don't talk to them then because you don't want it. That's the kind of stuff that philosophy, uh, like the song says, I don't know much about philosophy, don't know much about theology, uh, don't know much about the books I, t- I took or the things I was supposed to, you know, things I was supposed to learn. But I do know this. I have trouble getting to points, um, I, but I have lulling, soothing tones. I have an ability to be oblique. Even I think I know what that means. Uh, but, but pointless. And he said, Jesus, I thought there was a pitch in here. I thought there was a Okay, here's the pitch. You get in bed, turn out the lights. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach across the deep, dark night. I'm going to tell you, this is as safe a place as I can create it auditorily. And I try to make it, a, you know, a psychic, a, a mental safe place. Like I said, I got Nietzsche, I got Buddha. I got all them, you know, out of, they may be having a philosophical, philosophical argument, but I'm going to keep them so far away from you. And I'm going to take all those other, you know, mini Nietzsche that, you know, that's, that hangs out with your ego, your id. You know, Freud Jr. up in your brain. Hey, come on out, Freud Jr. Hey, you, you, you baby young. Yeah, and you young light, come with me. Freemium young? That was a ripoff. I can't believe I spent 99 cents on a freemium app. Young in freemium edition. But you guys, come on. I'm going to take you out into the garage. Don't worry. Philosophy friendly zone in the garage. Now, meanwhile, you'll be in bed. And, yeah, your bed will now be a safe place. I say, Buddha, hey, come on, you know, don't worry, I'm not going to let these uh, Westerners, you know, get up in your business. You know, we'll we'll be in a Zen-like state outside, away from your sleep person. You know, we got a human being here. They need, you know, they have an actual regular day-to-day life. They they don't have financial enlightenment or, you know, they're not a trustafarian. So they got to go to work tomorrow or school tomorrow. And they got to sleep, so I'm going to take you guys outside. And all you'll hear is a, is a gentle muttering. And I say, no arguing in the garage. You can discuss the hell out of all these theories you guys got. You know, we even got somebody named Gottman out there. I said, okay. And I think Ernst, I was supposed to read a book by Ernst. I still haven't read that, but I said, he said, uh, so I got all them. They'll be, you'll just hear gentle voices. And when all the philosophers' brain, you know, voices combine, it'll be like a chorus of mumbles that will, and somehow through the through the thick night air, as they travel on the sonic waves, they will land in my brain, and they will have to pass through what we call uh, somewhere deep, deep in my gray matter, is the gobbledygook zone. And it's created, you know, it was, you know, she's one of these uh, strange gene splits or genome splits or something, or a cell division mishap. I got a gobbledygook part of my brain, but I finally found a way to use it. So as they, they go into the gobbledygook, it comes back out, it comes out of my mouth. But somehow I'm able to take it from total gobbledygook, and I take the gook out of it. It's just a little bit of gobbledy now. And I'm going to gobbledy gobbledy along with a little bedtime story. And it'll be slightly amusing for a little while. Good natured is like a good natured fun for, for a time. 
But the thing is, you can tell, you know, your weary feet, you know, the weary part of your brain that says, we must walk this path to uh, knowledge and and, uh, aptitude and potential. Uh, You can say without it, hey, take it out in the garage, please. I'm going to sleep here. I'm going to listen to this getting the gabbledies on. And you guys have the, you know, I'll hear you because you, you're, you, you, you do some art, you know, you go out there, you philosophize the hell out of it. And it'll transfer for Scooter's brain, you know, and I'll hear it. You know, I don't worry, I'll be enlightened. And because also, you know, what they don't know is they get out, go ahead, guys, go outside, we got to talk, me and, me and your human here, human being, you know, not human doing, you guys do the doing out there. You know, they don't know. Those guys are so smart. I'm not degrading their brain power. In fact, their brains are so powerful. You know, they can wire into your subconscious. It'll all get figured out. You know, if it comes into your brain gobbledy, uh, you got so many neurons firing in that subconscious. You don't got to think about it tonight. You don't got to think about it tomorrow. At some point, you'll say, oh, skim milk. And then boom, you you know, then you'll you'll you you'll, I don't know, because I'm you know I'm only I'm the I'm the transmitter of gobbledy, but trust me on that one, uh, you know. So that's the podcast. If if I was a brand, I'm not a brand. If I was a pitch man, I'd say, you know, ninety nine percent gook, zero percent gob. No, whoops, wrong. Ninety nine percent gobbledy, hundred percent zero percent gook. 100% pure gobbledy good. Instead, I take the gook out of the gobbledy and I put in the good gobbledy good scooter. Sleep with me podcast. The gobbledy good. Uh, so that's it. If you're first time here, you say, I say try it out. See if it works for you. Give it a couple tries. If you're if you're not believing me, you're skeptical. I don't blame you. One sent you know this guy's talking gobbledy. He just sent. The greatest minds in the history, you know, okay, now you're thinking too much, no offense, and I'm not trying to offend you, you know, but don't take my word for it, search, search, research this podcast on the internet, on iTunes or whatever, you know, and and, and try for yourself and see if it works, I'm not asking you for anything other than to give it a shot, I hope it helps you, honestly, that's why I'm here, and you know, and be honest, I'm glad you're here, I hope I desire I yearn to help you fall asleep. Like I said, I got some, you know, I, got, I had a strange cell division or something at birth or pre-birth or pre, you know, in the casting center or whatever. So I'm glad, you know, I hope this works out for you and I'm doing my best. All right. Thanks for being here. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another uh, Trending Tuesday. And I was saying, geez, what, you know, I got a lot of stuff I've been thinking about doing I got a lot of ideas for for trending Twitter Tuesday. You know, they said, "Geez, I want to do this. I want to do that." And but then today, I was thinking, man, I said, "Geez, I'm a little bit behind in some of the news." You know, I spend a spend some time at work. I spend some time on the podcast. I read a bit. You know, I read 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 up on sleep a bit, and then I you know I watch the morning news. Well, but that's usually just a uh, Traffic, weather, bad news, and what seems like uh, propaganda. And oh, tangent alert, I don't mean to go on a tangent. I wasn't planning on going on a tangent, but let's just go, go on this tangent. So for what I mean by propaganda is uh, 
So two weeks ago, about it was 4th of July, maybe three weeks ago, right? Uh, now, here in Northern California, fireworks, now, now, and we'll fall into some dis- definitions of fireworks, but fireworks are essentially illegal. Fireworks as we know it, the ones that go in the sky, the ones that can wreak havoc and make loud noises, irritate or delight, depending on your age and your, you know, and they're also, you know, probably for buffoons, idiots, morons. Fireworks probably not the best idea anyway. But in Northern California, they're essentially illegal. But then you have, you know, these fireworks companies say, hey, we'd like to still make some money off you guys. How about we sell fireworks that suck? We'll call them fireworks. We'll put them in firework packaging. We'll charge a bunch of money. And the government said, well, no, 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 no. And they said, hold on, hear us out, the firework companies. Uh, the fireworks will be safe. We'll call them safe and sane fireworks, but mostly boring, smelly, boring and smelly and, you know, irritating you know, because they'll make some noises, but, you know, buffoon-proof-ish, as long as, you know, you read these warnings. But how about this? You guys run the stand, you, you know, for charity, and then you charge you half of it in tax, and the other half's a fundraiser for you. Isn't your son a quarterback on the high school football team counselor? And he say, well, actually, it was safe and sane. That sounds like something I could sell to my people. So at some point they said, hey, you, you can buy fireworks, the safe and sane ones, but the rest of them are illegal. Now, I haven't done any, I don't have any data, which is always dangerous to say. So this is obviously a tangent and not a, uh, whatever, you know, non-tangent where you actually have facts and data to back you up. But my informal observations are that every year there's a shit ton of illegal fireworks everywhere. And I mean everywhere, like in the neighborhood I live in, every house seemed like they were shooting off these friggin' fireworks, real powerful, dangerous fireworks. And occasionally they might have been pretty, but I got a poor dog, doesn't like fireworks. And again, I say, geez, a bunch of people, buffoons throwing off fireworks. You know, I don't want my daughter getting hit by any. But right around fireworks, right around the 4th of July, building up to the 4th of July, in the morning news on every channel, well, that's again, that's not database, that's impression based, but it was my impression that on every channel there was these reports about how all the cities and the police departments are doing firework raids, firework crackdowns. They were doing the exact same thing you see when they're doing a drug where they let people go into a store, buy illegal fireworks, and then they bust the bait. Did you buy some fireworks in there? Because I'm with the police, you're under arrest. Now, meanwhile, just like the drug war, the firework war has failed. Uh, clearly, it's 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 not you know, it's not it's not effective. And I don't know what my rant was about. It's just irritating to me. It was really irritating. I'd say I was outraged, but practically. And uh, and now you say, well, Scooter, what's with this outrage at bedtime? Well, it's at a point, you know, boring outrage, my outrage, because I'm just yelling, you know, complaining about safe and sane fireworks, which what, what could be more safe and, we're the safe and sane bedtime podcast, and someone say, they can hear snickering sane, Scooter saying his podcast is sane. And then you have the guy that's, you know, the guy that changed his sleep with me, he said, number one sleep with me podcast, doofus van, number one doofus. 
And he said, I'm driving an 18-wheeler and listening to this darn air podcast, sleep podcast. It's dangerous to me. It's not safe at all. And you're not sane, Scooter. And I would say, sir, put that steering wheel down. Or, you know, no, don't put it. You know what I mean, sir. Uh, my impression is that, uh, that, that uh, I don't know, that it bothers me. And I say, well, geez, either make them legal and then say, Jesus, you got to be, you got to be, you know, say if you're drunk shooting off fire, you can watch fireworks drunk. If you shoot off fireworks and you're drunk, you're going to jail for a week. And if you're under 21 and you buy fireworks, you know, you know. Instead of maintaining this, oh, they're illegal, you know, we're cracking down. No, but, you know, it's not true. Okay, or if it is, it's incredibly inefficient. And then this morning we had a second round of propaganda based on car break-ins on tourist cars in San Francisco. And it was, it was literally on two different channels five minutes after each other, which I said, geez. So, you know, I could put Edward Snowden to sleep if I needed to with this kind of tirade. You know, see, geez, Ed, you know, it was weird because so I got a call the other day. This is a build-up. That was a build-up, you know. That was not a real tirade for anybody. It's like, Scooter's so weird. Safe and sane. He's, he's complaining about the fire. No, 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 that was the... That was comedy. I mean, who would think I would, you know, who I wouldn't really grind my teeth over it. Well, it drives me crazy. It, it drives me nuts, the safe and sane fireworks. It does. I, it wasn't comedy. It really irritates me. But so, but it was weird because this week, I said, you know, every once in a while I say, Jesus, my apartment tapped. And I'd say, well, they could tap my apartment. They're not going to get anything interesting. And Nana already watches everything I do anyway. And I'm, you know... Say, Big Brother, I'd be worried about Big Nana if I would, you know. Say, don't worry, I'm not going to do anything too weird because I got Nana watching me 24-7. And I said, geez, if you're working for the NSA, you're looking to name your next uh, surveillance project, name it Big Nana. Well, you know what, do me a favor, don't. When you, if, you're gonna, if you're some sort of city politician and you're going to legalize fireworks and drugs, you know, leave, no, leave me out of that too. Actually, yeah, just leave me out of all of it. But just big nana, that let's just pretend. But it's weird because I've been I was I've been working on the ticker tape machine because you know that phone appeared one day on it, and I said, well, that's weird. I don't I never asked why does the ticker tape have a phone a, a receiver on it. And then I start, you know, I was making wishes and whatever. That was folded into an episode a couple weeks ago. But I started thinking, like, if this ticker tape machine. Like what do I know? It's magical, I think, or it, it's it, some sort of energy it runs on. Not, it's not plugged into anything, and I can't see any steam coming out of it. I've never placed any coal in it, so I don't know how it runs. But I said, if it can upgrade itself, maybe I said because I wanted to put a passive listening device in as a pitch to you guys. I already pitched this as somebody that doesn't listen to the podcast. I was having a hard time. But I figured I would. I was trying to upgrade it to have pa- passive listening. You know, global pa- G- GP, GPL. They have GPS. This is GPL. Global passive listening on the ticker tape. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of. I don't know if this is just an American thing, but I think at a lot of schools. They have this thing called Primal Scream or something, where at a certain time every night, all the students on the in the school's campus they yell together. And I, I talked to this person; they were having a hard time. I said, "Geez, I'll tell you what. Every day, at three thirty your time, twelve thirty my time, I'll be listening." 
for you to yell. You know, you yell out your window or just yell quietly, and that way you know you'll you'll be heard, right? And it, but, but I was thinking, geez, it'd be. They said, well, what if you know, what if I'm doing something? You know, I said, geez, I'd like to help this guy. But what if I'm busy, you know? And then I said, and it kind of doesn't work if it's not all, if you're not always listening, you, you know, because it's a metaphor. I can't really hear you yell. You're three thousand miles away, but maybe I can. But I said, it'd be nice if the ticker tape could do, you know, do that for me. You know, you know, I'll be doing it ninety percent of well, fifty. You know, when I can't do it, have the ticker tape be listening. So I said, I'd put it out to you guys. But then I said, well, we got people across the globe, across the time, time zones, and I don't know if anybody listening to Freakonomics, the two part Freakonomics podcast about sleep and about uh, time. Time Zones. It was, it was a wonderful podcast. Freakonomics, check it out. Uh, it was called The Economics of Sleep, I think. But I was thinking with his ticker tape, I said, well, geez, we could work out. It could be passively listening, maybe at all times for you guys if you need to. Because one of the things about is we want to be heard, right? You want to express yourself. If you're frustrated, you want to be heard. And I said, well, just be great. The ticker tape could hear you. And the ticker tape could always be on. Because, you know, I'm here at the deep, dark night to escort you through the deep, dark night past the threshold of, uh, you know, non-sleep into the world of sleep. Or, you know, you know, step into my boat and it will carry you off on the placid lake of sleep. Well, that was pretty nice. I just made that up, too. Uh, but now I'm going to jumble. Uh, you know, become incomprehensible for a minute here. All planned out. All part of my, uh, I, I wish I knew one of those arty words, like melange de foie. My melange de foie. What does melange de foie mean, Scooter? The essence of my foie. Uh, the variety of my foie, my friend. But so I'm working on that. So I'm working on this passive listening thing, right? And I said, geez, if the ticker tape's magical, how much work do I have to do? I'll get something metal and round, ear-like, to be able to hear the frustration. And I said, wait a second. I'm just realizing now this is exactly, well, it's a little bit different than the Midler app because this is just general angst. It's listening, you know. What did I call it? GPL, Global Passive Listening System for, you know, global angst, uh, global frustration, irritation, sadness even. So I'm working on that for you guys. And I said, Jesus, is this going to be on 24-7 or do we have to set a time? So, to, you know, tweet me, email me your thoughts on that. But that will be pretty sweet. So I had this metal thing, which you, uh, some people would call a tomato can, a canned tomato can. And then I said, well, maybe I should open this up and empty it out. And then I said, what do you do with that freaking... And so that took forever. I said, what the hell am I going to do with it? I can't just throw it away. That's wasteful. So I have myself the grossest bowl of tomato soup, in the soup in the loosest words you could ever imagine for lunch. And then I said, well, Jesus, good thing the uh, this can't get plugged in because the can, I washed it, but I didn't dry it. So it got a little wet. But I'm working on the global listening thing, and then the phone rings, and I said, oh, boy. I said, I wonder if it's Sawbones here calling, saying, hey, Scooter. And I said, maybe it's Dobner and Levitt, Levitt calling in, Economics of Podcast 3, you know, the madman of sleep. 
And I said, when, when's someone going to write Sleeper Podcast of 2015? When's, when's that article come out? But I answer the phone, and it's like this uh, mysterious voice. I say, hello, Scooter. And I said, he says, you're coming in not so hot. I said, I don't know. And, I, it, it, said, well, and I, it wasn't really boring. It was more uh, kind of long and pointless, but not in a sleep-friendly way. But it ended up as Edward Snowden. We had a bad connection because he was on some sort of Moscow uh, related. And I said, geez, I guess I wasn't even supposed to say that. Or, oh, no, he said, don't say anything about Moscow. Oh, shoot. Anyway, you know, I don't think... Oh, boy. Remember, this is a fictional podcast sometimes. Anyway, and it could be Edward Snowden of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is who it really was, and Moscow on the Hudson, you know? Old Moscow on the Hudson. But this Edward Snowden, he said, I'm so stressed, I've been having... And I said, boy. I said, are you worried still about your hair? And I said, because I said, I have cowlicks too. I totally can relate to that time. I said, I gave up on it a long time ago. You're younger than me. And I said, you knew you were going to get, I said, but I said, I can relate to that frustration you were having with trying to get those cowlicks down. And I was like, I don't think you had showered in a guy. I said, that was stress, man. You were trying to grasp some control. As Alien Brush McKenna says, you were looking for a talisman, a talisman to cling to. You know, in this case, it was a clinging, uh, not a lack of clinging of your hair to your scalp. But, you know, you, you want some certainty to get you through. And I said, man, you're brave. And he said, listen, Scooter, can you do an episode about me or for me? I think he said for me. Because at some point I started, I just couldn't stop thinking about his hair and him in the mirror. This is from Citizen Four. And they says, weird you're calling me because I just had Glenn Greenwald appeared in back-to-back episodes, or kind of appeared. And then he's, you know, we talked about that because, you know, some of that episode wasn't fictional either, by the way. Pause. We know about you. And he said, well, I listen to those episodes. That's why I'm calling. He's like, I wonder if you could do an episode about all the news about Pluto, you know. And he said, what do you think about that? And it went on longer than I said, you know what, Edward, I'm losing the connection. He said, I'm calling you via magic. And I said, how did you know that? And he said, your ticker tape machine called me. And I said, really? It never talked. I said, it talks to me. I said, in the printouts, very occasionally, I'd say, what's Edward, what's less, occasionally or sporadically? And he said, I think those are two, they mean different things. And they said, right, so which is less, occasionally or sporadically? And he said, well, it depends on how you, he said, probably sporadically. And I said, well, yeah, sporadically, less than, what's less than sporadically? They said, erratic, no, it's erratic too. But I said, that's so weird, it's like a Google voice call. It calls you and then it calls me. And he said, yeah, he said, but he said, I want you, he said, could you do an episode for me? And I said, well... They said, I'm about halfway through this episode. I could do half. How about a, a two-thirds of an episode? What do you think? And he said, be, he's so nice, this Edward Snowden from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Moscow on the Hudson. I mean, that's what we call it, you know, the Milwaukee River. Sometimes we call it Moscow. There's a cafe there that I like to frequent called Moscow on the Hudson when I'm in Milwaukee. 
It's a, you know, underground cafe for, you know, just people who, you know, imaginary friend runs that he moved there when we got into a fight. But that's a whole other story when my imaginary friend moved away. That should be the title of it. One day I'll do that episode. You'll probably have to remind me of that because this is that it was supposed to be. We're eating up Edward Snowden's time here. And if it wasn't inconvenient enough, I said, I mean, I didn't say this to Edward at the time because he's so nice. He's such a nice, he's such a pleasant, uh, mild manner. So what's more, I said, is it pleasant or mild mannered? What do you prefer? And he kind of laughed it off and I could picture him. And I said, you know, we got a, I said, I've never looked into if it's a birth, what do you call it? A birthmark or a mole or just a big freckle? Because I have one on my face right around the same spot you do. And then I have, my hair's different than yours, but mine stands up a lot too. And he said, I was going to tell you, he goes, can you, he goes, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm living under it. He goes, I got to get off this call in case there's mad, you know. And I said, do you think Putin's hiring wizards, you know, if, and he said, if Putin knew about this, you know, not, this is Al Putin. He owns a TV repair shop in Milwaukee. He doesn't like the cafe that me and Ed, Edward hang out at, you know. But he said, you know, if he, if he knew, if you know about this uh, ticker tape machine, you'd be, you'd be, and they said, well, they said if he could get it to work, you know, more regularly, it'd be cool. And then Edward said, you're joking. I said, yeah, Ed, I'm just trying to crack it. And I said, Dude, what are the odds of me calling you Eddie? And then he, for the first time, he kind of breathed. And I said, I remember, yeah, okay, I remember you do have a little bit of frustration when people are, you know, testing your patience, Eddie. And I said, so hit me. What do you want at your epic? He said, Pluto. What, what about? And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, I forgot. I was going to pretend that we disconnected, but you called me out on the magical call. So I said, all right, I'll work on that. And he said, no, can you do it right now? And he said, do you, do, you, do you have an email address? He said, no, no, I'm hot. You know, and I said, oh, geez, Ed, sorry. And I said, all right. I said, how's the connection over the phone? He said, good enough. I'll, I, he said, I'll, I'll put an X. And I said, what time is it? He said, bedtime. And I said, yeah, okay, Ed, can, can I just do a quick, uh, I said, well, you up all night tossing and turning on the run from uh, stuff. Uh, uh, tossing, turning, mind racing, uh, secret secreting. Yeah, this is welcome to uh, Das Sleep With Me. And he said, that's German. I said, oh, yeah. They said, the podcast that's here to put, put, you, put you to sleep. And he didn't laugh. I said, what? You're not laughing? Put you to sleep. I, I said, I, you know, when you have to explain a joke to somebody. And I said, okay. And then I mean, my meanwhile, I was thinking, I don't really know anything about, I said, I haven't been following the news because I've been, you know, spending two weeks, been out of shape about the uh, safe and sane fireworks right when the news about Pluto hit. But, so me and Ed, Ed's story went a little, Eddie's story went a little something like this. So, so yeah, so Ed, I settle in as I, uh, as, uh, as, as, as just like space, the infinite space of the mind. Planet comes into view recently, uh, but, but, but now I want you to join hands with me across the darkness of space. Reach out your hands. Edward, reach out your hands.
uh, reach out your hands inside your imagination only and start to imagine we're joined hands, a circle of us, like a circular, circular ish, like an orbit. Some would say oblong. Someone would say a more fancy thing. But we are a circle joined together. And for the first time in the history of planetary discussions, we are going to have a planetary essence seance. Edward, I want you to close your eyes. And I want us all to breathe together. Ed, would you believe Glenn, I got Glenn, Glenn Greenwald in on this uh, planetary seance thing, but he can't, he's not allowed to talk. Okay, as we close our eyes with Pluto, Pluto, do you hear me? Pluto, we are here to listen to thee. I am the planetary caller. Once went by Andy. Pluto, Pluto, are you there? For we know in as those of us who have many years of experience in planetary essence seances, someone might say the noise of the planet is beyond human hearing, beyond human hearing or the distance of our ears. But I would say we're calling the essence of the planet in, and sometimes the essence of the planet must be stirred by finding out why the planet was in the news so much I know there was things headed there. But, oh, Pluto, what do you think when CNBC says that Americans love you? When your close-up images come to Earth and people Google Pluto, what strikes a chord? According to this article by Robert Ferris from only nine hours ago. Well, he says that you're a mystery, and as we reach across space, we want answers to the mystery, Pluto. So far, the furthest object of our solar system. Oh, Pluto, Pluto, you are the misfit underdog, to quote this CNBC article, disrespected and reclassified, loved by children for being so small and so isolated. Are you also stirring something in us? What do we project on you? Great tiny Pluto. It was just 2006, just 80 years after you had identified that in Prague, DIA, you decided you were no longer a planet, Pluto. Speak to us, Pluto, now. When they started to call you a dwarf, even though on Earth that term was falling into disuse, why hurt you, Pluto? But the thing is, maybe you've been disrespected as people looked beyond you in to things beyond Neptune called the Kuiper Belt Objects, 2,000 objects. But you've been out there 4.5 billion years, and finally we get a look at you. And that is all I could glean from that Pluto, Pluto. Tell us how you feel. Did that stir your call? And our hands in our circle are together in the shape of your planet. And we know that we can sit in silence and patience 
and not freak out because Pluto hasn't responded back to us. You know, even if we're a lone planet, away, far away in isolation, thinking people have forgotten about us, and they said, oh, you're not news anymore, and then you're pulled back into our purview, Pluto. Pluto, Pluto, tell me if this is true, though. The Guardian said ten things we now know about you, so... Stuart Clark wrote this article, 28th of July. You're larger than we once saw, Pluto. 23,000 kilometers across, two-thirds the size of the moon. Ironically enough, you're wide as a country called Russia. Isn't that ironic? You don't choose to. Anyway, Pluto, Udo, you may be less dense than we thought. If certain fictional narratives are to believe, you could be hollow and full of rabbits. There are parts of you that are devoid of craters, like the distinctive heart-shaped region named Donbarijo. Smooth plains without craters, so smooth, Pluto. Like satin sheets, sliding satin sheets, or satin sheets. So smooth, oh, Pluto. But those smooth regions may be... Only a hundred million years in age, so young your face can be, Pluto. And then many people say the mystery, the biggest mystery about you is contained within, for you radiate a heat, an internal heat, to smooth your craters from your feet, or, you know, your face, I guess we'd say. We don't understand. Come to us, Pluto, and explain us. Explain inside your heat. You're too small for radioactive heat, and you have no tidal energy. Come to us, Pluto, and explain. Another reason we need you, Pluto, is to know why your atmosphere is so disappearing, uh, going away. Is it freezing to the surface away from the sun? We don't know, Pluto. Please come tell us. And do how do you feel about having things named within you? No one names my body parts. Well, sometimes, but uh, to, you know, Tiny Tim is not a name. What is it? It is a name, but not a cool name like you have a region called Sharon or Mordor. You have a region on your moon, Sharon called Mordor, or your mountain so high, 3.5 kilometers high. The Norgay Montes, even deaf to Tenzig Norgay, who climbed Everest with Hillary, Edmund Hillary. Your mountains so high are made of but ice, but how did they get there, Pluto? Please come tell us. And your smooth, smooth surface looks like boiling milk. It's called the Sputnik Planium, and named, ironically enough, after Russian satellites. They resemble the pattern of convection cells seen in steadily boiling milk. Is it where heat escaped from the interior of Pluto and temporarily melted the surface before freezing over again, we don't know. So please come tell us, Pluto. 
Pluto, your red color comes from molecular rain, where your atmosphere shows haze letters, where methane, haze layers, where methane molecules are broken apart by the sun's radiation. But they recombine to form various more complicated molecules, and they eventually become solid particles called tholins, and they fall onto the surface star-like and reddish-brown. And Pluto, let me ask you a question. Can you see your tail so nice? Is it a tail made of ice? It's like a comet tail in space coming from the nitrogen you lose. It extends 109,000 kilometers from you, Pluto. Sculpted by the sun. Please tell us more of how it feels. I, I would love to know what it's like to have a long tail like that. Do you ever move it, Pluto? Do you think about it at all? Are you aware? If not, come tell us and thank us for your knowing about your tale. Now the scientists say more data will come. But you could come in, you know, just between us, Pluto, just between your circle of friends, like the circle you're shaped in. You know, even though one is a reporter and a leaker of secrets, and maybe Leslie Stahl is here, and maybe Bergman, maybe not, Pluto. Because they might not, they say, this is nonsense. Planetary essence seance, well, we will show them nonsense. It is non, Pluto, as you reach out to us and tell us. You know, there is so much faster essence seance communication than the slow data rates. On the new horizon thingamajiggy, just a few kilobits a second, it'll take us 16 months to download. So we won't, you know, no private time needed at that rate. You've got a while, Pluto. Pluto, what do you say when I tell you these things? Do you hear them? Do you think of anything? Does this strike you at all, Pluto? Oh, Pluto, please hear us. We will close our eyes. Oh, Pluto, hear our cries. Oh, Oh, we, we fall silent, everyone. I am feeling something inside me. A stirring deep within me. I feel a core, a center so hot that keeps me warm. I feel long isolation. In a curiosity, I think I'm becoming Pluto, you see. Yes, I look at you looking at me. What would Jean Berger say about this? I don't understand how my mind, but I sit out here at the edge of space. And I hear you people 
chit-chattering all over the place. And you wonder what my core is, I say, look within you. For you look upon me, and that is what you see. A lonely planet out in space, disrespected by all these say, Oh, well, we know everything about, you know. You say, we, we, we don't know, you're no planet of our, you're not big enough. But I call upon you, I call across space with a message of an iron or a liquid core. I can't look inside myself just like you cannot, people. But hear me, hear me, hear me, good. I'm a planet, and I've been misunderstood, and I expect an apart. You won't say, oh, geez, you're looking good now. We love you, man. You're a planet again in my book. Well, I say, take that and shove it. For I know, no, but I am so lonely out here. Maybe that's why I'm so snappy. I've watched you, Edward. Edward, this is Edward of Milwaukee, correct? Oh, 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 Edward, listen to me. Russians have taken many pictures here, and they picture you. And do I don't understand. I only get, you know, I don't get all the signals. So is this it? Is this the Edward that ran in the race? Uh, no, P- P- uh, Pluto, that is not. It's a different Edward Snowden. Ah, Snowden. For you will look around me and you will see much ice. Frozen water, if you will. For this golden space. But you know what Pluto loves so much. The children's books that I have been in. That is what brings, uh, you, you look at me, you see this heart. Do you know where this heart was formed? Some might say fiery rain or bubbling cauldrons of internal fire. And I would say yes in some sense. For my insides bubble with joy every time a children turns a planetary page. The young child looks at a book. Images drawn or photographed of the planets. And some children say, Oh, check out the Saturn. And then other children say, Look at that spot on Jupiter. Uh, it's pretty, uh, and they say, That's a storm. Oh, so is that a gas planet? I don't know. And depending on the artist's rendering, they usually skip over Neptune. That's right, Neptune. Unless they say, Well, you got some rings on you. Is that Saturn? No, it's Neptune. Oh, isn't Neptune a cool sea god? I like that. I like that Neptune better, not the planet Neptune. I think so. And then they get to Pluto, and they said, "Well, let's get." I is it's too much of a reminder of being at the edge of a universe all alone for some people, saying, "Let me push you further and further away." Or it might remind them of their desire to withdraw to the edge. Out all alone and say, here I am. Cold on the outside, but a tiny bit of warmth on the inside. Safe at the edge of the universe. Forgotten.
At last I can freeze in space alone. But no, the children call me back. They say scientists in gathering in Prague were drinking too much and having too much fun. And then they must have passed it when they were wasted. And they said, send someone out there to check on old Bluto, if you will. Let's have a double dog story for a movie or two. For that Bluto, so brave, the story is rewritten again and again. But Bluto does not care for songs of vain glory, for still I am a rock. And I see rock in space. And I sit out here. And I watch your planet for the children in the books. Paging through saying, well, Venus is not a bad name. I like saying Venus. And if the children's a bit older, they say Venus rhymes with penis. And then there's another child saying, no, it does not. I said, well, I'm out in here. I'm out in here in Pluto. Uh, humor is at a premium. Uh... I lost my space place, but I'd say they skip over and they say, well, I've heard about Mars, we could go live there, but let's keep looking for other planets. Earth, we know what that's like. I don't even, I forget, I say Neptune's a jerk, so don't worry about that. Don't, you know, I say, come on, get, get a little closer, let's talk. I got nothing to say to you, you're not even a planet. You're a pipsqueak, I got a whole belt around me. Like a big body, a know-it-all with a big body of hangers on. Oh, you gravity switch out stuff, Neptune. We're just going to hang around to you. And some of us are bigger than that planet. Want to be planted over there. And they say, be a raza, raza. I'd like to, you know. But I say, well, who gets past over? And then I see the books again. The children are at a garage sale. And they may have an anal retentive parent who says, well... Honey, that book's worthless. Pluto's not a planet anymore. And now I'm glad a man brought my essence into your world so I can quest across it for people like that. Pluto disregarders. Pluto disrespecters count your minutes. For my core is neither cold nor icy. It burns with a hot, hot rage. And time is meaningless, so maybe I'll just watch you. And then say, Dad, you know what? I'm moving in with my boyfriend. He's a Pluto scientist. And the father will say, No, please, no, dear. Not a Pluto. How will you ever pay? You'll never even be able to make your student loan payments. But then the girl will leave and the father will cackle, which, oh, I'm so relieved she's with a scientist. And then the wife will say, do you know the kind of weird stuff the scientists I slept with were into? And then the father will cry, no, please, no. But he said, well, he's a nice, he seemed like a nice enough guy, dear. And then she said, have you ever seen what liquid nitrogen? And he says, no. Ah, and I will have a good laugh at all that, but Pluto's memory... Is, uh, is it not great? You'd think I'd say, well, if a rock hits me, I won't forget it. But your transmissions drift across me and drift back and forth. And now Pluto's pretty hot stuff, but I would say one day you'll be back, you'll be back to Neptune and Venus. 
writing songs, I Me of Venus, I Me of Fire, What's Your Desire? How about a song about Bluto? And they say, well, Bluto, he was a bad guy on Popeye. And I would say, that's not, that doesn't cut it. And then I would sing a tale, I'd say, Pluto, Pluto loves children who love Pluto, who open space books and dream of space. And then they'd say, Pluto, you're all alone. And then someone might say, Pluto, don't sing because your voice is not great. And I would say, what if I scatter doobo, boop boo, shabudo, oh Pluto, scat papa poopo, yada mama moon, oh, flute booty booty boodo is Pluto. I would say to the people of Earth, Pluto's got feelings and Pluto can be hurt. But I'm in space, and no one cares about Pluto. But now you do, oh, Pluto. I said Pluto, but Pluto would end the interlude in case it needs to be edited out for being too non-sleep-inducing. And I say to you, Edward, I was once... You know, just a few years younger, and I saw young Edward looking through a book of space. Uh, uh, excuse me, why are you shaking your head in the circle of sharing? I would say I remember uh, you sharing about loving Pluto and dreaming of being on a, a trip to Pluto to see the icy mountains, but mostly because Pluto was a giant projector, and you say, oh, I don't want to be all Pluto sits out here for you, and when the press dies down, Pluto will still sit out here watching over the universe, at the edge of the universe, all alone. And at once, Pluto, you know, I, I could spin you some mythological tales of bad choices I've made. But sometimes, you know, since I'm not a person, I'm just a planet. This is just an essence, you know, an essence of my planet. Not real, but also real. So real, Edward Snowdon. So you know you should be asleep thinking of planets circling you, but thinking about how if you're alone, or you, I said I think you have someone out there with you, but even so, it must be lonely. And you don't have to be brave all the time to be Pluto. You just need the curiosity of a child who says, oh, that's, that's cool, it's way the hell out there. And a general identification they say, well, I don't know what it is about that planet out there that I like, but I like it. I know that Fievel loved me. Don't say he loved the moon. He loved Pluto the most. And I don't have much else to say for being called in. I was, you know, 
just watching the data drop so slowly, for time means nothing to Pluto. Out here in space, you know Pluto. Shabba da Pluto. I'm Pluto. Papa Pluto. But know that Pluto is out of things to talk about. It's the first conversation as an essence I've been called in. And I'd like to congratulate, you know, despite the doubts of members of the press who said you cannot contact a place, but essence of a planet, Tarek, you can contact Pluto when you want to, if Pluto's around. I might be busy making fun of Neptune, but just dial me up. If you don't gather hands and call, and if anyone says anything bad about me I don't know about, let me know, especially in the press. I want to know about, please, go, you know, join hands, create a circle and think of my heart that beats for every earthly child that loves Pluto and beats with rage for every parent that disregards me. And when people first to know that the years of 2006 to 2015 will not be forgotten, uh, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to do, because of it, but maybe I'll do something you never know, and it'll take me a while to do it, so I'll think of other things to do on my way. But it's good to contact you on Earth. Edward, I hope we push you to sleep with this tale of Pluto. You know, because you say you know Pluto. And I appreciate the fact that you liked me enough to put the pod man on the spot not knowing enough about Pluto in the news to make him look like a buffoon. And as Pluto, we'll just do some generalized talking to make sure Mr. Snowdon is a bizarre. In Pluto, we are in space and we are beyond the stars. But you might ask me, do I like to look at stars? I do. Stars are nice. I like to look at them. And I float, you know, gently in an orbit around the sun. So gently. You know, it doesn't feel... You say, you do, do you know if you're moving or not? You just know. You're traveling through space. And I see you moving, you know, at a different rate, but I say, oh, that goes Earth again. But, I, you know, I say worse things about other planets, so at least I say, well, you're not bad to look at Earth. And they say, how could I say, well, I got good eyes, I'm a planet. I see in a different way, and I'm an essence of a planet in this case. And you might get caught up on what is an essence of a planet that doesn't make any sense exactly. Essences are beyond sense. They're beyond nonsense. And you know, I am a planet, okay? So it's good talking to you. I hope you're all asleep, especially little Edward. Little Eddie, Pluto's coming in for a kiss with his little heart to your little, uh, uh, is that a mobile? Bodman has one on his face, too. Uh, good night, little Eddie. I think you have let me pat your furry head. You have fur just like the Batman does. A good night. Sleep so to Edward and all the rest of you. So brave.
so brave to be on Earth, you know, in some sense you feel as alone as me, and that is what joins us, you know, our appreciation of it. But for you, you're not trapped in space, so you say, well, you better, it's a feeling, feelings aren't facts, they say, unless you're pure Pluto out in the middle of space. But I'm working on a plan, starts with scatting, ends with good night, good night, my friends, from a planet that feels like a star, Pluto. And then over on Twitter, I want to say hi to Sammy C, Andy V, Alec, DJM, Kate S, Alex, uh, Kathy, Silver, Silvertone, Nathan, Lida, Lindsay, and then on Facebook, Jennifer B, Pat, David P, Daniel C, Bonnie, Julie G, and then uh, Sleep uh, With Me Podcast, uh, iTunes reviews over sleepwithmepodcast.com slash iTunes, uh, uh, LVA Bear. Don't miss these. I know who that is. That's the uh, official medical staff of the podcast. And uh, LVA Bear says, uh, you know, this is what gets us, gets you through the sleepless nights. Magical ways are the best. Uh, what a wonderful boyfriend. Well, it's one wonderful boyfriend to another. Thank you so much. And they have three international reviews. Uh, but I don't have the countries because I was using another way to get these reviews. But I want to thank uh, Retro Verte, Vertige, who said the podcast is a genius. What a peculiar, peculiar talent, but damn it, it works. It's magical. Thank you, Retro Vertige. I want to thank 99.9 Wilson999. Uh, who I said, geez, what did, what did that? I didn't even know if the episode came out. Where we were talking about being, was that an intro where I was talking about being on a desert island? Did that already come out? I'm having some of my uh, uh, desert island deja vu. But, well, yeah, that was on Friday they wrote this review. Anyway, that's weird because I was talking about Wilson and I'm sure, I think it was an episode that hasn't come out yet. But it could have been on Thursday's episode. But anyway, 99.9 Wilson, 99.9 said a clever idea for a podcast. Calms the mind, enthralling, nothing too enthralling, and it works every night. So thank you, Wilson. And then DRU1076, that's a brain bot. Uh, probably like a human said, hey, brain bot, take this down. They probably have like one of those brain bot assistants. And they said, boring, yawn, and awesome. The boringest of boringly boring boredom. That's some alliteration. You will you will ever be bored before bed by before bedtime, and I love it. Scooter delivers exactly what he promises, and that's rare. And warning: don't use while driving, working, or operating heavy equipment. So let me say that boringest boring of boringly boring boredom. You'll be bored before bedtime. Uh, so thank you for that review. I think they said on the reviews. I just want to let you guys know. I'm, uh, yeah, it's a mini update, but I'm really trying hard uh, to 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 push the podcast to, to like add its mission podcast to put people to sleep, uh, but to try to get it out there in more ways with the limited time I have. So I'm pushing myself, but I've also recommitted with the sleeper summer to try to take a little bit better care of myself. 
uh, as far as far as like trying to get uh, seven hours of sleep or something, or just reduce, you know, uh, worrying about the podcast and everything related to the podcast, breathing, and you know, general health things. So I want you guys to know. I mean, maybe I'll have some data down the road here, but but I'm trying to see if I can push myself a little hard for the next couple months uh, to to grow our audience. Uh, just by, you know, doing what we do, putting people to sleep and say, well, geez, that's that's an interesting theory, Scooter, but also without burning myself out. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. We'll see how it works out, but I don't don't know. Uh, I I don't even know why I'm updating you guys, but, you know, communication, I guess. All right, let's uh, keep it moving here. Uh, Let's see. I want to thank... Yes, uh, Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful Podcast. He does our music. Scotty and Jennifer on our wor- artwork. Laura, as I said, is running the Facebook group. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. I think I, know, I, think I said to put you to sleep. And we do as a bedtime story. Tonight is Thursday. It's time for our uh, serial story tales of Lady Witchbeard. Uh, about a fr- you know friendlyish pirate witch, witch pirate, witch pirate. You'd say the, the, the pirate witch is a, a witch pirate I'm talking about. But all you got to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you. Here's what I propose. I'll give you a proposal and then a long, drawn-out metaphor. The proposal is, I'm going to try to tell a story and distract you from whatever's running through your brain. Whatever's got you up thinking, worrying, your brain's chattering, your brain's talking, your brain's listening. Maybe your brain's like uh, working on theses. Uh, maybe your body's hurting. Maybe, maybe you know, just get some uh, like internal... Pain, you know, you're suffering, and 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 do that suffering. You can't fall asleep, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional. Uh, whatever it is, I'm going to try to distract you from that. I'm going to tell a story, and you can listen. And ideally, the story will take a couple turns. I'll use lulling, soothing tones, uh, patented uh, boredom, boredom technology. Uh, just, but it's not patented or tech. Te- it's a technology as old as time. The man, the pointless man with the pointless stories. So maybe it's like an artisan. There's another word for that, but you know, I, I'm a, a craft artisan, craftsman of boredom. So I'm going to try to distract you. I'm going to try to soothe you. I'm going to try to make you smile. But whenever you feel like dozing off, you say, well, this isn't, said it's okay. You go ahead and go right to sleep. Now, if you find the story interesting, I'll try to be there for you. But the main thing I want to do is, is create a safe place. Reach my hand, my voice across the deep, dark night and say, hey, this podcast is here for you. Either to help you fall asleep or to, you know, be your companion and your distraction. Uh, through the evening, or if you wake up, you know, try to ease you right back into bed. Uh, now, long drawn-off metaphor, I was thinking about this today. 
because you say she's people say well, what, what what makes you do the podcast or what why are you why are you so adept at dealing with brain bots and overthinking and not being they said well Jesus if you know what's going on in my brain you know when they're handing out different stuff when when they're on the the, the construction line overthinking was like locked in in full force and sprayed my brain like i uh, sprayed my brain with so I, so I was thinking today about desert islands and the old uh, john caruso or robinson cano uh swiss family robinsons you know the whole thing you know tom cruise being being on a desert island stranded but I was thinking about my thinking about that. I was saying, well, geez, if I, if I was stuck in a desert island, I wouldn't be alone, one, because there's about a billion dudes in my head. And their expectation, I said, I'd probably sit down with them at some point, you know, after a couple of days. And we'd probably have some sort of meeting. Usually meetings with my brain consist of beratings or just, you know, chugging, chugging anxiety, listing, saying, well, did you get that done? Which one? Because you, you just told me 40 things to do. In a millisecond, I couldn't hear any of them, but I do feel the anxiety. So, I, so, but anyway, so I was trying to think about it in a, you know, a different arena, a desert island. How would I do on a desert island? What would I do? I'd be away from, and then I said, oh no, I wouldn't be away from my problems. I'd take my problems wherever I go. And so I was thinking, I said, geez, what would my brain do? And I'd say, okay, well, I got water here. I'm eating some coconuts and some, uh, you know, some creatures of the sea, and, you know, I'm, I'm, so I'm surviving here, uh, but I really don't know about much about, they'd say, I'd say, maybe we should be planning getting a boat here and getting out of here doing something, and I'm pretty sure no matter what I did from that point on, no matter how effective I was, my brain would be like, what, like my brain, they would form a committee to build a cruise ship, and they would say, well, the only way to get off the island, you know, that you shouldn't be ashamed of and embarrassed about is to build a cruise ship, you know, and that would get us off the island. <sighs> it would also show all those people that said, well, if you were trapped on a desert island, you'd just have water and those crustaceans. And then they'd say, okay, so I'm supposed to, be, okay, where should I, well, build, why haven't you built a cruise ship? Say, they'd start, and say, well... Okay, guys, I don't know anything about shipbuilding. I don't know anything about building. I don't know anything about elements. So I said, geez, I, I know there's some wood here, but don't cruise ships have a lot of metal? I don't know. I know there's silicon and sand, but there's sand here. I don't know how to make metal. I don't know much about wind or propeller power, steam power, solar. I don't know anything about those. So what should we do? Should we just give up? And they said, well, Jesus, that's what you want to do. But you really, if you just build this cruise ship, we'll get off the island. All our problems will be solved. And I'd say to them, okay, so let me just make sure. Usually I don't think enough to rephrase their questions. or their, I'd say, okay, guys, so the only way off this island with any pride intact, any safety, the only way to get off this island safely is a full-bore cruise ship. Yeah, and they see the Panamax, a Panamax one. And you're, so that's what you're saying. The only way I can get off this island is if I build a cruise. Exactly. Why haven't you, we say, okay, well, 
where, where should I start? Why haven't you started? And I'd say there's the, it would just be a circular thing where I'd probably lie on the beach trying to distract myself. I'd probably try to make some cocoa liqueur out of coconuts to, you know, shut those voices down. And I say, oh, wait, guys, hey, did you know we're, we're uh, I see a hotel down there. We never even bothered to look around. We're not on a desert island. Or here's another theory. Logs float. What if we just get on a log and paddle for a while? Or, you know, walk around, uh, you know, so I don't know if anybody can relate to that. I don't think that was a very salient point. But this was some of the stuff in my brain. If I was on a desert island, that would be the solution. Build a cruise ship. And not only would any other solution be acceptable, but I don't know, and that's not achievable. And so I said, why do you, what's going on in here? And believe me, I've had experts. I've been working, and I say, well, Jesus, was good, this guy. I mean, they, they said, we got Norway, Sweden, Denmark, you know, all the mental health countries. The metal, you know, the, the, the uh, Stalwarts of mental health, uh, all their uh, signature medal winners on this case. They they may take me to a desert island to observe me. They said, but these are also voices. They said your your brain's never going to be fixed unless you get the Norwegians on it. And I say, isn't that the Swedes or the Danes or the Swiss that are at mental health? And they'd say. Yeah, you, 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 you're talking Finnish now. So that's one of the reasons maybe this podcast works is because I have to distract myself and try to calm myself down. And in some sense, I like telling these stories uh, to you guys because they distract. I, maybe they distract me, but I enjoy telling them. And for, for this is my escape from those voices. I say, well, geez, if, if I... The only way I can do the podcast is if I'm distracted from all these internal critics and experts and Danes. I don't know. I don't have any Dane. And I said, Jesus, how do I have an internal Dane? And he says, I'm the great Dane. And they say, okay, I can't give you attention right now. I'm trying to do a podcast, great Dane. Uh, so that's it. Long, drawn-out metaphor. Maybe senseless. Maybe fell asleep already. That'd be ideal. But that's the podcast in a nut nutshell, as they say, as a, as a, you know, if, if, if I had a friend, I forgot Tom Cruise's friends, beside, no, it'll come to me when it's too late. He had a nice name for his little uh, volleyball friend. Oh, Wilson, because obviously I didn't, but uh, so that's it. I'm glad you're here. I hope that made sense. This is your first time here. Give it a couple of tries. I, you know, I try. I don't know. I I did my best there. I try to do my best to help you fall asleep. And as I said, I'm glad you're here. You know, I hope, I crave, I desire to help you fall asleep. Thanks for stopping by. All right, we're back with another tale of Lady Witchbeard. And when we last left off last week, uh, we had got kind of caught on a path. We were violating uh, indigenous tribes' private property. They said, hey, you know, possibly. We didn't have, it was mostly nonverbal communication. It seemed like a battle was going to break out between the conquistadors and these indigenous people. And I guess a, a small, it was more of a skirmish. 
So I was trying to break it up. Cortez got snatched by another group of conquistadors that were pursuing us. So there's there was like older people and children in the village. I said, I don't know about them getting hurt, you know. But Lady Witchbridge said, Jesus, we German, we gotta get the, we gotta go get Cortez. I said, what about the children, Lady Witch? She said, let's go. But they, were, they had cannons and stuff. They can, you know, conquistadors, how they get. So, you know, sorry, conquistador cast, the podcast about conquistadors, well, conquistador fan cast. But I think uh, Queen Isabella re- re- revoked their charter. Ba-bum-bum. That's, that's my conquistador comedy tour. Uh, not sold out. Not, not, you know, no, no tickets sold yet. So I, I was like, I got to come up with a plan to help everybody. Win-win, as they say in the business, business thing. So what I did was I had stolen, you know, full on, full, full disclosure, some broom dust from Lady Witchbeard's cottage, which you sprinkle on a normal everyday broom. It temporarily turns it into a witch-style flying broom. I used it on one of those cannon stuffers, which is pretty much a broom. And then I flew into the village. Accidentally, uh, a guy got hit by the flying broom, you know, in you know, through him. And he went to live on a farm, you know, with all all of our dogs and pets from our childhood, that farm. So happy. But all the people of the village immediately started praising me. Lady Witchbeard obviously was shocked that I had stolen broom dust from her. And they captured all the conquistadors, the indigenous people. That's where we left off. So here we go to another tale of Lady Witchbeard. And I have Antonio Banderas here. Uh, Antonio, do you have do you have do you have the script I gave you? Ha, 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 ha! Yeah, that, can you do that again, Antonio? Ha, ha, ha! A little too evil, Lady Witchbeard. Ha, ha, ha! That'll be good for this week. Uh, I like to. You didn't make it passive aggressive or anything about your ex-wife. I appreciate that. All right, thanks, Antonio. That's Antonio Banderas doing, uh, like the, the puncher. Well, I don't know what they call it, but, you know, after you do the intro, you punch it right into the story in a normal. Uh, in this, uh, in this one, I just, you know, distracted, you know, I, I botched, that was a botch. Had Antonio Banderas here. I wouldn't call it a total disaster because we got it on tape. And it, he did, uh, he did whip me accidentally with his ponytail. So I think it was like some of his cool probably rubbed off on me. So that'll be good later. You know, maybe, maybe he, me and him will go get coffee or something. And, you know, we could be a couple of bandejos. Whatever, you know. So, all right. Lady Witchbeard. Why? Thanks, Antonio. All right. So we were, in, we were here, where we where I was was I was in the center of this village. And all the people of the village, they were saying, germ lord, germ lord. They called me thief and coward, thief and coward. Uh, but while they were all chattering, like a lot of the warrior types had uh, taken uh, all the conquistadors, uh, prisoner and Lady Witchbeard. It, Lady Witchbeard was uh, incensed with anger at me. 
Like she was yelling at the end of the last episode, really, really so loudly, just so, so loudly in her, you know, authoritative type voice. And uh, glaringly, I had described her glaring in detail. Uh, but some, for some reason, her ire, like, made the villagers even more, I guess because I wasn't cowering. Internally, I guess it wasn't cowering. I wasn't, I was more, my internal shame engine was getting, you know, they were getting that started up, the parts of me. They said, oh, boy, this means you're worth, you know, but, but, but that takes a while to get going, especially when you're in uh, you know, intense situation like this. I'm good in crises. I just like distracting people at bedtime because I'm distracted by the crisis. Uh, so I was trying to deal with it. So they were, ca- they, they had all, and I said, I was trying to make sure, but, you know, I was trying, I said, Jesus, we good, but, and it wasn't like a stereotypical confusion because Marina was there. And she she said she said I don't know quite this uh, this uh, this village's language perfectly, but I said we'll make sure they don't hurt anybody. And they had all the conquistadors and uh, Lady Witchbeard, you know, the ones that didn't go live on a farm. A few of them had to go live on that far- same farm or maybe a different farm. I don't know, you know, but, but not important. And they, they can, some of them were still mad. Uh, Lady Witchbeard being made some of them a, more, a little more gutsy, even though she was kind of standing off to the side. So a couple of them got lippy with me. And, of course, uh, my new people didn't like that too much. And, you know, so I said, okay, okay. I was using international signs for a person, you know, Trying to be a leader, that's not good. You know, a lot of hand, a lot of palm, open palm moves. And a lot of, whoa, 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 you know, whoa, 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 whoa. I was doing a lot of that. <sighs> you know, no poke, no, 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 no poke. I guess, in the, and I guess, geez, some people may say, please don't talk to me like I'm a dog, okay? Uh, but in this situation, I said, I, I said okay, guys, this, this is the conquistadors, or the, you know, conquistador hanger-oners. I said, listen... Okay, guy, you can be friends or you can be captives. And they said, well, they said you can be nice and polite and get along with everybody here. Or you could be a captive. And I said, they said okay, who's going to choose now? And a couple of them said, they said, okay, you chose captive. You know, and then that was pretty, translation of captive uh, was pretty. And they said, okay. And I said, you know, nice captive, but, you know, I said, so, you know, no escape. So most of them agreed to be. And then Lady Witchbeard, she said, I'll be a captive germ. And I, I said, well, Lady Witchbeard, I was, was going to, I need you as an advisor. And then she asked, she said, and if we don't get moving soon uh, to capture Cortez, are you, you're going to I'll be considering you my enemy. You think she, she must use, she, I don't think she uses consider, though. She's got stronger vocabulary than that, but something. I said, oh, okay. And I thought about it. I said, yeah, we got to get it. And I said, well, can I just fill you? And she turned away from me, like her classic turning of the cheek. And not the cheeks we talked about last week, Lady Green Cheek, Green Buns, they called her, Green Cheeks. And I said, I think one time, one night I was trying to, I said, I wish I knew Green Sleeves. I should know that off the top of my head, but I don't. 
uh, she she was ignoring me. So, and I said, but I said, she's right. We got to get moving. And I said, all right, well, this is great meeting all you people. Marina's trying to interpret. And I said, well, she said, now I got to worry about me. And I said, well, and I said to the guys, I said, well, I mean, I can, can see, I'll be back to pick up the captives later. And then a couple of guys that were on the fence said, oh, we're going with you. And I said, you know, we'll get going. And I said, well, maybe we should bring some warriors with us, you know, keep these guys. And I said, I could use a, a, a couple warriors. As this was thinking in my head, you know, keep these uh, conquistadors from mutinying me. And plus, I've always, you know, been cool. It would be, you know, a dream of mine to have a warrior, you know, some warriors. Be a warrior. If I can't be a warrior, I guess you got to be. Anyway, it was. It would have been cool. But I said, all right, you know, we got to get moving. I said, you know, we got to catch this guy. Uh, but actually, and then I started. You know, when you get so, when you. Uh, I don't know if anybody uses this tactic with the silent treatment, but I'm commonly the victim of a silent treatment, you know, in in billions of different situations. Even ones you'd think, a barista, why would they give you the silent treatment? Well, there's a lot of good reasons, but, but I, say I have tactics for that. But one of my prime tactics is to stand close to the people, person that's giving you the silent treatment, and then talk about something, hoping, you know, so I, I stood by Lady Witchbird. I said, yeah, we got to get going. They got this great plan to go catch this guy who he's trying to, we're going to beat him to where he's going. I'm 90, 80, 80, 70, 80% sure he's headed straight to the palace in the sun. And that's where we're going to the people were chattering a lot, you know. I said, well, they love me, you know. I, I flew on a broom. Uh, so full humility alert, I, I realized they didn't love me. They loved the projection of a man who could fly. You know, they, they didn't know about the stolen broom dust. And if they did, can you imagine trying to interpret that into a language you bear, you know, you only know parts of it? Like, okay, this buffoon stole some broom, you know, broom dust. That's, even as I say it, so, where was I? See, I, I'm interpreting in my, my own thoughts into English, and I'm getting confused. So there's your answer of how interpreting it is. Interpretable? Open to interpretation? No, you don't want it. But anyway, I said, we got to get moving. I, my plan's going. And I said, no need to. I accidentally clapped once right by a lady witchbeard, which she, she just, uh, I could feel like a warm breath on the back of my hand. And she. I said, oh, boy, she's really mad. And I said, we're getting silent tree from, from someone you're not uh, sleeping with. And you're not sure what, what her feelings are about you. Too, but, but I didn't say that out loud. I just thought of that, that as an aside. But I say, you know, no worries. We're going to beat Cortez. We got a fat, you know, we're just going to have a couple of us. No reason to worry. No reason to worry at all. But it didn't look like it was relieving. And I said, all right, let's get going. And then I thought again about it. And I said, what do you say? I said, these guys look, a couple of these guys look pretty fast. But then I noticed it was like the village was, uh, 
It was almost like he showed up at a train station. He said, hey, you know what? The train is down, you know, right down the tracks. They said, come on down here. You know, the train, and everyone's like, okay, we'll follow you. Because everybody started, they were like, all right, let's go. Like they were waiting for me. And people started getting water, you know, what, you, what they transported water in, which I'm sure you could picture in your mind. And food, I said, well, I said, okay, Marina, what's going on here? And she said, they're saying they're ready to go. And then someone, like an older woman who looked uh, authoritative, uh, uh, she 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 looked very she she was just she looked nicer though than you could say she 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 was like when I was uh, but she said okay we sent runners to the villages they're gonna be ready to go and I said so everybody's coming along huh and and I said oh no 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 need to come along with the germ no you know no need and no need at all but they started I said okay uh. They said, they said, you know, can you tell them to wait here for me? I'll come back. And they said, oh, wait, no lies, lady. Which and they said, I, I will try to come back and see everybody, you know, tell them about my cowardice and my uh, uh, thievery and all that. But I said, well, you know, we got to get going. And I noticed all the old and young people I had saved. I said, well, Jesus, uh, there's like a lot of chattering, like where you're like, holy cow, this is going to take forever. And then Marina said, what are you and I said, well, let's keep, let's have him walk us out of town. And I said, well, what the heck? And Lady Witchbeard was, at this point, my plan to get Lady Witchbeard to talk to me by standing close to her had backfired because now she was so close to my incompetence or possible, you know, what could be interpreted as in- incompetence. Uh, you know, so Marina was like, well, you uh, stole, you know, they, they uh, she's like, I think she, my best understanding is the person that you sent to the, and she said, what did you call a germ, a farm in the sky? And they said, well, no, you're not supposed to say it's in the sky, so they think it's real. The guy who went to live on the farm, so happy he could run free. Uh, yeah, that guy, she said, well, he was for one of the angry guys. She said, he was an offering, and I said, an offering to who? And she said, the, the, the gods. And I said, okay, so what were they, what were they going to do? They said, a God, the gods were going to come get him, and she said, yeah. And I said, well, what if the gods didn't come? And she said, well, you came, germ. And I said, you don't have to call me germ. You you, you could call me something not germ. And then she just waited to see if I could refocus on my own, which I didn't did eventually. And I said, I said, I said, yeah, but what if the and I said, so what's the guy? And she said, well, they think, Lady Witchbeard, she, they, they think you're some god fighter. And I said, god fighter? And they said, she, they said they're pretty, she said, she said, they said, sorry, this is like double interpretation. I heard about, I heard she said this about you, like that. Um, but she said, they said, 
that they thought Lady Witchbeard was a, some sort of god or demigoddess. You think we're dealing with not the direct gods. Again, this is discreet stuff that was... Well, she said, she said, something's coming. And I said, I said, they think something's coming. She said, she said, yes. And I said, okay, so they think something's coming, so they want to stay close to the germ. They said, well, I'm a cat. And she said, well, they think coward and thief are good things. And then lo and behold, Lady Witchbeard decides to, to, to speak. And she says, don't be a fool. And I said, uh, I said, were, were you speaking? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. She said, don't be a fool, germ. She said, they can't possibly keep up. She said, we need to think about, you know, she said, think about the cauldron. And then she looked at me again and she said to me, I have much to lose, germ, and I'm unwilling to do so. And I said, well, gee, I said, uh, I said, well, we'll, we'll get right moving. I said, Cortez is not going to be ahead of us. He's going to the path. I said, I said, I said, Marini, you think they know how to get to? And she said, yeah, you, they, you already said Palace in the Sun. That's where they're ready to go. And Lee, which was Jewish, they can hide. And I said, okay, okay, your opinion is noted, Lady Witchbeard. Uh, but, but, you know, I got other... Uh, and I said, Marina, let's get a... And I said, oh, boy, sorry. I got issues. And she giggled at that. I said, and I said, and she said, no, she said, germ, come on. And she said one other thing. Uh, she says they're a little bit skeptical. Some, you know, she said they want to believe in you. She said, but, and I said, well, you know, I'm not exactly worried. I said, so I'm, I'm messing things up. And she said, no, 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 no. She said, they're afraid you're going to mess things up like that. The God's going to catch it. You know, whoever the gods have sent is going to catch up with them. And I said, well, let's go. Let's all get moving. Then we got water. We got food. Let's, I said, they know how to get there, right? She said, yeah, we got a couple stops. And I said, you're not out. Of, this isn't like when you go, you're out of town or you're visiting someone. They say, hey, just a couple stops. And then it takes forever. And she said, no, they want to get there before they. And I said, and I said, Marina, you look a little worried too. And she said, yeah. And I said, don't worry, it's just a belief system. There's nothing coming to get us. Lady Witchbeard's not a demigod. I mean, this is a nice belief system. It seems like they unify themselves. Maybe the whole God's coming to get it. And I said, whoa, boy. And I said, we might have a religious. And I said, anyway, I said, you know, Lady Witchbeard might be a goddess, but, uh, I said, and she said, Jerm, you were making a point, but then you tried to create. I said, okay, it's just, it's, it's fine. It's going to be fine. There's no, nothing coming to get us. Uh, so we started moving. Uh, oh, so slowly would be the nice way to say it. But, you know, little kids. And I think the, there's a universal uh, truth. Kids, some kids are a giant pain in the ass is the universal truth. You think you travel to another universe in another time. You say, Jesus, I bet you these kids are good, well-behaved. Nope. Some of them are. You know, a couple of them walking by me. 
Or, you know, I was behind some babies being carried, making faces at them and stuff. But then you got the kid wanders in, gets, you know, uh, steps on some sort of spiny acorn and cries and cries and has to be carried. And you got the kid who go, where's Billy? Can't find Billy. And I say, geez, these people are very maternal, I think, or parental or whatever the hell you call it. Uh, and then you got the older people. You say, stop for water. And they say, okay, we got to pick up the pace here. Uh, because Lady Witchbeard is never going to speak to me again, and I, I do have to catch Cortez as much as I love saving pe- my people. And I said, I gotta, th- I gotta think of something here. So, uh, Lady Witchbeard, she said, she, she said, Jim, don't sit down to think. And she really started laying into me. Really, I said, whoa, whoa. And then the soldiers. They surrounded her with shields, and I said, man, what is in those shields that really absorb the sound? So they just walked around with her. It was a little shield tent, I guess you'd call it, when she was, rah, rah, and she was just yelling at me the whole time. I believed it. I trusted you. I believed it. And I said, man, I blew it again. He said, story of my, I said, I just shouldn't have crushes, I guess, because, uh, and then even Moraine said, germ, uh, task at hand. And I said, don't worry, I'm good in a crisis. This is like the crisis lull. And she said, what's in the cauldron, germ? And I said, crisis reignited. Thank you, Marina. And then I said, I said, I started saying, okay, do you, do you guys have the buddy system? And she said, yes. And we, we, we started working on some plans. And they said, let's get all the kids together. And I started telling them stories. And that worked for a little while uh, to trick them. But in a non-lying situation, I started telling them some cool stories. Uh, also universal truths. I don't know why kids love Ewoks. They don't like Jar Jar. Even back then or there over in that world. And uh, George Lucas can still sue you even if you're in a... I said, geez, what is that? Is that a, is that a raven carrying a lawsuit for me? Uh, but anyway, not important, not important. So I said, man, so after a couple stories when I had most of the kids hooked, even the bratty ones, now I wasn't telling boring bedtime stories or well, I guess I was doing a little Ewok fan fiction the Ewoks versus Jar Jar and, and the rest of the idiots in the, down there. I don't know what they called themselves, but it was great. Kids loved it. But I said, man, I said, uh, I said, what's the name of the, the next village, uh, Marina? And they said, they said, are the kids as slow there as you? And at first they thought, man, and I said, no, it was slow. Walk. I said, you guys, they said, do you guys walk different? Does the other village walk better than you guys? And they said, but, but, but you know, I, I said, okay. I said, I said, and then I said, man, because I said, I can't wait till we get to a village where the kids actually can walk, you know, like reasonable speed. And then the kids, and I said, well, how, how do you walk? And I showed them some speed walking, mall walking. And, of course, they were cracking up. But I said, that's how I heard they, I learned how to walk like that in the best village of all time, you know, three villages down. They said, the big village, you know, where all the good stuff happens. 
And then I said, and then they kind of bought it. They started walking. And then I told them about Santa Claus. They said, probably has a mucking around in their belief system. But I said, well, maybe they have a, a present God. I don't know. Uh, but once they said, yeah, she said, you know, let's keep it moving. These kids, and they said, stay together. No one, you know, I had them. And I even had them, like, bad. Watch out, bad. You know, don't go off the path. You won't get crap. And I said, okay, I got to think of presents for the kids. But I said, I got I, 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 a present of story. And then I said, okay, now on to the older people. And I said, Marina, bring me the teens of consensual age. Uh, and she said, what does that mean? And I said, well, yes, listen, territory, we call it uh, adults, uh, civilized world. You know, it was another, I said, you know, teens, adult, young adults. And it took, and then Lady Witchbeard, she was, she was, sorry, she was starting to, I heard her like, I said, is she crying inside the, but I said, okay, focus. And I said, okay, when I said, okay, who, bring me all the people that are trying to bear children that haven't successfully bared children, uh, but they're trying like crazy to bear children. That's all they can think about is uh, making children uh, those people, and please tell me they're adults and look like adults and they're fully clothed. Uh, please bring me them. And I'll tell you, you know, as straight up as uh, straight can be, all those things were met, all those criteria. Uh, you know, most adult-looking, fully clothed adults came. And I said to them, I said, I said Marina, this is, you know, I said, hey, guys, uh, new rule from germ uh, protect, you know, we got those God in pursuit and stuff. I said, hey, 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 I said, hey, guys, come on. Said, and they had a concept of partnering. So I said, hey, guys, you got some nice partners over there. I said, well, no, no, you know, we don't have any time for stopping, no hand holding, no kissing, no looking. I said, unless I got a little get proposal for you. And I said, how oh, any of you guys strong at all? Strong, you know, virile? And I said, it's called, like, care, you know, back. I said, you get some of these older adults on your back. You run way the hell down the path. And I said, you bring your friend with you, and then you have them rest in some shade. And while they drink water and eat, the older adults, you know, you guys can, you know, practice or fully, you know, do do some baby stuff. And then when we catch up, you go again. Now, you know, I said, I don't know, you know, maybe you guys aren't like the guys in the, down, you know, five villages down that can, you know, do this kind of stuff. But that's what I heard you guys were virile, but I don't know. And boom, you would think, now this village had a lot of young young adults of, of uh, you know, consensual age, full consensual age uh, for this time. So, boom, that problem was solved. All, there was even, like, fully able adults that were getting carried on backs down because they didn't even have enough uh, older adults. But, so the sound that was coming from Lady Witchbeard's, her, uh, what do they call it, shield tent, uh, I, I said I knocked on the shield, and then I was like, uh, I just, what am I doing? Because then the, the uh, warriors, they kind of, 
they were looking at me like, what do we want to do? And I said, uh, I said, can I have a peeky poo? And obviously they, I said, Marina, does that translate? She said, I wouldn't know. And I said, peeky poo, I did the natural, you know, the national, international, you know, I said, you know, well, let me peek inside a lady witch beard. And when I looked in at her, her entire uh, demeanor had changed. I'd never seen her this way before. She was, her shoulders were drooped, her head was drooped. If she had, she currently didn't have her, she just had a bandana type thing on. But I said her witch hat would have fallen right off her head. And I said, get these shields out of the way, get these shields out of here. And I said, Lady Witchbeard, are you, and she, 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 she just sighed. And she just trudged along. Uh, she trudged along. She said she seemed like her spirit was broken. And I said, don't worry, Lady Witchbeard. We're going to get there. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll make it. I said, I got the ki- The teens are carrying the older adults. The children are running along. We're going to make it there. And she, she said, she said, it's probably too late, germ. And I said, well, she's this lady. And I, I said, I, I started to start to worry and think at the same time. All of a sudden, before I went on some, you know, deep track of overthinking, there was a sound. At first, I thought it was thunder, but it was more of like a. Uh, it had more of a. It wasn't a gong and it wasn't thunder, and it was really loud, unnaturally loud in the sense that it wasn't so loud it hurt your ears, but it filled your ears. And it said, and it also had a little melodic thing at the end, and then a grind. And everyone stopped, everybody. And I, I said, oh boy, I said, what the hell was that? And no one knew. And I said, do you think it's some sort of stone stone god coming to get us? And, and, and I said, okay, we better move faster. I said, everybody keep moving. And I started to worry. And then not that long after, the same sound came again for about too long, 20, 30 seconds. And then we kept moving. And then again, sporadically throughout the day and the night. And the next couple of days and nights, as we journeyed d- d- deeper, we, we passed through some other villages. Uh, we passed through some other villages, and you know our, our group got bigger, but everybody was getting along. But this noise kept coming, and at some point I said, well, geez, uh, it's got to be, co- it sounds like it's coming from somewhere far off, but no one, every village we got to, they were all like, we don't know. Uh, this is in, 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 and again, they thought I was some sort of war god warrior, warrior god fighter. But then I forgot that uh, Lady Witchbeard had that uh, pirate eye thing, the uh, the old uh, spyglass, magical spyglass. So I said, "Hey, Lady Witchbeard, we, let's go climb a tree. That'll cheer you up. We'll get out the spyglass." We'll go find out what this mysterious noise is. And she said, just take it. And I said, well, you don't want to go climb some trees with me, Lady Witchbeard? And she said, no, Germ. I don't want to climb any trees. 
And I said, and she said, take this and, and you, you know, use it as you wish. You, you, why didn't you just steal it from me? And I said, at first I said, well, that's not fair. But then I said, well, well she said, I guess I did. And then I said, well, if I'm going to take I said, well, do, do we need magic to get this to work? And then she said to Marina, she said, say this, like, uh, Zimzalism, it wasn't that. It was something more, you know, nicer, but... So then he said, Marina, how's your uh, tree climbing? And she said, not bad. I said, so let's get a, so we had kind of gauged the general direction of where the sound was coming from, which I'd say uh, right right side uh, diagonal. So I don't know if that was north, south, east, or west, but uh, so we climbed the tree. Now, Marina, she's a, uh, she's like a a speed demon. Maybe because she, I said, I haven't seen anybody climb like that before. Real scrambler. Uh, But she scrambled up the tree. We got up this tree. We fired up the old uh, looking glass and uh, we started to look and and then we heard the sound again because we tried to time it. And we saw she she did the zim zala zim and then she said, there, germ, there. And, you know, in the distance, now it's hard to gauge distance through a magical spyglass, very hard to gauge the distance, so hard. Uh, but we saw in the distance a uh, a pyramid base and maybe the second layer it was being, and I said, geez, is said when they put a rock down, you see, or whatever you call it, a stone, that's what's causing the sound? And Marina said, I think so, I think so. And I said, oh, boy. I said, that's, uh, so we wait. I said, uh, we waited around, and, and it did. It was when they placed the stone, it sent out this magical vibration rock-placing sound and scraping sound. And I said, well, Jesus, a magical pyramid and then we had a, a huge long discussion that I would say is pretty pretty dull about belief systems and Marina was trying to explain to me that the belief systems that I brought with me steeped in my own special ignorance and I said oh you think my ignorance is special well thank you my dear uh, but uh, she said uh she said, you know, this is a different, she said, this is not your world. And I said, are you a multi-world traveler? Do you travel the dimensions? And she said, Jerem, I've been to the palace in the sun. I've looked, you know, I've looked into the other dimensions. I've never traveled there. And I said, I was just using, I said, I don't even know what a dimension is, to be honest with you. I, I just said that word. Uh, because I thought it sounded, but anyway, we had this long conversation. But I said, "Well, we better get. I got to check on Lady Witchbeard. We got to get moving." And then I thought about it. I said, well, "Jesus!" I said, "Cortez is trying to." And then I said, "I went back up to. I started to climb down. Then I went back up, and I said, uh, uh, Marina, how's your math?' Because I said, "I think there's some sort of pyramid math you can do.'" I said, if we count the blocks in the base and we divide that by the number and then we divide that by the amount of time, we, we take we count the number of ba- blocks in the base. I said, why don't you count the number of blocks in the base 
and then, then the, you know, the second level. And then hopefully there'll be a mass person in this village down here. We can, you know, they said, I think we could figure out how much time we have. And believe it or not, magic of math, we did. And it wasn't a good, I said, because when this pyramid's, I got a bad feeling about this pyramid in my gut. And I said, when this thing's, so I said, okay, we, we don't have very long to get to this uh, pyramid, which was uh, presumably near the palace in the sun. I guess I was making a leap of faith there. Uh, but I said, all right, so so later that evening, uh, we reached the next village. I said, everybody double up on water. Uh, you know, I told all the little kids about Santa Claus. They said, you know, it's a double presence if we get moving faster. I told all the young adults, I said, hey, you know, partner switch if needed, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I said, geez, I asked them, Marie, I said, you, got, you guys got STDs here? Just double check on that for me. But then, you know, go, go ahead and, you know, check the belief system and then, you know, do that. Uh, but then everybody got down to camp. But to be honest, I was very stressed because... Lady Witchbeard was mad, and then she was sad. And I said, I have all these people thinking I'm some sort of leader, and I'm not. But then I also was like, I think it was mostly my own, because I said, geez, maybe if I was a bigger person, I would have actually been worried about Lady Witchbeard's feelings or the fears of the, all these people. But I was really more worried. I said, geez, I wonder if Lady Witchbeard's mad at me. Or, oh, no, and also, oh, no, I made a lady witchbeard sad. So that means I'm a bad person. And so I was caught up in all my own feelings, and I was looking at the stars, hoping uh, to be distracted. But then I was saying, well, I said, well, I just keep moving. I'll just keep these people moving. Lady witchbeard, hopefully she'll come around. I said, I'm pretty sure we're going to still maybe beat Cortez to the palace, and then we'll catch him. And I said, I don't know what the problem is. He's going, I guarantee he's going to the palace in the sun, so we should still get our, I said, and I said, I'm going to go talk to Lady Witchbeard because I think everything's going to be okay. And then right as I turned to go talk to Lady Witchbeard, this this, this man stumbled into camp. Now, this is a... uh, a communal society we're talking about. So there's not a lot of individuals stumbling around. And this guy, he uh, he looked like he was lit, like, like a, a drunk or high. He was stumbling around. He came, I was like in the center of the village near the dying embers of a fire. And as he came into the, the dim light, he kind of looked like... Uh, the, the the whichever Christmas ghost is the one that's tall with curly hair, wears a green robe, a lot of chest hair, usually carries around like an Olympic torch. I don't know if that's past or future or present. Maybe it's present. He's kind of got a back nalian thing going. Uh, so the guy looked like that. But he had, instead of a green robe, he had some sort of, like, Joseph's, like, if he had stolen uh, Joseph's amazing Technicolor dream coat, but that coat was actually real, because it was, I said, well, this is a sweet coat, man. And and then also, uh, some other combination, 
uh, kind of those two combined with like your skeezy Uncle Larry. Like he had something skeezy about him too. Like so he had some of the sweet parts of that Christmas God and then a dream coat. But then something and, and he was a little bit heady of scent. And uh, he, he, he said, he said, I said, hey, what's up? After we talked about his coat, I said, uh, I said, can I help you? Uh, and he said, yeah, are you the germ? And I said, um, no, I'm not the germ. I'm, I, I'm germ. I, I said, no, no, no. And he said, oh, he said, I'm looking for the germ. And I said, well, if you're looking for, I said, well, it might be some, I said, who sent you? And he said, the, the, the gods, you know, the, the gods you stole from. And I said, I said, I'm sorry, which, which, I said, which gods? And he said, the gods are angry with you, germ. And I said, I said, I said, I'm sorry, I, I think I must be asleep. And he pinched me. He said, no, you're not. And then he clapped me on my shoulder and he said, we'll do battle in the morning, Germ. And then he laughed, a laugh, a laugh. And I said, and then I noticed he reached into the pocket of his Technicolor dream coat. That's probably copyrighted, though. But I said, I said, I don't know if you can copyright a coat. And he pulled out a thing of grapes and a little, like, bottle of hooch. And I said, I said, okay, well, if I, I said, it looks like I hit the jackpot with the angry gods messenger. And I said, well, whatever. I said, it's bedtime. I'm going to bed. And I'll deal with this, this guy. But I assume he's some sort of god come to battle me. But hopefully it'll be easy. He, or maybe he won't wake up and I could just, you know, send him to a farm while he's asleep. Uh, but that's as good a place as any to stop right now. So, you know, just like the dying, burning embers in the fire, you know, so you start to sink off. You're, you're falling slowly asleep, deep in your bed, deep, deep asleep. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Good night. I want to thank uh, over on Twitter, Tawny Fern, Hype Shark, formerly Hyper Shark, I think, now Hype Shark. Chevy, a.k.a. Chevrolet, Billy, Babs, Alec, Kathy, Andy, Boom Boom, Brian, Kate, Sammy. Over on Facebook, Lida, Joe, Laura, Mark, Bonnie, the Silvertone, Alec, Alexandra, uh, Brenda. Uh, and I try, I'm going to try to get this name right, and I think I'm, I'm going to do my best here. Aratsev, Aratsev. I hope I got that. Ruts of, I think I got that right. Beautiful, beautiful looking name. A very kind listener. And now, if you guys remember, Iante's name I got wrong the first time. So if I got your name wrong, I apologize. And you can make me, you know, but but I said, I, I said okay, let's look this. Uh, I said, you know, this person deserves Ruts of. And I also can't pronounce the regular word, so. But thank you for your lovely comments. Jennifer B., Joanne, Aaron P., Julie C., Brandon with an A., uh, Jennifer B., David P., Daniel, Julie G., Ahab's wife, Barky, I heard from Barky again, and Jeannie, 
And I think that's everybody. I think, let's see, check the iTunes, nothing on iTunes. So thanks for being here. All right, housekeeping. I want to thank Chris Posty, Posterson, that does our music over at soundslikeanearful.com. He's got a podcast called Sounds Like an Earful. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork. I want to thank Laura running the moderation. She's our moderator over at our Facebook group, uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods will take you there. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can go to our website, sleepwithmepodcast.com. Older episodes are on there, show notes and stuff. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn on the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what is the rest? Well, tonight's so tonight's metastasis or breaking bad uh, metastasis language learning podcast. So I'm going to... Uh, talk about the Colombian version of Breaking Bad Metastasis. I'm going to talk about uh, Breaking Bad a little bit. And then I'm going to talk about, you know, say, geez, I learned these are Spanish words I looked up. I, I tried to learn them, and then I noticed this about the show. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a safe place. Uh, basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, whatever's racing through your brain. I'm going to try to distract you from that. I'm going to reach out my hand across the deep, dark night and, and say, Hey, geez, instead of listening to all that stuff running through your brain, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whatever is keeping you from drifting off in a dreamland, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to talk. I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, a little thing called going on and on and on and on and on. I'm going to use some silly, you know, I'm going to say, Ash, gosh, bagash. And I say, geez, I forget, is Oshkosh, is that capitalized? And it's in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, right? I wonder if there's an Oshkosh cheesery or an Oshkosh. By gosh, I wonder a lot about Oshkosh. And you say, Scooter, don't Josh. And I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I consider the Oshkosh to be posh on my brain. And, you know, say, geez, if I was with Peter Tosh, and I, and I still I say, well, you know, let's hit up a, let's go laugh outside in Oshkosh, but gosh, Mr. Tosh. And he would probably say, yeah, man, that might be frosh. And I'd say, whoosh, I've run out of words to rhyme, my friend. And but then he'd say, man, I, you know, after all the smoking I did, I need a little bit of a nosh. And I'd say, well, that's another rhyme, Mr. Tosh. So I'm going to do silly stuff like that. Try to take your mind off of whatever it is that's going through your brain. Uh, one image that it came to mind today when I was walking, I have a long walk after my train ride to work. Uh, now that I'm dealing with you know, anxiety around getting my bike fixed, creating an inability to get my bike fixed, you know, from fear of whatever, you know, Bike repair anxiety-related delays. Bike repair delays due to anxiety, and you know, ang- you know, temper, temp- bad temper, fear of te- other people's tempers, fear of losing. All those things. Every once in a while, I honestly wonder how ACG with all this stuff going on in my brain, with all these emotional 
uh, bedevilments. I said, I'm surprised sometimes I can even get this podcast done, it, 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 really, because I see, man. And then I try to think of a way to describe it to my brain before my brain starts criticizing me, so I try to distract my own brain. And I say it's a bit like a, being a lion tamer, deal, dealing with my brain. But I think that's why, you know, what I do with you, what I attempt to do with your brain. You know, because if you take the time to project your own issues onto a lion tamer and then overanalyze a lion tamer, you can come up with a whole lot of material. But hear me out and leave your mind open to the question, is your nighttime experience anything like this physically or mentally? Like this uh, lion tamer I'm thinking of. He works at a circus. The owner of the circus is one of these old school circus owner types, Manab, you know, He's looking to push the envelope of entertainment, extract every dollar, and he hires you as the lion tamer. Now, uh, coming from a you know, long history of lion tamers and it being your, you know, see, what she said, I wanted to be a tiger tamer. To be honest, I wanted to, you know, do something different, but I'm a lion tamer. What can I do? You know, they, a lot of times people forget that first and foremost, or maybe not first and foremost, but one important under underappreciated aspect of a lion tamer is their performer. They're an actor or an actress, and they're there uh, ostensibly for the audience to put on a show, you know, to, to entertain the audience. And in this situation, at the behest of a tyrannical uh, circus owner, say, oh, well, I'm not going to pay you. Uh, but the, the lion tamer's performance... Uh, involves these uh, uh, wild animals. They're called lions, and they they don't belong in cages. They probably don't belong in circuses, but we're going to leave the politics aside right now uh, because this metaphor has already bogged itself down on its own. But you say, geez, these are so the lion tamer. Not only do you have to say, well, geez, I got to perform, I got to put on a hell of a show tonight because I got old... uh, Old Ironsides, that's what they call the circus owner. Because he was he was, he was shot out of a cannon one time, it got stuck. And they, they had to carve the cannon, and so he has iron sides, he fused with the cannon. Uh, so that's why they call him Old Ironsides, the boss of this uh, circus. But you say, so, okay, so I got this uh, cage of wild animals. Now they're trained to perform. And I got to perform for this crowd of uh, wild, and this, you know, possibly some yokels, some locals, and, you know, some people I say, geez, I was just pat- I, uh, circus fans, I'm a, and maybe even some circus fanatics. And not only that, you say, geez, I, I, I got to perform for the audience. I got to stay calm and, and maintain, you know, whatever the dance that I do with these, these wild beasts to make them respond to me so and, and probably ideal you have some sort of positive relationship with these lions you know at least in this this metaphor you're a loving lion you're not just a lion tamer you know lions were tamed by your love you know after your heart was broken i i think this might be was that uh, uh out of africa three a lion tamer, tamed by love. I think that was, it wasn't made. It may have been some fan fiction I did one time when I was in a fugue state, but, but I think of all the things competing uh, for, for your attention as you're the lion tamer, and you're really, 
your safety, your, your safety, your health kind of remind, revolves around you keeping all these things in balance and, and, and focusing. Because you say, Jesus, well, I got to worry about the lions, you know, be wild, unpredictable animals. And I think, uh, uh, Whatever, Frenchie has a toothache, uh, but the guy said the show must go on. Uh, you got to worry about that rookie we've just picked up in the circus who's seducing all, all the people you have a crush on. And he said, I, I fancy myself the tamer of lions. You know, competing for your job, you got to worry about the tyrannical circus owners, unpredictable temper and criticisms. And then you got to worry about the second Friday night show and nickel beer night. You got a crowd of, 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 you know, anything could happen. But it all comes down to you saying, okay, I've done this before. I can do this. I'm going to say, oh, no, Frenchie, no, Frenchie, no. Calm down, Frenchie. I'm the lion tamer. I'm in control. Uh, but from the outside looking in, no one knows. No one knows. The, the, no one knows something about lion. That, that would be the lion tamer's memoir, but they never, you know, unfortunately, they're always like uh, one quarter of the way in the memoir and then kaput, you know. They're fired or they could live on a farm in the sky. You know, nothing else could possibly ever happen to a lion tamer bad. But yeah, they don't complete men. Not, not many lion tamer memoirs complete. Now, ghost riders, oh boy, yeah, there's a lot of those lion tamer ghost riders. Uh, this is my lion tamer comedy tour. But every once in a while, you say, geez, that bedtime, that, that's uh, that's kind of my natural state. Now, I'm, I'm also like the the lion tamer. They said, hey, are you the one that, that makes the popcorn? And I say, yeah, yeah, yes, sir, old Mr. Ironsides. And he says, no one calls me that. And I say, well, everyone does when you're not. So, oh, yeah, yes, sir. And he says, listen, Popcorn Jack, I need you to t- do the Lion Tamer show tonight. Are you familiar with it? I know at some point one stands on one foot. Okay, you're hired. Get in there. Uh, now, I don't know. It's a bit like coming. I said, uh, uh, I don't know if this metaphor is coming, really coming together, but that's the point of bedtime. All of a sudden, it's like a lion tamer show, and you're pulled out of the pot. You say, well, I was just going to make popcorn and go to bed, not even eat it. I just wanted the gentle smell, smell of popcorn. I want to go to sleep. But then you get all these things competing for your interest, your attention. All of a sudden, you feel, so I'm here, and maybe this particular lion tamer, either one, but probably the more experienced one, he's, a, you know, maybe him, he, he's got a thing for someone, you know, one of the clowns, uh, Lulu the Clown. And when he locks eyes with Lulu, he just gets in the zone and he forgets about everything but the task at hand. And he doesn't worry about the crowd. He doesn't worry about uh, Frenchie's toothache. He doesn't worry about that he doesn't like working. You know, all those things, and he just gets in the zone because he's distracted. And that's the goal of the podcast, to distract you from all that other stuff. And put you to sleep. Now, ideally, you wouldn't be. I wouldn't put you to sleep while you're in the middle of actual lion taming, because that would go horribly wrong. Probably, maybe not. Maybe the lions would just kiss you. And that's in that in this metaphor. That's what they'll do. Is and and I'm like a lion, I guess, because I gotta finish this metaphor. As you lie, we just give you a little. They call it a main bath out here. 
M-A-N, where we just rub you with our manes and say, oh, you've been tamed. These aren't real lions. We are but paper tigers in this senseless metaphor. So that's what the podcast says. If you're sure for some years, maybe that's probably, you know, uh, most uh, jumbled metaphor, but it was, uh, I was thinking about it today. I probably shouldn't have thought about it. But in some sense, I don't know which part of the metaphor the podcast is or you are. Uh, probably here's a, here's a tip. Just take away, uh, don't tame lions. You know, the, I don't think they're meant to be tamed. And lion tamers aren't appreciated, and so are you. And, and, and that's why I want to help you fall asleep. I want to distract you. And I don't want you up all, all night tossing and turning, okay? That's the goal of the podcast, to take your mind off of things and let you fall asleep. Now, I guarantee you, during all this nonsense I've been talking, uh, hopefully it was just engaging enough for you to say, well, I didn't, I didn't think about that spreadsheet that's due tomorrow until he just mentioned it. And then he mentioned Frenchie's toothache, and she said her snarl. But, uh, you know, hopefully I took your mind off of things. I just want to say I'm glad you're here. And I really want to help you fall asleep, all right? Thanks for stopping by. And let's get out of the show. All right, so we're talking about episode 8 of Metastasis here. And this week I had a legal pad and a black and white pen. So the first pen, first run through was in black pen, the second run-through was in red pen, and we'll go through them one at a time, I guess. This week I watched, uh, I watched Metastasis twice, then Breaking Bad, so it's still testing ways that, you know, just always testing, test, test, testing. Uh, but it opens with a black and white shot of plants and a hose and dripping water, there's sound effects, there's sirens. There's orange juice, there's a plastic toy, a piece of a plastic plush toy, and then we see a color plush toy. And then we jump back, uh, because this in Breaking Bad is Season 2, Episode 1. In Metastasis, I think, I don't know if they did a couple episodes first, or if this was, you know, they had gotten the full 60. I don't know, the episodes are numbered strange. But we start playing the, basically the last uh, five minutes of last week's episode. But I don't think it's just to catch us up. I think it's to, to put some impact. Because remember last week I was saying this guy's a little bit like Donald Trump, this uh, Tuco. Uh, he doesn't wear a suit. He wears uh, sweet shirts. But uh, we see again he, Tuco using words like Ichingados. And Gonzo, he's the guy who loves weighing meth, and he gets so he gets to weigh his meth again, so he's very happy about that. He says, Oh boy, I love weighing meth. And then we experience the Donald Trump, you know, Donald Trump, Donald Trump trappings, maybe, of Tuco, where he says, Hey, listen to the other guy. He says, You don't work here anymore. You're fired. I don't do a Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump has this, I'm just a, a, a spitball on this. I think he has a Scarsdale accent. I'm not positive on that. I think at one point there was a, a famous uh, thing, maybe before my time, called the Scarsdale Diet, maybe, or maybe that's a movie. But Donald Trump says, you're fired, or something like that. And Tuco does the same thing. So we see it again, he fires this employee. And you say, well, geez, this guy... 
Uh, do you want him to be president of our math corporation or our company because he's a lunatic? And I mean, either one. And we get a really powerful scene after this. You got the car, Jose. This is the new stuff now. Jose and Walter in the car. And Jose's very upset. He's rubbing his keys. He's he's physically manifesting his feelings and trying to. Uh, he's trying to. It's just just great acting. And then we have uh, Walter. And he's kind of making a speech or having a little monologue. It's about family and money. He's doing some uh, math, I think, or adding some stuff up. But clearly, they're both trying to make sense of this firing. They're saying, geez, we worked with a guy. We could get fu- He could just fire us. What the heck? And then the sound starts to fall out, and you can see the pressure building in Jose Miguel. And then Walt says, vamos, or vamos, let's move it. And then they start driving, and then Tuco blocks their way, or almost plays a little chicken with them. And he says, Eisenberg, get out of the truck. Uh, you know, I, I need you. He says, he says another, you know, surprise, uh, first aid test for, you know, all my employees need to be first in first aid and CPR. And so Wall says, okay, well, I'll take the, you know, I'll take the test, but I don't know, Jose Miguel's got his hands in his pockets. He's not big on that. And then they have a discussion about mouth-to-mouth, boca-to-boca. And then Jose comes over. He's like, I think I did that once. But then Tuco says, you know what? Forget this. You you guys both, he goes, you both got a a, a D, which is, he says, you both got a D, which is barely passable. And then the guy with the scales, uh, 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 Gunzo, he says, hey, boss, what's with these pop quizzes? These are new employees. You know, they're not even employees. They're contract workers. And he says, he says, let me do a team building. We'll play hide and seek. And Tuco says, I don't want to play hide and seek. And he says, and then they do. But then he says, I don't like the way Jose plays hide and seek. He he doesn't play the way I like to. And then Jose says, I'm an employee. I want you to respect my personal boundaries. And then they said, in that case, let's just call it a day. You know, let's just call it a day. So they call it a day. And then next thing you know, we're at Walt's house. Ciela's brushing her hair. And they say, geez, that's pretty boring. But brushing her, you know, brush once. Brush twice, brush three times. But she's looking, she's by herself, she's looking at all Walter's medications, she sighs. Then she puts on one, like a, a beauty mask, I guess. There's a noise in the house, and they said, geez, their house is really nice, it's bigger than I thought it was. I didn't write down any examples, but I said, man, that upstairs is nice. I, I, and I love the balcony, that's the main thing, but that's later in the episode. But then Cielo finds Walter downstairs looking out the window, wondering if Tuco's coming for another surprise. You know, he says, this hazing, dear? Should I be worried? But he can't tell her she get, he got a job with Tuco. And she says, hey, what are you doing down here? He can't hear her. And then he fl- he's in a, you know, state. And then he, he says, oh, that's to be in. She says, be, or she says, that's to be in. You okay? And he says, oh, be in, be in. And then he puts his black hat down, which I thought was uh, interesting. And he hugs his wife. He pats her belly, hugs it. And then he kind of loses it. He, see, he says, geez, I'm so under so much stress here with the cancer, the baby, the new job, the secret. 
with a temperamental boss that's a lunatic. So then he sees, Cielo says, well, don't take it. Go outside, you know, you time out. And Walt looks very pensive. Cielo comes out and set, tells him that. And then Walter Jr. comes home. He finds, you know, his house is a little awry. And uh, then there's a city shot. Then we see Jose Miguel in a nice little cafe. He's drinking a little soda pop, I think. But he looks very stressed. And then he puts some money in a paper bag on a table. A guy takes it. He says, here, here this is like a, a security device. Not as good as a deadbolt, but pretty, you know, similar to a deadbolt. And then we go back to Jose's house and Jose and Walter. There. They're talking about, you know, deadbolts. What else do you use? You know, and they said, well, you can't keep a deadbolt, you know, you can't keep a boss out of your life if you're working for him. And Jose is very angry and upset. He says, por que llave, por nada. And he's adamant, Jose Miguel. And Walt uh, tries to calm him down and talk some sense to him because Jose Miguel's like, let's quit. Let's just quit our jobs. We'll go to Trump, Tuco Trump. And quit, and Walt says, not without, you know, without, not without due cause, we'll lose all of our rights, our health insurance, uh, severance packages, we won't be able to collect unemployment. Think this out, Jose, you got to think out everything we're doing here. And Walt tries to calm him down. He says, if you're going to terminate a contract with this guy, everything has to be perfect. Then the next thing you know, Maria's on the phone in her house. Henry's watching her talk. She's all excited on the phone. Then he tries to talk to her. She's all irritated. And then she like, walks out in mid-conversation. Henry chases her out. Uh, they're still talking. This kid has a remote control, rumps in, bumps into Henry. Henry says, Rapido espere. Oh, that's when the car hits him, I think. And then he's not done talking with Maria, but she's done talking. She says, kiss, kiss, or she does kiss, kiss, ciao, and she drives over, drives over the kid's car when she's leaving. Uh, Henry pays the kid off for the car. And then we have Gomez, Henry's partner, teaching some sort of paperwork to this kid, like another cop. And Henry says, in my office, and they watch this chemical uh, break in. And they're analyzing the video of Walt and Jose Miguel breaking in. They're like, are these guys pros? And uh, then Henry's making a joke about rolling the barrel. Why didn't they roll the barrel? And they're talking about methylamine and saying that they could be cooks, I think. And I think Henry figured it out. I'm not sure how. And then Walt gets home from arguing with Jose Miguel and someone's outside his house in a truck. And then it's morning at the uh, uh, Blanco household. Cielo wakes up from her baby kicking. She gives a nice warm smile, rolls over to tell Walt something he's not there. He's downstairs looking out the window for his boss. And Cielo's like, what's going on, Walt? And then we're back at Jose's house again. Walt and him are arguing about... Do we want to work for Trump or not? And Jose's like, again, I want to pitch my quitting. And Walt's like, I got an idea with these plants here. These are magical quitting plants, magic of chemistry. And these will fix everything. We just, you know, they have the power to draw a boundary with your supervisor. And then we have a shot of Cielo in the baby's room, putting stuffed animals in the crib. She's got fluffy diapers, the ones that... uh. Mona was advertising. 
One was advertising the toilet paper version. And then there's a red flower box, and she's looking through. She's shocked. She finds it. She's looking through old pictures. Looks like an old boyfriend and her doing some dancing. Uh, then there's a knock at the door, and Henry's there. He's like, hey, what's up? I, I got to talk. Uh, I got a phone issue, I said. And he, he does a lot of hand talking with his hands. And then the tiara comes up, and Cielo gets really uh, pissed. And I don't know, so I guess Henry taking Maria's side, but Cielo's not having it. And then Cielo gets upset, and she starts crying. And Henry gets all awkward, but he still kind of hugs her and, and talks softly to her. And then we are back in Jose Miguel's basement, and they're cooking up these magical bean plants quit, to quit their job. There's spy music playing, like almost Mission Impossible style, with some good bass. And then afterwards, they sit down, they're talking about, Jesus, well, this, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. We're going to, you know, try to break, we're going to try to get fired from our job or something. You know, they want to have the best of everything. And uh, he says, you know, what, what we'll do is we're going to, they think they said, we'll put this magical stuff in some mess. We'll tell our boss it's a special mix. And then we'll quit on, you know, or maybe they're going to uh, put him in a, uh, like some sort of, uh, you know, treatment facility and then leave their jobs. I, I don't know. And then a call comes in, Walt's like, irritated, pissed, and it's Henry. He's like, hey, where are you at, bro? Uh, I was just at your house, and Cielo's, you know, something's going on there. And then he's actually at the site of the last deal, and he's like, you know, I, I, I work uh, gumshoe for... Uh, you know, one of these work, you know, enforcing workers' rights, Walt, and I'm on, you know, I'm on the case right now. And he says, I just found out these, not only was one guy fired unfairly, uh, you know, but another guy was maybe fired or, you know, let go of his job because he was, you know, counseling this young man that was fired. And I got a feeling somebody's, you know, trying to, what do you call it, like, uh, they must have brought in a consultant that said, fire everybody. So then Walt, they, he's like, oh boy, and then Jose Miguel's like, oh boy. And Jose Miguel grabs the money, Walt grabs the deadbolt, and he says, I'm going to lock my house up and pretend this problem goes away. Jose Miguel, you run around like a lunatic. And then, but that's when we, actually, that's when we switch back and we see Henry discovered the uh, firing, but I just kind of combined it together. Oh, but the other thing Henry uncovered was that one of the guys was fired because he was injured in a work-related accident because the other guy was fired. So he said, oh, well, let me talk to you about firing. Then he got hurt, like, he got a bruise. And but then they said, hey, did you go to the doctor because you got a bruise? You're fired. That's what Trump said. You're fired. And they say, you can't do that. And so Henry's like, this is this case is going to blow it open, man. This, you know, this is unfair. And then Walt rushes home to, you know, break it to his wife. I have a secret job and I'm about to lose it, my dear. And she's trying to do some peaceful candlelight yoga con lucho. And Walt's all upset. And then while she's talking, he wa- walks off. And he's like, I better hide all this money and this new deadbolt uh, in the bathroom. And Cielo's like, Walter, get in here. Walt, we need to talk. Were you going to admit that you have a secret job to me? And Walt's phone rings. 
It doesn't answer it. But the CL CL is mad and Walt goes to his balcony because they think he heard something. And then Jose Miguel's there. He's like, hey, I want to. He doesn't say anything. Walt's just like, oh, boy, what's this guy doing? He goes, we can't be seen together conspiring to quit a job. That's, you know, reason for fire, grounds for firing. And then, so Walt goes down to tell Jose Miguel that. And then Tuco's in the back. He says, hey, hey, top two employees, we need, you know, uh, midnight, uh, emergency work meeting let's go and then they're so excited to get to talking about hashing this out work-wise it starts setting off all these car alarms as jose's miguel's cars driving off and that's the end of the episode right so now i'm gonna run through the red pen version of the show of metastasis episode eight uh tolo uh, Walt was saying, uh, this money's for my family's future. Uh, Christos Generales, Hipoteca, Hacielo, uh, Que Hacemos, uh, Frene Frene, Severe, Sirve, Shingado, Pasate, De Esso, Chingada again, Tiralo, Apuerte, Tiene prisa, uh, Toco has no as. Oh, Tuco has no. That was in English, and I thought it was in Spanish. My handwriting's so bad. I noticed in the second run through. I mean, I'm not. I don't spend a lot of time looking at. But Tuco has no ass. because he has these designer jeans, and I figured uh, with such a shirt and style, I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna check Tuco's ass." I'm not, you know. But I noticed he had, like, almost, what did I write? He had another great black and white shirt, like, window pane style. Uh, but he has no ass. It's very flat. And you might say, Scooter, what are you looking doing looking at Tuco's ass? I say, well, Jesus, the details that make this podcast boring. You know, and nothing can be more boring than a concave ass and a man with a stylish shirt. You know, even, I'm not even into dudes' asses, but I'm into observing them. So pardon my ass observations, but, and it's not a knock on him. I guess I was just surprised. I said, Jesus, Tuco, I don't know why, I don't know what, I, I guess I, I, maybe I haven't done enough ass looking. So maybe I should bump up my ass observations. Uh, so, but yeah, so... Asus taste, te pasa algo. Uh, I put WTF at some point. Uh, compraste sombrero. Uh, she says, uh, Ciela says when she sees Walter's black hat. Uh, Walter put the black hat down on a remote. I'm about 99% positive. It was an old Sony remote from an older Sony television pre- you're talking CRT generation, because that's what I have at my house. Uh, is a, is a Sony CRT. Well, I, I, I still have it in my house. I don't use it anymore. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm too powerless to... Uh, I want to get rid of it, but I, I don't know. Anyway, but I know it's the same remote. Uh, Grace, old Sony remote, it has this thing on the bottom that maybe you'd attach a wrist holder for in case you're... 
worried about flinging your remote or you want to bring it to the bathroom with you and not hold on to it or put it in your pocket like a regular person. So, you know, and it's run by Sony Pictures, so it makes, I don't know if that makes sense, but interesting. Uh, Donde estuviste llegare supon en yendo, supoindo, supon yendo, supoindo. That gets said a lot when Walt and Jose are arguing. Pun, puntal, puntal, bam. Punta Nales or something. Aquer uh, dese miraba acabaron. Uh, I wrote something in English I can't read. Think about something for something. Tracer dose. Uh, what about Gonzo? He's big. Uh, somebody says exact. Walt says lohizo. Oh, uh. Maria's talking about Chinese versus Colombian restaurants, I think. But Henry's got a nice shirt. His was blue and maroon diamonds. With kind of other things, even a light and dark blue. Uh, Dime, terapia, therapy, six sessions. Asparagus said six times. Uh, Petarlo, or Petardo. Cuibo. Guevones, Guevones, uh, Turbito, uh, Special Olympics gets said, I think. Uh, very sm- smiley. Oh, Cielo's sm- very smiley when she wakes up, the, ba- the baby wakes her up. Well, claims he had a stomach ache. Uh, Ghana gets said, Ciamelias. S.A.S. Suplan, Samelius. I noticed the, the diapers, the fluffy diapers come in 50 to a pack. Uh, you know, that's important to know. Uh, PR Oye, Elate, Mando, Mira, Yo, Intendo, Keustedes, Dos, Tienen, Sus, Diferencias, uh, Sabias, uh, Ciel is saying something like, my problems are bigger than yours. Uh, Los Mios, no. Uh, Maria's klepto, that also gets said somewhere in there. Uh, Qual quiere cosa irase. I also notice in Jose Miguel's house, he's got a little coffee cup collection going with some Christmas coffee cups, probably left over from his aunt. But I said, geez, he's got a little seasonal coffee cup collection or teacup, and, you know, mug. I guess they're mugs, coffee mugs. Which I said, well, that's that doesn't seem too badass actually. So I guess uh, maybe he's more sensitive, or you know, he seasonally drinks. You know, he says, well, it's, I want to feel like Christmas even when I'm drinking my coffee. I like to know my seasons. You know, in the morning I would say, what the hell season? Oh. To my uh, Halloween mug, and I know, even though I haven't had my coffee, I know it's Halloween. Thank goodness. Uh, bu- bouquet, uh, tanta sangre, Daniel la vuelta, uh, Daniel la vuelta, poesia, no yodas. Uh, Henry's got a great laugh when he's figuring out that whole firing, uh, you know. Saying great chuckle. 
uh, there's Breaking Bad string music in the industrial scene when Henry's investigating this industrial firing. Uh, the Breaking Bad music was strings, you know, like a uh, violin type stuff. And a couple other observations. Walt drives very fast when he's trying to get home. Uh, con lucho eso fue lo que dijo voy donde estabas. Walter, Walter, sigh. That's what Cielo says when Walt's in the bathroom. And then she says, Walter Blanco. She really, she, she doesn't yell it. She, she says it forcefully, like he's a little boy in trouble. She says, Walter Blanco, estoy hablando. Hablame, or something, talk to me. Say in serio, Walter, talk to me. Oh, I'm serious. Uh, no se por donde comenzar. And then I put Walt has a nice balcony, which I already mentioned. And I said, geez, that's where balconies, I said, his neighborhood isn't quite urban enough. But I, I love urban life with a balcony. It can't be beat. That's when I get along with other human beings. When I'm in a balcony, talk, you know, I say, morning, neighbor. You know, if I see you at the mailbox, I'll be like, what the hell? But for some reason, when I'm at a balcony, something about the boundaries, I'm more chipper. Like, if you saw me at a balcony, like, uh, you'd say, geez, that guy can't be boring. He's got to be that guy. He must be some sort of uh, a rocket scientist. Uh, rocket te- He's like, yeah, that guy must be a rocket tester. And then a couple of last things. A couple last things. Usted que esta haciendo aquí. Subete. Uh, Tuco says that and he says vamos. And that's it for our second metastasis run through. Okay, so this is our Breaking Bad run through. So opens in black and white with a hose and some bamboo. A snail, a, a drinking glass. Uh, there's someone whistling, and probably Walt, a nice whistling, a wind chime. We see a picture of it, and then we hear it, I think, but it's squeaking. And we hear a little bit of sirens. We hear the sounds of water. We see water. And then there's a little mystery in the water. And then we see something floating. The water's rumbling. Yeah, we hear the water moving. It's getting sucked into the pool filter. And then we're under the water. We see that pink, uh, uh, what's it called, plushie. And I don't know why I can't think of the guy, Mr. Snuggles or whatever from Toy Story 3. I can't, was that guy played by Walter Brimley? Why do I want to say Walter Brimley? I guess that makes sense in the podcast, Wilford Brimley. And we know it says, like, a plush toy has a little bit of a burn on it. And say, oh, dear. And then we're black, replaying from last season, the same as with, uh, you know, the, the, the people losing, the guy losing his job, a blue mask, uh, Tuco happy, but not as a good supervisor, not nice to his employees. And then we're in the car, uh, and it's another great scene. There's heavy breathing from Walt. He's looking at the money, uh, but Walt's kind of obsessively ma- rain manning, kind of, he needs $737,000. He says, uh, he's adding up. He says, uh, you know, inflation, college, that's 45 a year. But two kids with college, that's 360 G's. 
Mortgage with home equity, 30 G's, that's 137. Uh, cost of living with home and stuff, two grand a month. Well, two, oh, I guess after the house is paid off. And then it said, okay, so that's 240,000. He starts adding it 737,000. That's what I need. And he says, seven, 70 grand, it's only 10 more weeks, 11 more weeks. That's a doable, doable. And then Jesse just sighs, uh, starts the car, Walt buckles up. I say, geez, that Walt, I mean, that's such a detail, important detail about his character. He buckles up. And then they have a near collision. There was a couple of quick cuts. So there was a Mary statue. I wasn't sure if it was, and it was uh, Jesse's car or Tuco's car. But I said, that was an interesting touch, but I, I didn't rewatch it to see. I thought the mystery would be more fun. And Tuco's trying to get Walt to pass. Uh, Tuco's trying to get Walt to pass the CPR test, you know. And he says, "Come on, man, you, you do something. You're smart, right? You know, do you? Can, what do you mean you can't pass this?" And then he says, "What about moth to moth?" And he says, "That's not part of Walt." Says they don't do that anymore on CPR tests. And then Gonzo says, "Hey, let me help. You know, let me help here." Uh, Tuco smoked a cigarette. He did not smoke in uh, uh, in metastasis. I thought that was interesting. And then Tuco, they, they're getting ready to leave. He says, uh, what's the big hurry? And Walt says, I just think we're done here. And Tuco, gets, he says, he said, you're done. And it was just a very, very Trump-esque menacing. He says, you're done. I think he says, oh, yeah, you're done to Jesse. And then we have Skylar. She's rubbing lotion on her pregnant belly. Looking at Walt's pills. Uh, she puts on a green beauty mask. And then she hears something. She calls out to Walt, goes downstairs. And Walt's just staring at the TV, lost in thought. No sound. He's totally absorbed in the TV. And kind of out of it. She says, hey, you got a new, a new hat? He says, what? And then he, she says, I got some grilled chickens for Albertsons. Let's eat. And then I notice Walt puts his hat on a bird, a little bird statue or like a paperweight or something. It had, but it was more songbirds than owls. Because as I said, I'm fixated on the fact that in Metastasis, they have a little uh, uh, ceramic owl collection. But then Walt's really sad in this. He, she says, where have you been? And he's almost crying, holding her, holding his belly. But then he tries to work out his, his tension other ways, and Seal says, no. And then Walt goes outside and says, she says, don't take your tension out of me, Walt. She says, you cannot take it out of me. And then we have Jesse, he's at the doghouse, uh, which is, I guess, a comic, comedic term, but he's at the hot dog stand, he's a little freaked out. And I said, geez, Jesse's got some fur-like hair, maybe not quite as furry as mine, but he's fur. he's got some fur. And it was the hot dog in the dog's tail where the neon, the neon sign and we have Jesse and Walt arguing. Jesse's yelling and Walt saying, this is conjecture. And it was just hilarious. He said, this is conjecture. And he said, this is conjecture. Yes, conjecture is not helping. 
And then it says, okay, what about the facts? This guy, is he keeps, my phone keeps ringing. People are hanging up. And Walt's like, Jesse, you're overreacting. Calm down. He, he goes, he goes, Tuco wants to work with us. And Jesse throws it back at Walt. He says, what's that conjecture? Are you basing that on the fact that he has a normal, healthy brain or something? Jesse's so good when he's flustered, Aaron Paul. So good. And he says, did you hear him when he said you're done to us? That means you're going to, that's what Trump says when you're fired, you're fired. You're done. And he's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's him or us. You fire him or you fire us. And then Walt talks about the specifics and trying to get Jesse to say, well, Jesus, you know, we, we, we got to be, you know, we, we, we got to work this out somehow. But, you know, it has to be specific. But there's some great dialogue. He closes with, uh, Walt says something about his dealers and his posse. What about them? He also knows Jesse had a giant tub of uh, those candied orange slices. I mean, they're really gummies with sugar on his counter. Like a huge, he must have gone to uh, uh, Costco or something. And then we have a portable uh, coffee mug with a radiology sticker on it. Oh, Linus Splendas. Lined up in a very specific way. The radiology stickers on Marie's coffee cup, it says, uh, we see right through you. And before there was uh, Siri, Marie had some fancy, regular, old-fashioned phone that dials itself. And she has a call, Skylar. Now, this was one of those scenes where I said Marie could have her own boring podcast because she says, uh, uh, hey, Skylar, you must be up out and early. Big Lug and I are going to go try a new restaurant. So if you guys want to hang, listen to me. Listen to this meander. She goes, hang. Walt Jr. would be proud. I know the lingo. I'm a hip. It's a Chinese restaurant. I don't know. I just feel like Chinese. Uh, do you feel like people in China just feel like American? You know, they go and get takeout boxes, uh, mashed potato meatloaf, and try to figure out. I don't I wonder. All right, I'll let you go. Bye. And she's very OCD with her, her, her Splendor Raptors, are very specific about how she handles them. And then Hank's like, what are you doing? Don't you have to meet with Dave at 8 tonight? And she goes, uh, no. And he goes, yeah, you have six more sessions with him. That's it. And uh, I said, I put, I, I said, I think I like Frank, uh, Hank's neighborhood, not Frank, Hank. And it's just good, good dialogue here. Hank's like, Dave's really helping. And she, him and Marie are just, Marie's not having it. Marie gets in her car, starts her car. She has easy, easy listening music blasting. Like, so elevator music, but loud. And then she runs over the kid's car. And then we have Gomez telling this cop a story. Something about a phone call. To, it sounded like, I couldn't tell if it was a jail story or a uh, a poker story. So says something, give me two, give me four. And then Hank's like, hey, Chop, Chop, let's, let's, uh, get, we got to get into my office here. And then they talk about the chemical robbery, and then Hank's like, that place smells like feet. And then they're joking, as he says, you think they're pros? And he's like, look at this. He goes, yeah, oh, no, look at them. He goes, it's a barrel, it rolls. And then he says, oh, they're taking meth on me. And he goes, what are they, making old-school biker meth? And then Hank, he gets so close to the solution here so early. He goes, well, pseudoephedrine's short, so they change the formula. They make thermite, so they know their chemistry, but they're not burglars. So book learning, no street skills. 
And then Gomez says, well, maybe they're college kids. And Hank says, maybe, but they're going to step on someone's toes here. So they better pray. Sauce, they catch him and not the boys from Juarez. And then we have Walt. He comes home, he gets the paper, he sees someone watching him who's smoking in their car. But I said, I don't think he got the paper in Columbia. I think he just got home. And then Skylar's in bed. She almost seemed like she was jolted awake by the baby. But then she laughs. She says, oh, it's just a baby kicking. And then she says, your daughter wants out, Walt. And then Walt's not there. He's out watching a window. He's tired. Phone rings. He's scared by that. It's Marie. Skylar does the pickup hang-up move. And then Walt's like, oh, he had a stomachache, babe. But Skylar's not buying it. And then Walt's like, well, I've just been hanging down here with my stomachache. Let me put this knife away. I haven't been up to anything. And then Walt, we're with Walt and Jesse. Walt's like grilling Jesse about how would Tuco know where, you know, about Walt. And Tuco says, or I mean, Jesse says, he's got his ways and his means, yo. Sources. I love that line. Jesse had a cool shirt. It was a skull with a sticking its tongue out. And then we have this classic scene about the next solution. Uh, Walt's like, I got a better idea. And Jesse says, uh, well, thank God. What is it? Lay it on me, Mr. White. And he says, beans. And Jesse, and I think it's just hilarious. Jesse says, beans. He says, yeah, castor beans. And Jesse says, what are we, we're going to grow a magic beanstalk and climb it and escape. And then you say, man, who's writing this? It's so good. Well, it says, no, we're going to process it into ricin. And Jesse says, ricin beans. I mean, that's exactly what Jesse would say. And then Walt says, oh, no, no, it's a, it's a pre, it, it turns itself into a contract for quitting, you know, your job of getting fired first. Or, you know, getting laid off so we can collect unemployment. I think I wrote comedy gold beans. And then we have Skylar lying on the floor looking at pictures of her and some dude. And someone's at a window. It's Hank. He's like, uh, hi, Sky. And he kind of points at her, the two-finger point, like a guy Hank would use. Hey, can we talk? Can we sit? And she says, I'll sit. And then she says, this is about Marie, and he just laughs. He stands right back up. I notice Hank has a laugh just like President Bush, former President Bush. That, <laughs> No, no, yeah, <laughs> something like that. That's not that good, as good as it is, but <laughs> yeah, I can't do it, but but something like that. The bush, but you know, you guys know what I mean. And it's actually, a, it's like a cute, I mean, I don't know if you, free world leader, you want laughing like that, but it's an, it's not an offensive laugh. It's actually like a, a nice laugh or more of a chuckle. But they have it out a little bit because she says, did Marie send you? And Hank says, no, she's not even talking to me. I'm here self-preservation uh, big time. And I, I need you guys to work it out for me. He goes, I don't want to be involved in this, but, you know, you got to communicate. And, and Skylar's like, give me a break. And, and she says, no, Marie's a shoplifter. She says, that's right, that baby Tiara, Tiara you know, almost got me arrested. And Marie won't admit it or apologize. And then it's clear Hank knows. And he says, she says, what? And he says, yeah, we're working on it. She goes to see this guy, Dave. Dave, he goes, I mean, Dave is really good. 
Skyler says, Dave's good. He says, it's an ongoing process, Sky. We got to be understanding. You know what I mean? We got to, you know, support the shit out of her. And she says, do do we? I need support. She's like, I'm an almost 40-year-old pregnant woman with a surprise baby on the way, a husband with lung cancer who disappears for hours on end, doesn't speak to me, a moody son who does the same thing, overdrawn checking account, and a lukewarm water heater with rusty-looking crap, you know, it's rotting out the floor. We can't even pay to fix it. But she's like, now I'm supposed to go, oh, Hank, let me help you with my spoiled kleptomaniac sister who somehow manages to be the center of attention because God knows she's the one with the important problems. And then she gets gets real upset, and then Hank says, can I take a look at you? Want me to take a look at the utility closet? Uh, But it's really good acting. Good grimaces by Hank. He kind of leans back at one moment. And then we're at the rice and cook. And it says, well, it says, that's all it takes. And at some point it says, Jesse says, what's new about it? Oh, yeah, Jesse I said that was smart because it, well, it says, well, we'll just pretend this is a new formula. And Jesse says, well, what's new about it? Well, you got to have an answer. You're the man with all the answers, but you can't answer the simple stuff. So I thought that was nice by Jesse. And then also there was a nice callback in there. Because earlier, Walt kept saying, let's leave a pin in that, Jesse, and we'll come back to it when he was shooting down all of Jesse's ideas. And then when he says, well, what's new about it? Well, I don't know. And he says, okay, we'll put a pin in it. I thought that was like an interesting echo, like callback or whatever. I don't know. It was good. And then what Hank calls, he says, hey, Walt, sorry, I, I kind of messed stuff up with Skyler. Have you heard from her? We got to get her and Marie talking. And he says, uh, what, are you, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm in the middle of something. He said, hey, so am I. I'm at work looking into these, uh, you know, strange people losing their jobs. And what he says, what? He said, yeah, these guys. And then Wallace says, hey, Jesse, you go out of town. I'm going to go home and install this deadbolt. And then he peels out. Hey, Jesse starts looking for his money. I notice he has an obscene amount of jello molds, I think. So instead of having coffee mugs in Colombia, Jesse has jello molds. And then Walt calls for Skyler. There's way more shots in this than in uh, Metastasis to build attention while he's looking for Skyler. Way more cin- cinematic. And then Skyler's in the tub with candles going. Walt, she says, Walt Jr.'s at Lewis's house. I wonder if we ever meet Lewis or not. Or if he's like, do I need to start some... Uh, Lewis, uh, uh, what do you call it, fan fiction at some point. And she's like, so where have you been this time, Walt? And then Walt grabs the money and the dead bully puts it in a diaper box. And then Skyler's like, Walt, Walt. And then we have Hank at the scene of where these guys lost their jobs. He says it's poetic justice. He also says, hey, let's take a picture of old Stumpy which is like a favorite tree that, like, old, uh, what's his name, likes to fire people at. And then Walt sits on the edge of the tub, about to spill his beans, proverbial beans to Skyler, it looks like. About to cry, and his phone rings, he doesn't answer it, then a car pulls up. He goes outside, he sees Jesse, he says, what the hell are you doing here? And then Tuco's like, get in, play meeting. And then he noticed he flicked Jesse's ear in this one. I said, well, that's not very boss-like. And then he says, let's go. And they go. 
And that's the end of the episode. All right. Okay, language learning time. So we got Kobar Day. I must have wrote that down. It just says Kobar. Uh, Cabron, we should, I should know that it means a dumbass here. Uh, Gassio, wait, this is not. Oh no, this isn't the right one. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, this is the last week. That was the week before. Uh, but again, we start off with a blank. Tritello. 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 Casastos Generales. General Castos. Hipoteca. Hipoteca. Haciendo. Doing. Seis meses. Six months. Uh, but I spelled, I must have spelled says wrong, but I knew. I, oh, I guess I think uh, that's what it is, okay. Kajasemos, uh, what do we do? So I wonder if Hacienda uh, and Hacemos must be from Hacer. So we're, we're learning here, folks. This is live learning, lulling, learning, and loving every minute of it here. Uh, frene, frene. I thought that would mean uh, stop, stop, or something. It means break, break. Uh, hit the brakes, frene. Uh, serve, S A R V E, serving. Uh, this is a naughty one, so those of you that are sensitive, cover yours. Chingado, I fucked. But I think it more means it in a, a swearing way than. And swear words are important. To know with when you're watching adult television, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, Passate, no idea, Passate, de so of that. Uh, Chingada, it must be from Chingado, but I didn't, the phone, the translator couldn't find that. But it just said, you know, what I'm doing is a miracle spreadsheets, which I barely know anything about, but someone on the internet had this thing, they said, oh, you could use a spreadsheet to, to to look up stuff on Google Translate. Otherwise, I'll be honest, I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast. I mean, I did the first week, and I said, I can't do this every week. And then I said, I must have two options. One, find another human being, talk to them, say, hey, could you help me if I give you a list of illegible words in Spanish? Could you translate them for me for this weird podcast I do? And then have to, you know, navigate all those uh, roads of work, you know, or I could, you know, find some robotic way to do it that may be less efficient. Uh, one day, maybe I'll be a grown up. But for now, Google Translate in a spreadsheet. Okay, where were we? Uh, TNA, it has. Brisa, hurry. Tiraro, tir, tiralo. I throw it up. What a nothing. This is a good one. I didn't. I, I didn't think this was a word. Asu asus asustaste taste asustaste asustaste scared. Uh, te pasa algo? Is something the matter? Uh, compraste bought sombrero. That's hat. Uh, Walt's hat. Uh, donde, where? Like, where, 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 say, donde? We're learning those. Estuviste, 
I must have wrote that wrong. No idea. Yegere, no idea. Uh, here, this might be the word of the week because we can make so many. Suponiendo. Uh, suponiendo. I wish I had my notes from the episode, but that's assuming. I think in Breaking Bad they use it in a more legal context. I can't remember. Maybe I'll remember. But suponiendo. Uh, is don't, you know, don't assume, don't make a, uh, a chingato out of you and I. Oh, no, chingados, never mind, that's a bad, I just made a, a wave on of myself. Uh, but that's, you know, that's not a big deal. But that could be the word of the week, suponiendo. I queer dese, nothing, I, I queer dese, but if you, so this one was a test I did. Because I couldn't read my writing. I said, is it A-C-U-E-R space D-E-S-E? And Google Translate said, no, it is not. And then I said, is it A-C-U-E-R-D-E-S-E, one word? And it said, Google Translate said, remember. So that means, yes, it is. Uh, Miraba, uh, he is looking. And then this next one I wrote twice, Aka Baron. Remember last week we had Roboron. Uh, phony phone. Now we have Aka Baron. Aka Baron. Uh, they ended. That's the word of the week. I mean, that's just anything with Baron in it. It just it sounds so good saying Baron. Baron. Aka Baron. Uh, but I, I said, I couldn't read my writing. I said, maybe it's Aka Bonan. But no, it's uh, Google Translate said nope. Uh, Tracer dose uh, two or three, three or two. Lohizo he did. Rapido fast. Aspere wait. I gotta make some flashcards maybe because these are good ones to learn. Rapido aspere. Dime tell me. Terapia therapy. I know how to spell it. Well, I don't really know how to spell it, but I know how to uh, make that. You know, drag that out for years. Uh, Aspera, waiting, petardo, firecracker. Wait a second, that's the word of the week there, petardo, firecracker. Cuobo, uh, that, that one I can't find. I, I don't know, I gotta do some research on that one. Guevones, we know that's bird brains. Tubito, tubule, Ghana, desire. Wait a second, we got some good words. Wow, we got a tight race between Akabaron. Uh, they ended. Well, I guess I never said what Akabaron. They ended. Uh, Ghana desire, and uh, Petardo firecracker. Then we have Semias seeds. S S S plan. That's your plan. Semias seeds. Uh, gold pair hit. Oye, hey, uh, this might be the, uh, this is, it must be in reference to Maria, and this will be the uh, word of the week, I mean, the phrase of the week, maybe, well, maybe. Ella tu man- mando, she will command. Uh, Ella tu com- mando, Ella tu mando, she will command. Uh, Mira, look, uh, entiendo que ustedes dos tienen sus diferencias. I understand you two have your differences. Uh, sabias, sabias, wise los míos, no, not mine. Uh, cualquier, 
So this one I did two twice too. Qual space kier want which, uh, but qual kier one word any. So that's the first time that's happened. I came up with two two words. Cosa uh, thing irisay leave. That's pretty good. Irisay, you're irritating me. You know, if, we, if we're speaking in Spanish and English. Uh, Benga bear, come see. I did not think that's what it meant. Benga bear, come see. That could be the phrase of the week just because it's useful. They'd be like, hey, Benga bear, uh, the Guevon is going to try to do another podcast. Uh, Benga bear, Guevon. Uh, Tantas, okay, we'll skip that one. Uh, Tanta much. Uh, Danele Wabwalta, give back. That's pretty good. Poesia, poesia, P-O-E-S-I-A, poetry. Uh, Another bad word here, no yodas. Uh, Don't fuck with me. I mean, no yodas, it was just don't don't mess, you know. So, or you think of yoda, he would probably say, he probably wouldn't say that harshly. But you don't want to mess with yoda, so no yodas. Uh, Con lucho eso fue o... Oh, a miss low KDO maybe? Uh, Lucho said that was OL. Uh, donde esta pas? Where were you? Uh, boy, boy, I'm going. Hablame. I think that means talk to me. Uh, but I just spelled it wrong. I forgot to put the space in there. Hablando, speaking. That's when she must be yelling at the, through the bathroom. Walter, Walter Blanco, I'm speaking to you. Uh, this could be the phrase of the week. We'll see as I edit it. No, say, poor Dundee, Comenzar. Not know where to start. If I could tell you how many times I've heard a, you know, a long speech taught to me, start with that. I don't even know where to start with you. I mean, and I'm not exaggerating. I don't even think. So I have 10 fingers and 10 toes. Way, way more than that. Where adults have said, I don't even know where to start. There's so many times in my life uh, where I did something that I didn't think was terribly naughty. Uh, but uh, as a child, and I mean child meaning below 30 years old, where someone said, I don't even know where to start. What in the hell? Or, you know, usually I wouldn't say that, but it'd be their eyes would be saying it. Well, you went, what you did, what? K? So for my own life, that's pretty, no say, poor Dundee, Comenzar. And then they say, they would say, what, Usted K, what were you thinking? Uh, or you think Usted K. And they probably, a lot of times they'd also say, esto, haciendo aquí, what are you doing here? Uh, subete, they didn't say that, vamos, let's go. Uh, so that's a word, that's the, uh, Language learning, some good words this week. Uh, and we'll see what wins out when we, uh, when I do the editing, huh? Okay, so uh, Jose, uh, no, uh, Jesse Pinkman, not Jose Miguel, he was in front of that, uh, the hot dog stand, the dog, the dog house. And it had a neon sign. I've always loved neon signs, as many, so many people do. I just find them. So, I don't know, it was so colorful. I, I, I just love them. I, I don't know why. I don't collect them. 
because I'm also a klutz and I don't have any money. So, and I live in a tiny apartment. But believe me, if I, if I, you know, when me and Muskie go into business with the uh, with the tube thing or whatever business, you know, when Midler pay, you know, starts paying the bills, and I mean both Bed and the Midler app. Then I'll probably, you know, I'll have my own, you know, neon signs that my neighbors will sue me about in the gated community up on the hill where I'll have them, you know, going, you know, for the people in the flatlands to see. Uh, but until that day, I said, let's do some research. And I know in Las Vegas they have a neon museum, uh, which I've never been to, but I wanted to read just a little bit about it. It's uh, founded in 96, the Neon Museum's nonprofit 501C. Three organization dedicated to collecting, preserving, and studying, studying and exhibiting iconic Las Vegas signs for educational, historical, arts, and cultural enrichment. Uh, the Neon Museum campus includes the outdoor exhibition space known as the Boneyard, the Neon Boneyard, uh, visitor center housed inside a formal, the former La Concha Motel lobby. And the Neon Boneyard North Gallery, which houses additional rescue signs and is available for weddings, special events, photo shoots, and ed- educational programs. Uh, due to the nature of our collection, the Neon Museum Boneyard is only available to public through our one-hour-long guided tour. tour. Tours are available seven days a week, and tour times are based on the season. Uh, dedicated individuals from the private sector as well as corporate and government entities and uh, Corporate and government entities worked collaboratively to promote the preservation of these national treasures uh, as significant pieces of artistic and historical importance. Each of the nearly 150 signs in the Neon Museum's collections offers a unique story about the personalities who created it, what inspired it, and when it was made and the role it played in Las Vegas' distinctive history. In addition, the Eon Museum chronicles changes and trends in sign design today, technology through pieces ranging from the 30s to the present day, uh, public education outreach and archival preservation and grant-funded Neon Science Survey represent a selection of the museum's ongoing projects. And that's at 770 Las Vegas Boulevard North, so you should definitely check it out if you can because it sounds wicked cool. And it's, you know, neon signs. Okay, so I want to do a more in-depth story about uh, neon lights. This is a pretty long article, so I don't know how much of it we'll be able to get through. But it's by Jane Boyd and Joseph Rucker. And it's from the uh, strangely titled website uh, chemheritage.org, which is Chemical Heritage Magazine, a library, museum, and center for scholars. And I don't even want to look into, like, who runs it because it's probably bad news. Uh, but it looks like a pretty good article. Uh, they they have they started with a quote from Raymond Chandler. I smelled Los Angeles before I got to it. It smelled stale and old like a living room that had been closed too long. But the colored lights fooled you. The lights were wonderful. There ought to be a monument to a man who invented it. There ought to be a monument to the man who invented neon lights. Fifteen-story size, solid marble. There's a boy who really made something out of nothing. And that's a quote from Raymond Chandler, Little Sister, 1949. And they say that that's Philip Marlowe, the character talking, and they say he was right about neon. 
uh, that the inventors of these uh, neon lights did make something out of nothing. I'll try to paraphrase. Uh, the colorful pictures and words come from the air itself. Mysterious gas is extracted from the atmosphere, trapped in tubes, and zapped with electric current. Uh, during the 20th century, lights fueled by neon and its fellow gases were icons of commerce and entertainment illuminating the modern age. Even some computers and calculators used uh, neon tubes for circuits and displays. Uh, today, many of the lights have spurted out, replaced by newer, cheaper technologies, but these gas tubes still shine, treasured for their unique light. Aristocats, aristocrats of the air. Story of Neon begins in the 1890s with Scottish chemist, chemist William Ramsey. He was a co-discoverer of the four noble gases, neon, argon, krypton, and xeon. Ramsey also isolated and characterized helium and radon, two other noble gases. He won the Nobel Prize. And today, no wonder they're noble. They are family of elements distinguished by their unwillingness to bond with other atoms. It was a long time before the atmosphere gave up all its secrets. As uh, 1785, Henry Cavendish, uh, a chemist, noted a small residue of gas left over after he removed oxygen and nitrogen from common air. Ramsey and John William Strutt, third uh, Bob Baron Rayleigh, or something. Uh, tried to identify the gas. They began uh, using brute force methods uh, to strip away uh, every atom of nitrogen and oxygen, uh, even using red-hot copper. Uh, after they got there, they named the residual gas argon, uh, derived from the Greek for the inactive or lazy one. Though argon makes up less than 1% of the atmosphere, Ramsey selected there were more rare gases hidden in the air. 1899, him and Morris Travers tried to hunt those down, and they isolated the gases like boiling them and going below boiling, and they discovered neon, krypton, and xenon, which is xenon, xenon, which is Greek for the new one, oh, krypton, the new one, no, neon, the new one, krypton, the hidden one, and xenon, the stranger, xenophobia, that's what it was, xenon. Maybe. But though these uh, rare gases are invisible to the naked eye, each one glows a distinctive brilliant color when sealed in a tube and energized with high voltage. Uh, these, these tubes became the basis for neon lamps. Ramsey found neon's light striking. In his 1904 Nobel Prize lecture, he described the neon spectrum as a brilliant flame-colored light consisting of many red, orange, and yellow lines. Uh, Travers was even more descriptive. A blaze of crimson light from the tube told its own story, and it was a sight to dwell upon and never to forget. It was worth the struggle of the previous two years and all the difficulties yet to be overcome before such research was finished. For nothing in the world gave a glow such as we had seen. Uh, mining air, and in the late 19th century, liquid air, especially oxygen, found other uses in theater lights, welding, and techniques for liquefying glasses use the Joule-Thompson effect, which you can see when you use pressurized air to dust a keyboard or huff it. Don't do that, though. As the air expands through the nozzle, the temperature drops and condensation forms on a can. 
Uh, first practical methods to look why look for air appeared when Ramsey was working to isolate his gases. And you want to thank William Hampson, who one of the men responsible, and he did that in his Nobel Prize lecture. But we'll skip some of this because it's not neon. But these all these really great science dudes in England, Germany, France—they were all working hard to liquefy air and you know create great quantities. Uh, they made you know companies. They sold air. They did research. And they wanted to discover even more Nobel Nobel gases. And this guy Claude, he was a French guy, probably. He was the first to look to gas tubes for light. Uh, he used, you know said Edison's making all this dough on these incandescent light bulbs. Uh, do you think we could get in on it? But you know Edison already had his guy working for him. They made ten foot tubes with nitrogen or carbon under low pressure with electrodes. They were called Moore lamps. After this guy, Daniel McFarlane Moore. And believe it or not, they were more efficient than carbon filament lamps then in use. Uh, but they were expensive to, to install. You needed a glass plumber, high voltage, and they leaked. Uh, so Edison put them out of business. Then Claude found you. He said, well, let me adapt this concept with neon. Uh, but he couldn't just switch. He switched his guy a magnificent glow. But the impurities set free from the hot electrodes dim the brightness. And then he put in a carbon filter. But that made the uh, it, uh, tubes flicker out too soon. Then larger electrodes uh, stayed cooler. And then a 20 foot tube could last 1,200 hours. Uh, so then Claude. He got his first patent in 1910. He showed it at the Paris Motor Show, you know, for signs for manufacturers, uh, glinting off the shining metal of the cars below. Outside, two 40-foot tubes grow to vivid, glow to vivid orange-red on the building's colonnade. Uh, and it was all displays of modern technology. Uh, but Claude was like, well, you can't light up a building with red neon. But he said sometimes, it might, you know, with monuments and ads, it could be more dazzling than a tr- and attractive than a regular light. And that's how it worked out. Uh, first time he did it was on a Parisian barber shop in 1912 on Montmartre. Uh, then they did it for Italian vermouth maker Cinzano. Uh, and then they illuminated the entrance of the Paris Opera. Uh, then Claude formed a company, Claude Neon. Was, that'd be a good spy name. My name's Claude, Claude Neon. And he started selling franchises, 100,000 plus royalty, but dozens of people signed up royalties. In America, you know, he, he played us for fools, but a smart guy. And then Neon was on its way, maybe. Uh, the first signs of the United States didn't appear in New York or at Las Vegas, which, you know, didn't really have anybody in the 20s. But in L.A., entrepreneur Earl Anthony was already a pioneer in radio, automobiles, and gas stations. He had, in 1915, a dealership for Packard motor cars. And after he saw a Claude sign, he, in 23, he commissioned a stylish promotion for his downtown showroom with signs that said Packard and Elegant Script and neon tubing with a blue border, you know, maybe with some mercury. 
Science costs about $1,250 American, about half the price of a car. But the investment paid off. There was sensation causing traffic jams. But to quote from that point on, neon was unstoppable. It's truly the new one, a symbol of modern industry, commerce, and progress. In a world still recovering from World War I and the Great Depression. In New York, London, Denver, and Shanghai, across main streets of the world, dusk brings forth a million vivid electric signs that make the night alive. There is a new sign language written in glass. Uh, proclaimed a 1937 advertisement for Corning Glassworks, which supplied tubes for neon signs. Uh, Claude's use of neon at the Paris Motor Show was perhaps prophetic, since neon became an integral part of automobile culture, particularly in the U.S. They used uh, neon signs as the interstate highway developed in the U.S., uh, to attract motorists to businesses, gas stations, diners, motels, and roadside attractions. Uh, at New York, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas, uh, you know, became famous for countless neon signs that enticed people with visions of nighttime pleasures, both accepted and forbidden. Uh, going to the movies to the theater, dining in restaurants, dancing, drinking, gambling, and sex. Uh, many people learn how to make neon signs by working with established sign makers, sign makers, but only a few trade schools, most notably the Igani Neon Glassblowing glass School in New York City, taught the technique. Uh, working from a design trace down to an asbestos sheet, great. A sign maker heated a glass tube over a burner and a torch to create bends and curves blowing frequently through the hot tube to keep it from collapsing. Further steps including attaching electrodes, evacuating the air inside, and bombarding the interior with high voltage to clean the glass. After small amounts of glasses were pumped in, usually neon argon with sometimes a little mercury, the tube was sealed. It was aged with electrical current to remove impurities from the gas and ensure a steady luminosity. The completed tubes were then mounted on a metal plate coated with enamel for durability and to enhance the lights. And then the sign was complete. You know, you just throw the electronics on there. Uh, adjusting the gas mixture, tinting or coating the tubes allowed for more than 40 color combinations. Even with the limitations imposed by the fragile and difficult medium, many forms and shapes are possible. Black letters, flowing scripts, lines and geometric designs, and pictures of all sorts. From a humble shoe or the fish in the shop window to elaborate long-scale moving signs called spectaculars. Animated by complex timing devices that turn tubes on and off in succession, these signs dazzled onlookers with outlines of tra- speeding trains, gigantic dancing showgirls, or drinks poured into immense glasses. Spectaculars were masterpiece of art, masterpieces of art and technology requiring hundreds of feet of tubing and miles of electrical wiring. And miles of electrical wiring. Uh, neon just didn't do signs. You know, they talk about computer and neon tubes, uh, switching tubes, which is cool. And then neon, you know, blackouts during World War II that darkened the neon signs in the U.S. And some of the bigger ones were never relit because people went for cheaper, lower-maintenance signs, plastics, fluorescent tubes. Uh, and nowadays, unfortunately, a lot of neon signs are small and simple like open or beer. 
uh, 70s saw a little bit of a uh, small-scale neon revival that's still going uh, because the neon's unique look and retro appeal. And, you know, there's maybe even a new artisan movement. It doesn't say that here, but I can imagine. That, oh, and it says, yeah, artists push the medium in new directions, drawing with light to create unique abstract sculptures. Even if giant television screens and lighted billboards have replaced the extravagant neon spectaculars of old New York City's Times Square and elsewhere, neon still illuminates the night skies in cities and towns worldwide from Las Vegas to Tokyo and beyond. And what are the first neon signs in the U.S.? Uh, Packard cars are gone, but Earl C. Anthony's showroom remains in downtown Los Angeles. Over the entrance, a replica neon sign advertises the new function in brilliant blue-white glow, glow, Packard Bluffs. And it says here, Jane Boyd, Jane E. Boyd, Ph.D., is an art historian, independent curator, and freelance writer and editor in Philadelphia. Uh, Joseph Rucker, Ph.D., is a biochemist and director of research and development at Integral Molecular, a uh, Philadelphia biotech firm. And I don't know anybody that's in California. I went to that Cars Land maybe a few years ago in California Adventure at Disneyland. And I know making that original movie, they drove Route 66, and they saw the neon signs. So they recreated a lot of that there. It's very cool. And I think they have like a little thing where people gather just like a spectacular. When the sun sets, they turn on all the lights. And it's really, really cool. So, you know, uh, and then there's the the Las Vegas Museum. So a little bit about neon signs, all right? Uh, Thank you. Speaking of snail mail, I want to thank Tara. I want to thank Lynn. And I want to thank Sarah and Mike for all the mail they sent me. Thank you. I want to thank Robert for commenting on the website. Real nice comments. Thank you, Robert. I want to thank Jeannie for the email and say, hey, Jeannie, I hope you're still listening to the podcast. And it was really nice to hear from you. Over on Twitter, I want to say hi to Eric Babs, Renee, Tony, Anna, Eve, Dan, D-A-N-Y-L-O, Anna, Eve, Dan, Y-L-O, and Swan TJ, you recommended the podcast. So I want to thank all of them. I want to say hi to Airman and Sean over on YouTube. And on Facebook, I want to say hi to Brian H., Laura, Alexandra, Francesca, and Aratsev. Uh, I didn't hear, I said, geez, I didn't hear that I got her name wrong. And then iTunes reviews, I want to thank uh, Rel Tata. Ari Reltas, Reltas, that's boring and funny. What? Okay. And they say, how it works, I can't understand, but it does the trick. But they're becoming dependent, don't stop recording. No problem. And then Big Head 54, I don't know if this is the Big Big Head, you know, from uh, formerly of Pied Piper. Currently... Was he, did he, I can't remember how the season ended. Was he still working? Well, I don't want, I don't want to get sued by Hooli, but, you know, I always, Big Head's got a big heart, a big heart, they should have called him. Except he had, you know, you can't see your heart, you can only see your big head. But Big Head 54 said, boom, asleep, and then just all Z's. So thank you, Big Head. Uh, thank all of you for the support.